Hi, I'm Alex Anders. I'm the author of this male-female wolf shifter romance audiobook you're about to listen to. The description of it is below, but allow me to tell you something about it. It is about Kendall, this shy, awkward girl who is ordinary in every way, except to wolf shifters, she has no scent. That's impossible! And she might never have learned that, except for one night after venturing out to a party, she comes back with a hangover and a note pinned to her shirt that says, the pond at 2 p.m. and remembers there was a party and a guy going to the pond she meets Nero this 6'2 blonde haired curly built rippling muscle Adonis of a guy who has the hottest southern accent that she has ever heard I'm sorry I don't remember what happened last night but you're perfect please tell me something about you sure um, here on a football scholarship? Football? Nope. I'm sorry. Mistakes were made. And then she storms off. And that would have been the end of it if Kendall's lack of scent and Nero's bad reaction to that rejection hadn't triggered his wolf leading to some bad decisions and him ending up in jail. And if Kendall weren't offered this prestigious opportunity that she would only get if she counsels the college's star football player who, beknownst to everyone, is a wolf shifter and has only gone wild because she has no scent. What will happen in this steamy wolf shifter paranormal twisting romance that I'm sure you're gonna love? But before you listen to the story, I need to tell you that there's a version of this audiobook with world-class narration that exists on Audible. And if you live in the United States or the UK and you don't already have an Audible account, then you can click on the links in my description, sign up for a free trial, and get this audiobook for free. However, if you are ineligible for the free trial because of where you live or because you already have an Audible account, then you can click on the Join button, becoming a member of this YouTube channel. When you do, you'll get access to the premium narration version of the story and access to every audiobook already uploaded to the membership program. And I write a lot of audiobooks. So if you want to learn more about it, you can click on the link above me. Otherwise, enjoy the story. Tortured Wolf by Alex McCanders Preface Nero I left my dorm room needing to get out. My wolf wasn't used to being caged like this. Ever since I had arrived at university, it felt like I was spending all of my time in boxes. At the same time I couldn't just let my wolf out. The campus was swarming with fragile, unpredictable humans. It wasn't like I had never spent time around them. Where I grew up there were a lot of them. Everyone got along real well. The difference is that they knew about shifters. If someone suddenly turned into a wolf, no one ended up dead. Wolves didn't spook easily. But if you see one and immediately think, kill or be killed, it will smell it as soon as you have the thought. There's no surviving a wolf attack if it thinks it's fighting for its life. So living where I am, I have to lock away my wolf. The only times I can let him out are the Sundays when my brother Cage comes to campus. That's when he, his girlfriend, my roommate and I head to the woods shift and let our wolves run. The next time we're doing that is tomorrow and my wolf knows it. The reason I'm out wandering the campus now is because he's restless thinking about it. When he gets like this, 
I also get the feeling he's looking for something. But that's just a guess. A lot of what I know about being a shifter is a guess. I didn't have an alpha to teach me about this stuff when I started shifting. I didn't even have a mother. But from what I've heard, wolves are curious. If you let them, they'll take you 100 miles in one direction just to see what's over the next hill. That was probably what was going on now, but I had my doubts. The first time I visited this campus was for my brother's graduation. It was then that I saw someone. I don't know why, but I couldn't stop staring at her. By the time I could leave my seat to look for her, she was gone. The weird thing was that she didn't leave a scent to follow. Everything left sense. It was like she was a ghost. At least to my wolf. I think my wolf has been looking for her ever since. I can't blame him. I can't stop thinking about her either. It wasn't like she was beautiful in the obvious ways or anything. She was actually a little awkward and boyish looking. But staring at her as she watched the ceremony from the edge of the trees, I wanted her. After she disappeared, I regretted not going to her the moment I saw her. I needed to know everything about her. I was hoping she was a student here. It was one of the reasons I was looking forward to attending. But it's a large campus with a lot of students and she doesn't have a scent. So either she's not here or she is and I can't find her. Either way, I've tried to let her go. Clearly I haven't because here I am still thinking about her. I'm pretty sure it's added to my wolf's restlessness. And lately, even letting him take control on the football field hasn't helped. I'm running out of things I can do. So on nights like tonight when he wants to roam the campus, I let him. I don't want to think about what would happen if I didn't. There's only so long a wolf will remain caged before it forces its way out. When that happens, let's just say that no one is safe. Like he often does when he's in this mood, tonight my wolf has led me to another party. As much as like to avoid people, he craves being around others. It's fine. I can play along. I've had a lot of practice wearing masks. Tonight's performance might be easier because the party my wolf has led me to is at one of the sports fraternities. There are two on campus. One is mostly for football players. This one is a mixture of the three major sports. There are guys from my team in it. Hopefully, that will make tonight less of a pain in my ass. Nero. Dude. You came, Dan said when I entered and saw him. Dan was an offensive tackle and one of my brother's friends. I got the impression that Cage asked him to look after me. Dan was cool and all, but he and my brother were friends before Cage shifted for the first time. Dan doesn't know shifters exist. So what good is he to me? I was just getting some air. I didn't know they were throwing a party tonight, I told him slipping on my human mask. What are you talking about? I told you about this after practice. I swear, it's like you don't listen to a word I say. You think I've been hit in the head too many times or something? Dan made a face like a zombie and then smiled. I'm just joking. Come on. Let's get you a drink. Had Dan mentioned the party to me? Was that why we were here? Had my wolf remembered it even though I hadn't? I couldn't understand how my wolf and I could be so different. I was perfectly happy being alone. Hell I preferred it. But every chance my wolf got, he was out searching for a pack. With a drink in hand I left Dan and crossed the rooms. Everyone looked like they were having a good time. I wondering if they were or if they were just pretending like I was. Knowing I had to be there as long as my wolf wanted to be. I compromised and exited into the backyard. Finding a porch, I leaned onto the wooden railing. 
Scanning the crowd I froze. Fuck. I couldn't believe it. It was her, the girl from graduation. She was standing 30 feet in front of me. As heat washed across my face my wolf went wild. I stared at her. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. What was I supposed to do now? Chapter 1 Kendall How many times have you put something into your mouth and thought, this does not taste good? Am I supposed to swallow it? And then you do, and you regret it. But seconds later you forget how much you hated it, and put more of it in your mouth. Well that was me last night, and I'm paying the price for it this morning. How can anyone drink whiskey? It tastes like dirt and it's like swallowing lava. I should have just held it in my mouth, and spit it out when no one was looking. No one really cares if you swallow, right? They just care that you're there making the effort. Okay, that's it for me. I know that it's a cliché for people to wake up with a hangover and claim that they will never drink again. But I'm really not going to. I will never drink again. Not wine, not whiskey, not even a cider. I'm done with drinking. And while I'm at it, I need to reconsider my relationship with loud noises and the sun. Can you quit that please? I said to my roommate Corey, before groaning and rolling over feeling awful. I was putting on my pants, Corey replied confused. And can you do it quietly? How many ways are there to put on your pants? I groaned. I don't feel well. Do you want me to get you a glass of water or something? I'm gonna go get breakfast. Do you want me to bring you back a bagel? I thought about a bagel with cream cheese and lox and almost threw up. What was Corey trying to do, kill me? Our dorm room wasn't very big, was she trying to get it all to herself? I moaned in reply and crawled into a ball. Corey remained quiet for a moment, and then sat on the edge of my bed and pushed her fingers through my hair scratching my scalp. It felt so good it almost made me forget how much I didn't like girls. To be fair, I didn't like guys either. It was people, in general, that I had a problem with. But the truth was, aside from how loudly she put on pants, Corey was very sweet. She was the type of person who restored my faith in humanity. Not completely of course because you know people. But after years of living with her, I've begun to think that they aren't all bad. More than that, being around her has made me desire human connection. I even left my room last night in search of it. I, Kendall Sears, went to a campus party. Clearly Corey has been a bad influence on me. It's too bad that I'm only into guys and most are assholes. The ones who aren't still treat me like the freak show that I am. I don't even mind that they don't see me in a sexual way, because I don't see them that way either. I mean they're alright. But the thought of kissing one of them. Huh. Let's just say it would never happen. I take it you had a good time last night. I don't remember, I admitted. Did you black out? Yeah, I told her burying my face in my pillow. Wow that's rough, she said rubbing my head a little harder. The girl had magic hands. If I were a dog my leg would be going wild right now. Despite not being into girls, if she wanted to crawl into my bed and wrap her arms around me, I wouldn't have objected. She wouldn't do that though. Because besides being straight as well, she was the purest girl I knew. No matter how innocent, she would probably think of it as cheating on her boyfriend. She was just a good person. I would probably spend the rest of my life looking for a guy anywhere near as great as she was. Can I ask you a question? Corey asked seriously. If I will marry you. If you're going to keep rubbing my head like that, the answer is yes. Corey chuckled. 
I'll keep that in mind, but that's not the question. Ooh, I groaned disappointedly. I'm wondering why you have a piece of paper pinned to your shirt. What? Cory moved her magic fingers from my scalp and tugged at something hanging from my t-shirt. It was the one I was wearing when I headed out the night before. And until the moment my memories went dark, the pinned paper hadn't been there. I rolled over to get a better look at it. Tilting it upwards, I saw words on it. It's written upside down, I told her as the whiskey's remains sloshed around in my brain. Cory chuckled again. Let me get that for you. She released the safety pin and stared at the note. Willow Pond at 2 p.m. What does that mean? What did that mean? I knew Willow Pond. It was my favorite spot on campus. It was where I went when I needed a moment to think. But what about at 2 p.m.? I was rolling over to ask Corey if she had read it correctly when an image suddenly flashed into my mind. It was of a boy of indistinguishable size and shape, and he was leaning into me. Oh God. I kissed a boy. I said shooting upright. Apparently it was a little too quickly, because with it came everything I consumed the night before. If our dorm room wasn't so close to the bathroom, I would never have made it. But when I returned from the porcelain god, I felt like a tiger on the hunt. That lasted about 30 seconds before I was reminded that the sun was the devil, and I had to crawl back under my sheets. Needless to say that the memory of me kissing someone for the first time in my life was a bit of a shock. I was never a popular girl. In high school, I could blame it on actively rejecting every girly expectation growing up in the South forced on me. But why was it the same in college? East Tennessee University wasn't like the suburbs of Nashville. The pressure to conform wasn't the same here. Because it wasn't, I didn't try so hard to fit out. I even saw guys around campus who dressed like me. Yet never once had I stumbled into a relationship with one of them or found a guy when I stopped looking for one, like people always say. Don't get me wrong, having my first kiss ever wasn't a big deal or anything. I'm just wondering how it only happened after getting blackout drunk. I know that alcohol lowered a person's inhibitions, so what was that saying about me and what I actually wanted? Are you okay? My roommate asked looking at me concerned. I think I kissed a boy. I heard. Who? I don't know. How could you not know? Because unlike you, some of us make poor decisions and do things with complete strangers they don't remember apparently, I explained. I make bad decisions sometimes. Sure you do miss I've practically been married since I was 17. You probably don't even know what a bad decision is. I'm not perfect. Yeah right. Whatever. So do you think the guy you kissed is the same guy who wrote this? I sat up. I do now. So this is like an invitation. To meet at 2 p.m. at my favorite spot. Yeah, Corey said with building excitement. That's kind of romantic. Romantic? I asked as if she were speaking a foreign language. I guess. You know, if you were into that sort of thing. Do you remember anything about the guy? I searched my memory. All I can remember is someone leaning into me. That's it. What about the angle? Leaning forward. Bending down. He was bending down. And he was big. I remember that. Big like actually big. Or just bigger than you. I think he was big. Like I think I remember him having large hands. Large hands, Corey said suggestively. What? I said with a blush. I'm just saying. 
Corey smiled. Okay, innuendo, hold your horses. We don't know anything about him. For all we know, he could be big because he was a statue my drunk ass was doing inappropriate things too. But would a statue write a note telling you to meet him at Willow Pond at 2? I thought about that. Corey was right. Whoever wrote the note was human. The guy they first kissed was made of flesh and blood. Did this mean that I had met someone I liked who liked me back? You know, not that I cared. Kelly and I are going hiking, so I have to go grab breakfast. But you're meeting him, right? You mean the stranger who could be arranging the place to murder me? No, I mean the guy who kissed you under the stars and left you a trail to find him again. Corey got up and grabbed her keys and wallet. Kendall, as much as you've talked about how much you don't like people, there's no way you can't go. Think about it. You met someone who you liked enough to kiss. No matter how drunk you are, there's no way you're doing that unless you think he's someone special. Who knows, this could end up being the guy you spend the rest of your life with. Yeah, because he kills me and dumps my body in the pond. Corey laughed. Okay. Do what you need to do. But if I come back tonight and you haven't met this guy, I will be very disappointed in you. Yes, mom. Good girl, she said before kneeling on my bed and kissing my hair. Ah. Corey really was too sweet for words. But enough about the girl leaving to meet her boyfriend. It was time to think about whoever it was that safety pinned the note to me. I had to admit that it was at least a little romantic. Did he realize that I wouldn't remember the night and want to make sure that we would see each other again? That had to be it, right? Not that he didn't want to put his number in my phone for the police to find. Or maybe it was both. Slowly feeling my strength return, I searched for my phone. When I didn't find it on my nightstand, I scanned the floor around my bed. It wasn't there either. Did I get so drunk I lost my phone? Crap. It was $800 and I'm still paying for it. I am seriously never drinking again. It's a good thing that apart from my parents, the only other person on it was the girl I lived with. Thank God for being unpopular. Needing to get something into my stomach, I eventually made my way to the cafeteria and filled my tray. I didn't know what would stay down, so I got a little bit of everything. Looking up for my food, a guy that first recognized from class caught my eye and waved me to join his group. I waved him off, knowing I couldn't carry on a conversation in my state. Besides, I wanted to see what I could remember before 2 p.m. If I didn't know what he looked like, how was I going to find him when I got there? How did I know he wasn't staring at me right now? I looked up and scanned the room. There were a lot of people. Most of them were engaged in conversation or staring down at their plate. The only one who wasn't was staring back at me. After a moment of eye contact, he came over. Hey Kendall, did you get my text about study group? Did you want to join? He asked awkwardly. I knew him. It was the guy from psychology class who was always staring at me. I couldn't figure out what his deal was. Was there always something on my face or was he just looking at the person behind me? I think I lost my phone, I said before wiping my mouth reflexively. Seriously? That sucks. Tell me about it. Did you need my number again? I don't have anything to put it in. Right, he said seeming disappointed. Anyway, we're meeting on Thursday at Commons. It would be great if you could come. I think I have something on Thursday, but maybe, I told him not wanting to go. Oh, okay. Just let me know. He smiled and returned to his table. 
I had to wonder about him. The guy was always asking me to join him for one thing or another. How many social events did he organize? Finishing my pancakes, I felt human enough to return to my room and get ready for the day. Sunday was a quiet day at the dorms. Most people were usually shaking off the effects of their Saturday night. Taking a shower, I couldn't help but imagine who it was who had pinned the note to my shirt. What if Corey was right, and it was the love of my life? The odds of it being him was low, but it didn't mean it couldn't happen. The thought of it made me tingle with excitement. What would it be like to crawl into a guy's arms and fall asleep? What would it be like to have a boyfriend or to have sex? I didn't know about any of that stuff. All I knew was that no matter who this guy ended up being, maybe I should do everything I could not to screw this up. Yeah, most people sucked, but I was tired of being alone. I wasn't a heartless monster, no matter how much I pretended to be. I wanted to know what love felt like. With our meeting time approaching and the butterflies swarming in my stomach, I found the nicest t-shirt I had and matched it to the same shade of black pants. Wrapping a studded leather bracelet around my wrist, I stood in front of the mirror and stared. I was skinny, I had almost no boobs and I dressed like a goth kid who wasn't making an effort. Brushing my unruly curls off of my forehead, they fell back. Yeah, this was as good as it was going to get for me. This guy was sure to be disappointed when he saw me in the light of day. After debating whether I should go a few more times, I left my room and headed to Willow Pond. I could barely breathe I was so nervous. What would happen if I couldn't recognize him? What if he saw me, realized he had made a huge mistake and then left me standing there waiting? The thought was almost enough to make me turn around, but I didn't. I continued step by step until the pond came into view. The place was practically empty. The only one there was a guy who stood along the shoreline staring at the ducks. Could that be him? It couldn't be. I could only see his back, but from it I could tell that he was way out of my league. Imagine shoulders broad enough to carry the world and arms strong enough to crush it in his hands. His golden hair glistened as the reflection from the pond bounced off of it. The sight of him threatened to take my breath away. When he turned and our eyes met, it did. It was him, the guy from last night. I would have recognized him anywhere. Memories came rushing back. Drunk off my ass, I had walked up to him at the party and had told him that he was the most gorgeous guy they first had ever seen. I was expecting him to tell me to fuck off. Instead he asked me my name and we talked for the rest of the night. Mostly I kept telling him how hot he was and tried to kiss him while he fought me off and blushed. Oh crap, I had forgotten about that. I had made a complete fool of myself. He had only kissed me because I wouldn't leave him alone until he did. But then he wrote something on a piece of paper and told me that it was for tomorrow and that if I was still interested then, I should meet him here. I think he had acted the way he had to be a gentleman. He had to have seen how drunk I was and didn't want to take advantage of me. But how could someone be that hot and thoughtful? There was clearly something wrong with him. Kendall. You came, he said smiling through a rural Tennessee accent. Oh God, he remembered my name. What was his? Of course, I said stepping within an arm's length of him. How could I not? You don't remember my name, do you? He joked. I do. It's um. My thoughts tumbled desperately. That's okay. You were pretty drunk last night. I'm just glad you came. The note helped. It was pinned to me. He laughed. Yeah, I didn't want you to lose it, like your phone. So I did lose my phone. That's what you told me. Crap. 
I was kind of hoping you had it. Why would I have it? He asked still smiling. I was just hoping. So are you gonna make me ask you your name? Oh. It's Nero. Kendall. I remember. Right. I have to be honest. I don't remember much from last night. The only things I do came to me about 60 seconds ago. Sorry. That's okay. What do you want to know? I remember everything. I thought for a second. Um, did we kiss? Nero laughed. Yeah, we kissed. Was it good? It was for me. And I was kissing you, so it was probably good for me too. Nero blushed. What did you tell me about yourself that I might have forgotten? I don't think I told you much of anything. Why not? You didn't ask? But I asked you a lot about yourself. I know that you're from Nashville. Born and raised, I confirmed. I know that you're a junior. True. And I know that you're the cutest girl I've ever seen. But you didn't have to tell me that. My cheeks burned hearing his words. It clearly wasn't true, but to hear him say it sent a pulse through me that settled in my sex making me feel warm. You're pretty hot too, I told him knowing I was beet red. Thanks. Since you know so much about me, I guess I should ask about you. Okay. Shoot. Where are you from? It's a small town about two hours from here. And what year are you? I'm a freshman. I took a few years off after high school. What's your major? Right now? Football, he said with a laugh. Football. I said, feeling the air release from our bubble. Yeah. I'm here on a scholarship. So right now I'm eating and breathing it. I stared at Nero, not hearing another word after he said football. A pain shot to the pit of my stomach until I was forced to cut him off. No. I'm sorry, no. I can't do this. Football. Hell no. I said stepping away and pointing my finger. I stared at him again as the shock washed across his beautiful face. Why did he have to be a football player? Fuick. I shouted in utter frustration before storming off and not looking back. Chapter 2 Nero What just happened? One minute, I'm talking to the girl I hadn't been able to get out of my head for months. Things were going well. Everything felt right in the world. Then out of nowhere she yelled at me and told me to fuck off. What the fuck just happened? I shouted at Kendall as she walked away. She didn't turn around or reply. My wolf wanted to chase her down and force her to tell me. It took everything in me to fight the urge. Did she take off because I told her I played football? Football? Why? Playing football was the most normal thing about me. I shifted into a wolf and sometimes did horrible things. Even the people who hated me loved me when I stepped onto the football field. Hell, even my mother loved me when I stepped out there. For so many years my mother had been missing from my life. Not because she had abandoned me like my father. But because she had disappeared into her own world. The town doctor who was also a phi, couldn't tell if it was magical or if she had just gone nuts. And the only time she would rejoin this world would be to cheer for me under Friday night lights. Football had been one of the ways I and my newly discovered brother Cage bonded. Football is what is paying for my escape to the outside world. Football, not my wolf has given me everything good in my life. But the first girl who makes my heart ache just looking at her, hates me for having anything to do with it. 
Why can't I catch a fucking break? Standing where Kendall had left me, my thoughts spun. My wolf was going hog shit wild. It wanted me to shift so bad that my skin ripped. I couldn't let it though. In the middle of campus with so many people around, the best that could happen would be that someone would see me. The worst was that it left a trail of bodies showing just how much Kendall's rejection had hurt. And it wasn't just that Kendall had practically spit in my face. It was everything. Living in the outside world was hard. The building pressure from having to suppress my wolf and my past was getting to me. On top of that, it took more than I thought to stand out on the field. I had assumed that being a shifter would be enough. I was naturally stronger and faster than humans. But it turns out that it wasn't by that much. I had to work as hard as everyone else to keep up, and even harder if I wanted to keep my scholarship. Nothing about being here was going like I thought it would. Finding Kendall last night had been the first time I thought things might be okay. Being with her made me believe that I could escape my past and maybe have a future. Despite what my wolf wanted me to do, I had been as nice and considerate as I knew how to be. I really didn't want to screw things up. Being around her made me think I had the same chance at happiness I watched everyone else have. And all of that vanished when she pointed her finger at me and yelled, Hell no. That hurt. It ripped my guts out. My wolf's deafening howl threatened to bring me to my knees. I knew what would happen if I let it though. I had to fight him. Starting to walk I left the pond and headed to the street. It was the one that cut through campus. But instead of heading to my cramped dorm I jogged in the opposite direction. I needed to get away. I needed to breathe. My jog quickly turned into a run. As I did my mind swirled. Thoughts of Kendall shifted to the last 21 years of my life. I had had to fight for everything. No one had given me anything. Not even my mother. While she was catatonic, I went to work. Someone had to make sure we had a place to sleep and food to eat. By 14 years old, the only person I could rely on was myself. Most of the time I wore clothes that were a size too small. I couldn't afford anything else. And when the first kid at school pointed it out, I whooped his ass for bringing it up. No one made fun of me for it after that. I went from doing errands that could have gotten me killed at 14, to betting on myself in wolf fights at 20. I had always done whatever it took to survive. If Cage hadn't found me and told me we were brothers, I would probably still be doing it. Instead he introduced me to his college football coach, arranged for my scholarship, and rescued me from that world. Yet even with how far I've come, the girl I fell for still thinks I'm too hard to love. That had to be why my mother chose to vanish into her own world, and why I grew up without a father. I was too hard to love. I was a wolf rejected by my pack, and that was all I was ever gonna be. Thinking that, everything became too much. My head throbbed and a painful agony ripped through me. I felt like I was going to explode. I needed to release it. But instead of shifting like every fiber of my being wanted me to, I locked my eyes on the next parked car in front of me and let go. Kicking the door as hard as I could, the metal bent on impact. It wasn't enough. I needed to hear a crash. So bawling my fist I pounded on the passenger window. It wouldn't give in so I slammed harder. Eventually, the glass exploded into a thousand pieces. As loud as it was that still wasn't enough. Kicking the back door I dented that. About to climb on the hood and put my foot through the windshield something stopped me. It was a siren. It woke me up as if I had been lost in a bad dream. Clearing my head I stared at what I had done. I had demolished the car. 
this was bad. I had lost control of myself and this was the result. Get on the ground. Someone yelled behind me. I said get on the ground. I had just ruined everything. I was about to lose my scholarship and my only shot at life. If I were a smarter person, maybe I would have let out my wolf and run. I didn't. I had done this. I had been the one to mess up everything good that I had going on, no one else. And I wasn't going to fight my self-inflicted destruction. Not getting onto my knees fast enough, someone shoved me from behind. I fell landing on the broken glass. Before I could get off it someone was pulling my wrist together and slapping on cuffs. They were tight enough to cut into my skin. Again I felt my wolf surface but I pushed him down. You have the right to remain silent, he began. I didn't have to listen to the rest. I was familiar with it. I was going to jail. Since I couldn't afford bail, they were going to hold me for two to three days until I went up before the judge. From there I would be sentenced. And unlike when I was underaged, this crime would follow me for the rest of my life. I had done this to myself. And to be honest, I always knew it was a matter of time before I screwed things up out here. I followed the cop's instructions without resistance. In the backseat of the squad car, I let my mind wander. I thought about all of the things that had gotten me here. I thought about Kendall. Of all of my regrets, the fact that I had made her so upset was at the top of it. I thought about the first time I saw her. At Cage's graduation, our eyes had met. She was the cutest girl I had ever seen. Dressed in all black she had a bit of an edge to her. Her mess of brown curls highlighted her angular features. And completing her I don't give a fuck look with delicate round-rimmed glasses, I knew that there was more to her than she let on. There was more to me than I let on. And it wasn't just that I was a wolf shifter. Even my kind dismissed me as the thug who hosted wolf fights. The person they saw was the one ready to take someone out for looking at me funny. What can I say? I had a short fuse even for a wolf. But that hadn't always been me. There was a time when all I wanted was for someone to hold me and tell me that everything was going to be alright. He was still in there somewhere. And when I saw Kendall for the first time looking as vulnerable as she was, I desperately wanted to do that for her. Maybe I would never have a rescuer, but I wanted to be hers. I wanted to protect her. I wanted to give Kendall the love I could never have. But the moment I was given an opening, I fucked things up by being myself. At the station I answered all of their questions and was escorted to my cell. There were two other people there. One looked drunk off his ass and the other, well he looked like me a thug whose time had run out. I wasn't in the mood for talking and neither were they. This wasn't my first time in jail so knowing I would be there for a while I got comfortable. It was to my surprise when a cop appeared on the other side of the bars and said my name. Nero Roman? That's me. You made bail. Let's go. I got up sure he had made a mistake. But if they were going to let me out on a filing error, I was okay with that. Walking back to the sea of desks, I scanned the room spotting someone I didn't expect to see. Quinn was my brother's girlfriend and she was looking pretty freaked out. Considering Quinn's father had more money than God and she grew up sheltered from the realities of shifter life, there was no wonder being in a police station made her look like she was about to pee herself. The only question was what she was doing here. I hadn't used my one phone call. I couldn't think of anyone who would help me. When I got within arm's length, Quinn threw her arms around me. Her embrace was genuine and tight. Jesus Nero, what happened? What are you doing here? 
And why didn't you call me? I was about to answer when someone else I knew walked through the doors, my roommate Titus. He was a wolf shifter I knew from back home. He had been inspired to attend East Tennessee University by the same two people I had, Quinn and my brother. He approached and threw his arms around me too. What the hell is going on, man? And why did we have to hear you were here from some guy at campus security? It's nothing, I told them. I just did a little damage to a car. A little damage? Quinn asked pulling away. They said you smashed in a window and a couple of doors? Like I said, a little damage, I said with the hint of a smile. Why? Quinn begged, her cutely nerdy face narrowing. I thought about Kendall and how she had told me to go to hell. I don't want to talk about it. You two got a ride out of here. Yeah, I'm driving, Titus told me pushing his fingers through his shaggy coffee-colored hair. I'm parked out front. Let's go. The three of us headed to Titus's truck and drove back to campus in silence. Where am I headed? Titus asked as we turned onto campus lane. Am I dropping everyone off or are we headed to Quinn's place for our usual Sunday run? I was about to ask him to take me to our dorm when Quinn cut me off. My place. Cage is already driving down and he's going to want to hear about all of this. It may as well be before we blow off some steam with a shift. You didn't tell Cage, did you? I asked Quinn feeling a pain in my chest about it. He was the first person I called after Titus told me. I looked at Titus pissed. Look man, campus security told me you had destroyed one of their cars and was in jail. Who else was I supposed to call? She was the only one who would know how to get you a lawyer. You called a lawyer? I asked Quinn. I didn't have to. Cage called the school and was able to smooth things out. He still has a lot of goodwill from winning them those national championships. So all I had to do was put up your bail and get you out. So I'm not gonna lose my scholarship? I didn't say that. But I'm sure Cage will tell you everything you need to know about it. Seriously Nero, what were you thinking? I didn't reply. So we're headed to Quinn's place? I looked out the window resigned. Yeah. Cool. Lou told me she didn't have a date tonight, she's gonna be there too, Titus said with a smile. Both Quinn and I looked at him. What? She and I are friends. I know neither of you has much experience with having friends but trust me, hanging out is a thing people do. I turned to Quinn. We were both thinking the same thing. The two of them spent a lot of time together. I knew that being friends with a girl, human or not, didn't mean anything. And Titus would be considered very friendly no matter what he was. But it sure seemed that they were into each other. Unfortunately, Titus was a shifter and Lou was human so things between them would probably never work out. Even back home where wolves, fi and humans live together, we tended to stick to our own kind. But what did I know? And who am I to talk? I fell for Kendall and she was probably as human as Lou. Hell, I was the last person who should be talking about what works and what doesn't in relationships. Parking in front of Quinn's fancy dorm room, we headed up and were greeted by Lou. You brought the criminal, she said staring at me. What did it end up being? Armed robbery? A B&E? How do you know what a B&E is, Titus asked. I watch Law and Order. I know things. Quinn interjected. I don't think Nero wants to talk about it. So. It was a classic smash and grab, wasn't it? Look, don't think because you have this whole bad boy wolf shifter thing going on, you're going to get me to fall in love with you. 
I like nice guys. I opened my mouth to reply. Okay fine we can go out. But if you get me pregnant after a drunken night of lovemaking, I'm having the baby and I'm not raising him alone. I looked at Lou stunned and then laughed. We all did. I'm serious mister. I'm not raising Nero Jr. by myself. Okay I promise, I told her suddenly feeling better about things. Titus spoke up. Now that we got that settled, how does everyone feel about a game of Wavelength until Cage gets here? Wavelength was our go-to Sunday night game as we waited for Cage. Pairing up Titus grabbed Lou of course and I partnered with Quinn. Playing a couple of rounds things were good. Then Cage arrived. My brother was pissed. I couldn't blame him. Why the hell did you smash up a campus security car? It was a campus security car. I asked. You didn't know. It wasn't like I was targeting anybody. I was just mad. Would you have preferred that I shift and kill a bunch of people instead? Cage froze and stared at me. He had shifted for the first a lot later than most wolves and that was less than a year ago. And although his wolf was the most powerful I had ever fought, he didn't pretend to know everything there was to being a shifter. So when he spoke again he was a lot calmer. What were you mad about? Nothing, I said really not wanting to talk about it. Don't want to say huh? Well you're gonna have to talk about it. The school's willing to let you pay for it instead of pressing charges. I don't have the money. You're the one who destroyed it. You're going to be the one to pay for it. I could lend you it, Quinn volunteered. I don't need your money, I snapped. Watch it Nero. She's just trying to help. I don't need her help. I don't need anyone's help. Considering she was the one who bailed you out of jail, that doesn't quite seem true does it? I shut up knowing Cage was right. As soon as I stopped talking so did Cage. With a lot more sympathy in his eyes, he approached me and put his arms around my shoulder. Nero, you have a temper and you're gonna have to get control of it. I'm trying. And yet my girlfriend had to bail you out of jail today. I don't know what to say, I admitted. Cage stared at me. I guess he didn't know what to say either. I'll think of something. I'll talk to the school and see what we can come up with. Don't worry, we'll get this straightened out. I'm here for you man. I'm not going anywhere. None of us are, Titus added. Yeah, Quinn agreed. I looked at the people around me and wiped a tear from my eyes. Maybe everything would be alright. Maybe I wasn't as alone as I thought. Should we go for a run? Cage asked turning to the other shifters. They nodded. Who's driving with me? Titus asked glancing back at Lou and giving her a smile goodbye. Titus and I followed Cage and Quinn as they snaked through the narrow county roads. Thirty minutes out of town we parked our trucks and looked around. This is good with everybody. Cage asked checking in with us. We all agreed and then undressed. It was a cold night. Luckily the heat from shifting warmed me up. When we were all wolves Cage's wolf turned to mine. Usually my wolf took off as soon as it was released and everyone had to race to catch up. This time he wasn't so quick to escape. It was like he felt bad about what I had gone through and was yielding control. He wasn't giving the reins back to me. But he was handing them to Cage's wolf. And as soon as he knew he had them, Cage's wolf took off leading us on a wild run in the moonlight. Chapter 3 Kendall Ah! I screamed popping awake. I looked around. I'm in my bed and it's morning. 
Corey is sitting up staring at me. She looks startled. It was just a dream, I tell myself. That's all it was. Evan Carter. Corey asks me, slowly relaxing. Evan Carter, I admit. Fucking Evan Carter, my roommate said making me feel a little better. I lay back down and tried to calm myself. I couldn't tell if the nightmares were getting worse, but they weren't getting better. Evan Carter was the football player who made my high school years hell starting my freshman year. There was something about me he couldn't stand. I always assumed it was because he was a small, dicked prick who targeted anyone who didn't know how to fit in. But if I were honest with myself, it wasn't like I tried. I experimented with the color of my hair, wild makeup, and the type of clothing I wore. Perhaps dressing like a boy for months was a little too far for him. I wasn't fighting to bring down the patriarchy, or anything. It was just that I had always felt different from everyone else, and I was trying to figure out who I was. FYI, I'm not a girl who wears boys' clothes or wild makeup. And it isn't because Evan Carter bullied me to an inch of my life when I had. It just isn't my thing. But there came a point when the football meatheads couldn't take my fashion choices anymore. They told me that if I wanted to act like a boy, they would treat me like one. From then on, they shoved me every time they passed me in the hallway. I could be eating lunch and my head would jerk forward, followed by the sting from their open palm. And on a regular basis, they threw me into the boys' locker room while guys were changing. They took every opportunity to humiliate me in front of as many people as possible. The worst part was I could never see when one of their attacks were coming. It got to the point where my entire school day would be spent searching rooms for them. When I spotted one, I had to make myself as invisible as possible. If they saw me, they could attack or not. It was always random. But when they decided that today was my hell day, I wasn't safe anywhere. And if it wasn't the physical abuse, it was the constant teasing about being flat-chested. I know that all bodies are beautiful, but no one wants to be reminded of something like that every day. Also if I hear the word dyke one more time, I think I'm gonna crack. It would be one thing if I was actually into women, but I wasn't. I just dressed that way, which didn't do me any favors with the girls who came out to me thinking I was lesbian. By senior year I would cry as I got dressed in the morning knowing that what I was putting on would bring Evan's wrath. I got to the point where I didn't even want to wear it. But I did it anyway, because. I don't know. I guess I refused to act like everyone else when I didn't feel like everyone else. But who knows anymore. Whatever the reason, I wore what I wore and I barely had the will to live by the time high school was done. And during the first few weeks at university, I couldn't be happier. I thought that being a hundred miles away would put what had happened behind me. But that was when the nightmares started. Granted they were always there. But now they had sharpened and focused around one person, Evan Carter. He was the leader of the bunch. I still believe that if it wasn't for that idiot, the rest of them would have left me alone. I guess I'll never know that for certain, but what I'm sure of is that, in high school, I lost the battles and the war. Not only was I the one going through hell every day, but Evan Carter owned real estate in my head years later. It was such bullshit. The really sucky part was that until last night, the nightmares seemed like they were beginning to fade. I used to have them up to a couple of times a week. Corey knows all about that. The number of times I had woken her up screaming, it's a wonder she's still willing to be my roommate. It had been two weeks since my screaming fest before last night. I'm pretty sure I know what triggered it. I had kissed a football player. The thought almost made me throw up. 
Sure, Nero was nothing like Evan Carter or any of his asshole friends but still. Football players have made my life a hellish nightmare of epic proportions since I was 14 years old. They threaten my will to live. I wake up screaming and dripping in sweat because of them. I didn't want to suck on a football player's face now. You going to class? Corey asked me not having left her bed. Oh fuck. I exclaimed remembering my early Monday morning class. My professor had to be a sadist. Who scheduled a core class at 8am on a Monday? It's ridiculous. But if I wanted to become a clinical psychologist, I needed to major in psychology and I had to take it. I scrambled out of bed and quickly got dressed. Getting ready, I loaded my backpack and hurried out. I walked into class late but tardiness was graded on a curve at 8am. Today you will be filling out the TEQ, the Toronto Empathy Questionnaire. Not only will it lead us into our discussion on empathy, it will tell you wannabe therapists out there whether you are right for the job, my professor said suddenly grabbing my attention. I very much wanted to be a therapist. It was the only thing I had wanted since I was 12. I had read a Psychology 101 textbook cover to cover when I was 15 years old because I was so interested in it. I needed to do well on this test. When the paper was slipped in front of me, I saw that it wasn't very long. The questions were also fairly basic. I put my name on it and began. When someone is excited, I tend to be excited too, never sometimes or always. Easy. I may hide it pretty well, but I always am. Other people's misfortunes do not disturb me a great deal, never sometimes or always. Again, easy. Never, usually. I mean, if it were a normal person, who I assume this question is referring to, I never feel good about someone else's misfortune. But let's say Evan Carter gets hit by a bus. I'm not suggesting that he die, necessarily. I'm just talking about him feeling a fraction of the pain he put me through for four years. The question can't be referring to situations like that, could it? Or did it? Was the questionnaire trying to dig out your darkest thoughts? Was my lack of empathy for a psychopath who tortured me, what will make me a bad therapist? I stared at the question paralyzed. I couldn't get past it. I couldn't believe that after everything he put me through, the echo of it could prevent me from being good at the only thing I had ever wanted. Please hand your papers forward, my professor said snapping me out of my trance. I'm not done, I told the grabby girl who took my paper from me and passed the stack along. She shrugged barely acknowledging my struggle. I knew for sure that that ice queen would make a horrible therapist. But what about me? Was empathy really that important? I didn't have to wait long to get an answer to that question. Two days later, my professor asked me to see him before I left. At the beginning of the semester, I asked you all what your goals were for the class, Professor Nandan began. Yes. And I said that I wanted to become a therapist, because I do. He looked at me confused. Right. Which makes me wonder why you would do this on a questionnaire designed to determine your level of empathy, he said, before placing my sheet on the desk between us. I know, I didn't finish it. You didn't. But that's not what I'm talking about, he said placing his finger next to the doodle I had drawn in the top right corner of the paper. Looking at it again, I realized that it was less of a doodle and more of a sketch. I was known to draw on things when I was bored, and they weren't always happy pictures. This one was decidedly not happy, and had a message that was hard to miss. You drew a football player hanging from a noose in the corner of an empathy questionnaire. Is there something you would like to talk about, Miss Sears? 
My mouth dropped open as I looked up at the rounded, faced man in front of me. There was no question what had inspired this. Fucking Evan Carter. Okay, I can explain. I began not knowing what I would say next. Go on, he urged patiently. Was I going to lie? Tell him the truth. This was feeling like a no-win scenario. I might have an issue with football players. You don't say, he said sarcastically. And I might have woken up from a bad dream about one of them right before coming to class. Did you want to talk about that dream? Not really. It was a pretty standard nightmare. Lots of chasing. Lots of running. You know, the usual. And then you came here and drew this, on an empathy questionnaire. It would seem, I said with an uncomfortable smile. Professor Nandan leaned back in his chair and stared at me. I couldn't tell what he was thinking, but I couldn't imagine it was anything good. The way we deal with childhood trauma is unique to each of us, he began. Some of us choose to avoid it. But the most effective strategy for having a healthy happy life is to deal with issues head on. You're suggesting I should see a therapist about it. It wouldn't hurt. But what the research shows is that the most effective way to gain empathy for a group is to humanize them. I don't think football players aren't human. They're just the worst ones who ever existed. My professor looked at me strangely. Right. But you do accept that not everyone who shares a trait is the same. Not every football player is alike. Just like how not every student who dresses in all black and studded bracelets are alike. We are all unique individuals. What are you suggesting? I asked feeling a knot tighten in my chest. I'm suggesting you get to know a football player. I think if you see their individuality, it might go a long way to helping whatever negative feelings you have towards them. It might even help your dreams. And how do you suppose I get to know a football player? Interestingly enough, there is a program I've been trying to put together for a few years. It's kind of a mentorship thing. Upper-class students are matched with freshmen who are having a hard time adjusting to university life to act as someone they can lean on. Considering your goal is to become a therapist, this might be up your alley. That sounds great. But I'm guessing what you're not saying is that I would be mentoring a football player. There's one that has gotten into a little hot water for his behavior. And instead of expelling him from school and the football program, the university thought that something like this would be helpful. I stared at my professor. Worst idea ever. Not the whole thing. The mentorship part sounded pretty cool. But the part about me being locked in a room with one of those pig-throwing psychopaths was insanity. Was he looking to get me killed? As soon as the door was closed and we were alone, this guy would dislocate his jaw and swallow me whole. Having devoured me, he would most likely slither his way to Washington, D.C. growing in size, until with his tail wrapped around the Washington Monument, he would eat the president turning the United States into a demonic dictatorship, or was I overreacting? Yes, I said before it registered in my brain. I'll do it. You will. Apparently. Are you sure? No. But yes. Look, I want to be a good therapist someday. Hell, I don't just want to be good. I want to be great. I want to help people. I want kids to not have to go through what I did growing up. And if that means confronting my issue with a certain group of demonic soul suckers, I will. Professor Nandan looked at me questioningly. I'm kidding, mostly. No, I'm kidding. I can do this. And you're right. Confronting my issue head-on is the best way to handle this. Then I'll set it up.
Thank you for this. If this works out with you and him, it could lead to a lot of people receiving help for years to come, he said with a smile. In other words, no pressure. He laughed. No pressure. Just be you. It's not about you being able to provide him with any answers. It's about being there for him and lending him your ear when he needs it. I could do that. You'll do great, he said before promising to email me the details and sending me off. It was a good thing that no one actually needed sleep to maintain their sanity. If they did, I would have been in a whole lot of trouble. Because lying in bed in the dark, all I could think about was everything Evan Carter and his teammates did to me. I didn't know what I was thinking when I agreed to do this. Me mentoring a football player was a bad idea, a very bad idea. That wouldn't stop me from going through with it though. Who was I to reject a bad idea? Walking to the agreed-upon meeting spot, I was sweating through my clothes. I was having a full-on panic attack. We were meeting in the Serpent's Den, the football team's practice facility. But at least my professor was going to be there with me. You ready for this? He asked me as excitedly as I was terrified. No but I'm here. So let's do it. Professor Nandan put his arm around my shoulder and led me into the room. The beast sat with his back to me. The funny thing was that I recognized his back. It was unmistakable. And when he turned around and I got a glimpse of his to die for cheekbones, I thought this was a cruel joke. You. I asked stunned. Do you two know each other? My professor asked. We stared at one another. I didn't know how to respond. We've met, Nero replied. I'm hoping that's good, my professor suggested. Nero looked at me again. Yeah, he confirmed allowing my professor to breathe. Then perhaps I don't need to introduce you to. But Nero Roman, this is Kendall Sears. Kendall, Nero is a very promising football star. I don't know about all of that, Nero quickly interjected. I've seen you play. You're very good, the older man gushed. Thanks, Nero said looking away bashfully. And Kendall here is one of my most promising students. I am, I confirmed. Probably his best. I have no idea why I said that. But it broke the tension. At least for those two. I don't know about all of that, my professor joked. But she's very good. You should be in good hands with her. Should I leave you two to get to know each other? I don't see why not, Nero said looking at me like I hadn't spit in his face and kicked dirt on him as I walked away the last time I saw him. Very good. Then I'm off, the glowing man said before leaving us alone and closing the door behind him. We both stared at each other. It would have been the worst thing in the world if he wasn't so goddamn hot. Seriously, how could someone be that good looking? The guy oozed sex. I considered what he looked like naked. So, what do you want to talk about? He asked me smiling. God did he have a great smile. I thought I was sweating before. Now I was practically standing in a puddle. Are you hot in here? I asked. I mean IT. Is IT hot in here? Do you want to get out of here? Let's get out of here. I need some fresh air. I can't breathe in here. Are you okay? He asked concerned. I just need to take a walk. Can we take a walk? Whatever you want, he said dripping with small town southern charm. We left the practice facility and walked back to campus in silence. Halfway there, I realized I wasn't going to be able to walk away from this, so I headed to a bench and sat down. Nero sat next to me. I could smell him. 
He smelled like leather and musk. The scent made the flesh between my legs pulse. What was I doing getting excited for a football player? How did you know? How did I know what? I asked still not looking at him. That this was my favorite spot. I don't remember telling you that the night we met. This is your favorite spot. I asked finally turning towards him. Yeah. I stop here every day after practice. Practice is always a lot you know. Everything can be a lot. So this is the bench I sit on to get my thoughts right. I looked around. I hadn't spent much time on this corner of the campus during my years here. But it was a beautiful spot. There were more trees here than any other part. And with the colored fall leaves blanketing the ground, the scene looked like a postcard. What is it that gets to be a lot? I asked suddenly feeling calmer. Nero's smile disappeared. You name it. Practice. Classes. Adjusting to stuff. Having feelings I probably shouldn't have. I stared at Nero, wondering what those feelings were. Can I ask you something? What's that? Is this southern charm thing you do an act? Nero shifted uncomfortably. I don't think he was prepared for the question. You don't have to tell me if you don't want to. It's not that I don't want to tell you. Nero paused and looked at the sky as he took a deep breath. Let me turn it around on you. Is this edgy I don't like anybody thing you have going on an act? Because when we talked at the party, you were the complete opposite. I stared at him like a deer caught in headlights. I was really drunk that night. Doesn't that mean that you were being more of your real self? I stared at him speechless. He was saying what I feared to be true. And what made it worse was that I still didn't remember everything I did that night. It was possible that he knew things about me that I didn't know about myself. We're not here to talk about me. I get that. I was just trying to show you that it wasn't that I didn't want to answer your question. It's that you don't know the answer. You don't know if your charm is an act. I suggested. I don't know a lot of things about myself yet. Is that bad? Nero looked at me with pain in his eyes. He looked like a guy intensely struggling with who he was. My heart ached for him. What does good or bad mean? I asked sympathetically. Well one is something that's good. And the other is something that's bad, he explained as if he were embarrassed that I didn't know the difference. I stared at him not sure if he was being serious, until he dropped the act and laughed. I laughed too. Oh that explains it. I never saw it in that way before, I joked. You're welcome, he said grinning. Whether or not his charm was an act, it had worked on me. I don't know how but it had. I was suddenly feeling a lot more relaxed. Anyway. Now that you've explained that bit of wisdom, maybe you can explain to me what landed you here. Here. You know, having to hang out with me. Luck? I laughed. I'm serious. Me too, he said laying it on thick. No come on. I'm supposed to be here to help you. My professor said that you had an incident. Nero looked down and dropped the charm. Yeah, I had a run-in with a car. What do you mean? Nero hesitated and looked at me. Sometimes I need a release. When I do, I don't always make the best decisions. So when you say you had a run-in with a car, I might have taken out some frustration on it. Oh. I dented a couple of the doors, smashed a window. Why? Nero stared at me for a moment, and then looked away. There are just times when I don't feel like myself and things can get away from me. 
Have you always been like this? More so recently. But yeah. For all of his charm, there was no mistaking what I saw. He wasn't a monster. He was a guy in a lot of pain. My heart broke for him. Things can get away from me too sometimes. Yeah. He said looking back at me with a sudden light in his eyes. How do you mean? I mean like when I said what I said to you. Oh, he said disappointed. Oh, he repeated this time looking down and getting lost in the memory. There was no mistaking the pain it triggered. I know you will never guess this, but I have a thing against football players. Nero smiled. I might have picked up on that. Why? As comfortable as I was starting to feel around him, I wasn't yet ready to go there. How about we not talk about me? Then what should we talk about? What's going well for you right now? So far today's going pretty well, he said finding his charm. Come on. It is. And I guess you can say football's going well. What does that mean? Have you been catching a lot of passes or something? Yeah, I play running back, which means it's my job to catch passes and run down the field. I've been doing it a lot. Sounds great, I said mustering as much enthusiasm as I could. You have no idea what that means, do you? No, I do. Catching. Passing. The field is that big green thing with the stripes, right? Nero laughed. He had a nice laugh. Yes. That's the field. I have an idea. You want to get to know me, right? For professional purposes, I made clear not wanting to lead him on. He tried to hide his disappointment. It shouldn't have but him being disappointed about that gave me a charge. Right, for professional purposes. Then you should start by coming to watch a game. All of my fears about football players came rushing back. I don't know. You should. I can get you tickets. You can bring someone, maybe your boyfriend. Nero asked hesitantly. Wasn't my drunk ass trying to kiss you a couple of nights ago? I remember something like that, he said feeling good about himself. Then what makes you think I would have a boyfriend? I don't know. Maybe you have an open relationship or something. Ah uh, no. I said firmly. Great. So will you go? I could seat you next to my brother and his girlfriend. They're both pretty cool. And my brother used to play football here, so he could explain everything you need to know about the game. Your brother is an ex-football player. One of the best in East Tennessee University history, Nero said with a smile. So are you coming? I thought about it for a second. Before I could decide I heard myself say yes. My mouth had a mind of its own lately. That's awesome. He said with delight. His excitement was genuine. I liked bringing him joy. It felt good to know I had. So, although I wasn't sure about it, I was gonna go watch a football game. Who was I becoming? What would spending time with Nero turn me into? Chapter 4 Nero If I knew that smashing up a car would get me to spend time with Kendall, I would have a long time ago. Staring into her eyes while still not being able to smell her did something to me and my wolf. It set our brain on fire. My wolf usually found things it couldn't figure out disturbing, but around her he was excited. The only thoughts I had were of kissing this mysterious girl. I wanted to slide my fingers into the hair behind her ear, pull her to me and press my lips on hers. Hey did you end up finding your phone? No. I had to get a new one. That sucks. Yeah. 
I'll have to give you my number so you have something to put in it. Kendall looked at me with a suspicious smile. I can text you the details of Saturday's game. She stared at me adorably and then gave in. Sure. Standing in front of her exchanging numbers, I thought about all of the things I wanted to do to her instead of saying goodbye. There were so many things I wanted to ask her. I didn't do or say any of them. Staring at her my heart raced. My wolf and I felt alive when we were with her. It was like the weight of our past was lifted. Deciding to wrap my arms around her and never let her go, she stuck out her hand. It was good meeting you. Again, she told me professionally. Oh? Yeah. It was good seeing you, I told her before shaking her hand and walking away still tingling from talking to her. After a few steps, I couldn't help but look back so I peeked over my shoulder. I caught her gaze. She was looking back too. A rush of heat washed through me. When she quickly turned around, I did the same. She clearly wanted to keep things professional. I could respect that, though my wolf and I definitely didn't want to. I wanted to do things to her that I barely dreamed of doing with a girl much less one that seemed so human. Before seeing Kendall at Cage's graduation, all I imagined was hooking up with them. Even grabbing something to eat with them felt like too much. I could never imagine wanting to get to know one of them. But I wanted to know, Kendall. I wanted to talk to her and find out who she was. I wanted to kiss her. I wanted to lie in bed holding her naked body in my arms. Thinking about it, I immediately became hard. It happened a lot when I thought about Kendall. I didn't know how I was going to keep my head in Saturday's game, knowing she was going to be there. One thing for sure was that I needed to have the best game of my life. I needed Kendall to see me on that field and realize that she didn't want to keep things professional. Once she did, I was going to pull her into my arms and everything would be perfect. Heading back to my room to relieve myself of the tension that had built up, I entered and was surprised to find it full of people. Cage Quinn what are you doing here? The two looked over at Titus. I'll give you three some space, Titus said quickly heading for the door. Still feeling charged for my time with Kendall, I had to hide the bulge stretching across the front of my pants. Hey bro, do you have a second to talk? Yeah what's up, I agreed getting nervous. You two aren't about to tell me you're breaking up are you? Both of them looked at me shocked. God number. Things have never been better between us. Why would you go there? I don't know. Things have been going so well lately that I figured something would screw things up. Things have been going well? Didn't you smash up a car less than a week ago? Yeah but things have gotten better. That's good, Cage told me before looking over at his silent girlfriend. So things have been going well with us too. In fact, Quinn and I were thinking about taking things to the next level. We'd like to move in together. I thought about what he said. The only reason I was able to attend school was that after graduation he moved in and looked after our mother. For the last eight years that had been my job. But Cage who was working as the football coach for the local high school was living with her in our mobile home. It was the arrangement that made my new life possible. I looked at Quinn. You want to move into the mobile home? Not exactly, Quinn said looking at Cage to explain. Quinn was thinking about buying a house. That way she doesn't have to stay in Dr. Sonia's bed and breakfast when she comes for the weekend. So, you want to move out of our place? Who's gonna take care of Mama? Are you expecting me to come back and do it? I asked feeling a clench in my chest. I was enjoying my new life, especially now that Kendall was in it. 
I wasn't ready to give it all up. No. That's not what we're trying to tell you, Cage explained. We're telling you that Quinn is thinking about buying a house where we could all live. Mama would have a room. You would too. I could even get something with four bedrooms so that we could have somewhere for guests to sleep. I'm sure my father would want to visit at some point. We're going to need enough space for him too. So, you're just gonna buy a four-bedroom house so you two have somewhere to hook up every other weekend? Must be nice. I didn't mean to be a prick to Quinn about how rich she was. But as a guy who had to do some fucking awful things to survive over the years, it was a tough pill to swallow. Don't be an asshole, Nero. She's offering us somewhere to live rent-free. Aren't you tired of living in a place with no privacy? I mean how did you even have girls over when you were growing up? The walls are paper thin. I didn't have girls over, I told him not mentioning why I hadn't. With mama the way she was and everything I was going through at a time, my life was a lot. I would have had to feel something special with someone to bring her into all of that. Having never felt it, no one ever got an invitation. Well if you have a bedroom with a real door maybe you could. I was about to reply when something hit me. My eyes bounced between the both of them. Wait. Where do you plan on buying the house? The two looked at each other again, telling me why they had decided to tell me this in person. Cage looked down not able to look me in the eyes. The only place you can find a place that size is in town. You mean under Dr. Tom's magical barrier? It's not that bad. I work under it every day. You went to school under it. Yeah. Before I shifted for the first time. After I started shifting, it was like I couldn't breathe under it. Come on Nero. It's not that bad. Not that bad? Says the guy who's been a shifter for what, a minute? There's no breathing under that thing. There's no smelling. That's completely different. Yeah, whatever. Look, Quinn has been shifting from the day she was born and she's okay with it. You get used to it, Quinn confirmed. It's really not that bad. I didn't know what else to say to them. Dr. Tom, the town's most powerful phi, had put a protective spell over the town to shield our scent from everything else out there, and it had a side effect that only affected shifters. It dampened our heightened sense of smell. Our mobile home was outside of the barrier. Its location was chosen by my mother long before I started shifting. But once I did, having to go under it every day for my shitty job was like choosing to go blind. And it truly pissed off my wolf. Look Nero, it's not like we like the idea of living under the spell either. Then why would you even consider it? Because on top of needing more space, we want to be a part of the community. We don't want to live like lone wolves. We want to have some say on what's going on in our town. And if we do, maybe we can get Dr. Tom to take it down. I stared at the two of them. It was clear that they had made up their minds. They were going to do this no matter how I felt about it. A part of me wanted to argue with them for the rest of the night, but there was something important I needed to talk to them about. You two coming to my game on Saturday? Cage flinched at my change of topic. Of course. The person they assigned me for that anger management program they put me in is gonna be there too. She doesn't know much about football. Do you think you could, you know, explain things to her? I just don't want her to be bored to death. I want her to have a good time. No worries. We got you. How's the program going by the way? I was a little nervous about it. But it might work out. I said thinking of Kendall. 
You seem happier, Cage pointed out. After he said that, I realized I was smiling. Maybe. We'll make sure she has a good time, Cage agreed. What's her name? Kendall? As soon as I said it, I saw them take a deep breath. There were certain things that were hard to hide from wolves. Okay, yeah. We got you, Cage said with a smile. Don't worry about a thing, Quinn agreed. I wondered what they would think when they took the same breath around Kendall and found nothing at all. It was one of the reasons I wanted her to go to my game. Quinn was the smartest person I knew. If anyone, I knew that my brother's genius girlfriend could help me figure out what was going on with her and what she was. Texting Kendall about her ticket she replied with a simple, thank you. I was hoping for a little more. If she was still into me, wouldn't she have at least wished me luck on the game? I remembered what she said to me the night of the party. Drunk, Kendall had made clear that she wanted me. The same was true when we met up on Sunday before she found out I played football. But maybe that was no longer true. That motivated me even more to have the game of my life. I had to win her over. The only thing anyone ever liked about me was what I did on that field. I was going to get Kendall to like me. Thinking I would be distracted entering the stadium for the game, I was wrong. I had never been more focused in my life. Titus, who was a benchwarmer on the team, tried to talk to me. When I ignored him, he got the message and made sure I had my space. Staring as our defensive team started the game, everything slowed down. I could see where everyone would move before they got there. So when I took the field with the offense, I looked into the quarterback's eyes. Immediately, he understood. Chapter 5 Kendall Entering the stadium had to be the most out-of-body experience of my life. I was walking into the lion's den willingly. I couldn't tell you if I was doing it for professional purposes. Or if I was doing it because I would get to see the guy that first was crushing on again. Neither changed how shaky I felt crossing the halls looking for my seat. Everything about the place triggered me. I seriously didn't want to be here. I would have turned around and walked out if it wasn't for the hot guy that first had come to see. Did I say hot? I meant the troubled guy who needed my help. I needed to remember what I was to him. I might not be his official therapist, but he needed to know that he could trust me. I couldn't cross that line. Remembering that, I pushed aside my hesitation and pulled myself together. Finding my section, I waded into the sea of seats. This was not like my high school stadium. It was huge. It had to seat 20,000 people. It was overwhelming. All I wanted to do was find my seat and pretend I was someplace else. Are you Kendall? A friendly girl said in an East Coast accent as I sat down. I looked at her, and then the hulking guy beside her. The big guy had to be Nero's brother. They didn't look that much alike, but they were both the hottest guys I could imagine. The girl who had greeted me would better be described as cute. He was about my size with the same build. I wouldn't exactly describe her as nerdy looking. But she wasn't someone I would expect to be at a football game. That's me. And you're. I pointed at her and blanked on her name. Quinn. This is my boyfriend, Cage. Nero's brother. That's me, he said with the most charming smile that disappeared as quickly as it came. Suddenly he was staring at me blankly. I wasn't sure what had happened. I turned to Quinn, hoping for an explanation. Oh, she responded startled. I was about to ask what was going on when Quinn caught herself and continued. Yes. Nero told us to make sure you have a good time.
did he? I asked wondering if their unusual reactions were caused by what else he had told them. He definitely did. So, have you ever been to an East Tennessee game before? I've never been to any type of game before, I said hesitantly. Oh. Neither had I until I met Cage. They're fun, she said as if their weird moment hadn't happened. You just have to get into the spirit of it. I'm not much for team spirit, I explained. It helps to have someone to cheer for, she said peeling her eyes off of me and turning to the field. Okay. We're East Tennessee so we're in blue. That's us over there. And Nero is. Quinn searched the field for him. When she mentioned Nero's name, my heart skipped a beat. I swallowed. There he is, she said with a smile. I turned and found him. He was one of the guys going to the center of the field. Do you know the premise of the game? I know nothing, I told Quinn. Simply put, they're trying to get the ball through the end zone which is past that line there. So here you go, they are setting up a play and... Quinn stopped talking when someone handed the ball to Nero. With it, a guy from the other team dove towards him. Nero spun shaking the guy off of him and then sprinted towards the end zone. The other team chased him. Each time Nero would dance around them or spin by them. The crowd stood as he got close to the line. I stood with them. And when Nero dove into the air to escape the last person attacking him, he crossed the line. The crowd exploded. I didn't care about football, but not even I could escape being swept away as 20,000 people roared. Does that always happen? I asked leaning over to Quinn. No, it never does. He ran 90 yards for a touchdown on the first play. I guess he has his head in the game, Nero's brother confirmed. I wonder what inspired that. He said looking at Quinn. Both of them then turned to me. I knew what they were implying, but I wasn't going to acknowledge it. At the same time, the thought that I had anything to do with what Nero had just done sent my body awash in tingles. Everyone says that Nero is really good, I said prodding them for more. His brother replied looking proud. It's early in the season, but so far he leads the division in yards run. That's good. I asked Quinn hoping for a translation. He's doing it as a freshman. With stats like that he could probably go pro, if he wanted. That's if he can keep his head on straight, Cage added. You're supposed to be helping him with that, aren't you? How's that going? They both looked at me. He ran 90 yards on the first play of the game. You tell me. I said suddenly caring whether they wanted Nero and me to be together. Cage laughed. Yeah, maybe you'll be good for him. Nero could use a few more good things in his life. I didn't know what that meant, but I made a mental note to find out. I had to admit that watching the game wasn't as terrible as I thought it would be. As I understood it, Nero scored three more touchdowns which was very good. And Quinn turned out to be someone I could really relate to. She was pretty great. Both of my hosts were. I couldn't get myself to warm up to an ex-football player entirely. But the fact that he was with someone like Quinn made me think that he wasn't all bad. Maybe not every football player was a complete jerk. We're going to meet up with Nero and grab something to eat. Would you like to join us? Quinn asked. I hesitated. There was no question that I wanted to see Nero. If nothing else, I wanted to congratulate him on the game. But wouldn't the professional thing be for me to go? I didn't want to make Nero think that something could happen between us. As good as that was starting to sound, it couldn't. Join us, Quinn insisted. I'm sure he would love to see you. Okay, I said without thinking. Great. 
Quinn said with a smile. So you're from Tennessee? Quinn asked as we made our way through the stadium. Nashville. And you? New York. Oh wow. What was that like? Unique. How so? Quinn exchanged a long look with Cage as if she were asking him what to do. It's up to you, Cage said empathetically. Quinn shifted her eyes to the ground. Did I ask something I wasn't supposed to? Neither of them answered. When someone finally spoke it was Cage. Maybe you should. Should what? I asked confused for the second time by their reactions. Have you ever heard of the girl who could turn into a wolf? Quinn asked me. I thought for a second. I had. For a few years when I was a kid, I was obsessed with her. As different as I felt from everyone else, I used to imagine that I was like her. I was about to tell Quinn that, when suddenly it hit me who I was talking to. My head almost exploded. You, was all I could say. Me, she replied softly. Thoughts flashed through my mind so quickly I couldn't hold one long enough to share it. Are you okay? Quinn asked with sadness in her eyes. I'm good, yeah. I'm just a little. I said, falling silent again. Are you freaked out? Should I have not told you? You, was all I could get out before I rushed to her, threw my arms around her and hugged her as tight as I could. It took me a moment to realize that she wasn't hugging me back. I let her go and backed away. Sorry. It's just that I read every story about you growing up. My parents couldn't get me to stop talking about you. They kept saying the whole thing was fake, and that your father made it up to explain how your mother died. But I knew it was true. My body stiffened when I realized that I could finally get the answer to the question I had wondered about for so long. But looking at how normal she was, I began to realize that my parents might have been right. Quinn couldn't turn into a wolf, could she? Were the stories about you true? I asked hesitantly. Would you believe me if I told you they were? Quinn asked sadly. I would, I said solemnly. Quinn looked back at Cage one more time before taking a deep breath and saying, They're true. I was speechless. I believed her. I had always believed her. Believing in her was one of the things people made fun of me for. But here she was standing in front of me telling me it was all real. Can you share with me what it was like? What exactly? Growing up like that. All of it, I said imaging what she had had to endure. Whatever teasing I lived through had to be a fraction of what the world heaped on her. It was hard, she began. Quinn next explained her complicated childhood. She told me how she had been made to feel like a freak by everyone around her. Those who believed her story saw her as a carnival sideshow and her father as a mad scientist who had tried to play God. And those who didn't believe treated her like a liar who had helped her father get away with murder. That was closest she got to talking about her mother. As I remembered the story, Quinn couldn't control when she turned into a wolf and as an infant her wolf had killed her mother. There was no way I was going to ask her about that. Doesn't any of this stuff freak you out? Quinn asked when she was done. Not at all. It makes me feel like I'm not alone, I said with gratitude. Are you a shifter as well? She asked hesitantly. I looked at her surprised and then laughed. I wish. I'd give anything to have a reason why my life was so shitty. But no, I'm just a freak show of the normal variety. Not that you're a freak show, I backpedaled realizing how it sounded. That's okay I am, Quinn said with a smile. Our conversation ended when Nero exited one of the hallways and joined us. 
Another guy followed him. As soon as Nero spotted me, our eyes locked. You made it. Of course, I said trying to pull myself out of my amazed stupor. I'm glad. I hope these two didn't bore you, Nero said pointing at Quinn and his brother. Ah, not even close to it, I said with a chuckle. I'm Titus, the friendly guy behind Nero said offering me his hand. I'm Kendall. And how do you know our star here? I'm um, I looked at Nero not sure what I should say. She's a friend, he said staring into my eyes again. The silence drew out. Okay, Titus said grabbing everyone's attention. Is anyone else starved? Riding the pine can build up quite the appetite. I looked at him confused, and then turned to Quinn who had been my football translator before again becoming my obsession. Riding the pine? It's what they call it when you're on the team, but you don't get to play in the game. Oh. Yep. Not everyone gets to play as a freshman like old Nero here. Then again, not everyone can play like him either. Titus grabbed Nero's shoulders and shook him. Nero lowered his head and blushed. I would never have guessed Nero was humble. So, is Lou joining us? Titus asked the group. Quinn replied. No. She has a date. Ha, huh, Titus said looking a little disappointed. I looked at Quinn. Lou's my roommate. Something told me that there was more to the story than that. I wasn't about to ask. As the group walked to a nearby pizza place, Nero fell back and walked with me. How did you like the game? He asked me with a proud smile. You were impressive. I could see why everyone says you're so good. It was my best game of the season. I finally felt like I had something to play for. Yeah, Quinn told me that you have a chance at going pro. Nero laughed. Yeah, that's what I mean. I guess that wasn't what he meant. And guessing what he actually meant sent a warm pulse through me. Did Cage and Quinn make you feel comfortable? They did. Quinn's really cool. She's like a regular girl. If you think she's a regular girl, then you two didn't talk enough, he said with a laugh. No. Right. She's about as far from regular as you can get. She told me how she can change, I said vaguely in case he didn't know. She told you that, he asked before his eyes bounced up at her. Yeah. But I read everything about her growing up. So it was more like she told me who she was. And you're not freaked out by it? Nero asked hesitantly. Why does everyone think I would be freaked out by it? So, someone being able to turn into a wolf is normal for you. I mean, it's not like I could have grown up around people like her. She's the only one of her kind, right? Right, he said in the most inexplicable way. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the game. The game? I asked surprised by his sudden change of topic. I did. Does that mean you've gotten over whatever you have against football players? I looked at Nero, amazed by everything I had learned about him today. Not only was he an incredible football player, but he was friends with the coolest person on the planet. I'm starting to, I said with a smile. So what you're saying is, thank you Nero for opening my eyes. For they were closed before and now you have changed my life forever. I laughed. He wasn't wrong. But I was pretty sure that it wasn't for the reason he thought. I'll let you believe that, I said before leaving him and rejoining Quinn. I really liked Quinn. And it wasn't just because she was at the center of every one of my childhood fantasies. I had liked her before knowing who she was. The crazy part was that before I got all fangirl on her, she seemed to like me too. Although this was my third year here, 
The closest thing I had to a friend was Cory, my roommate. Cory was sweet, but she fit so comfortably into society's expectations that her life had been easy. That made her hard to relate to. Quinn was an outcast like me. At the pizza place, I sat next to Quinn and continued talking to her. Every so often, I would look up at Nero and catch him staring back. Each time I caught him, I felt a rush. The feelings I had when I saw him at the pond were back. But that didn't change that it was my job to help him not get into his pants. Talking about getting into his pants when we were walking to the pizza place, I had glanced down below his belt. The bulge that stretched across the front of him was impressive. It was almost enough to make me forget everything, strip him naked and ride him like a bull. Almost. When the bill came Quinn grabbed it and no one made a gesture to pay. I offered to pay my share but she brushed me aside. You can get the next one, she told me. Hopefully we can hang out again. Yeah, definitely, I said elated. I wasn't sure if she was talking about the whole group or just the two of us. Either way, I wanted to. Did you have fun today? Nero asked having walked me back to my dorm. I did. Your friends are pretty cool. They liked you. And I think you made a love connection with Quinn. I laughed. Yeah, too bad she's taken. Nero smiled. I guess you'll have to settle for whoever's left. Bummer, I said teasingly. Bummer. Staring into his eyes, I recognized this moment. I might not have had any experience with guys or relationships, but standing in front of my dorm's front door, I knew that this was when the guy went in for the kiss. I wanted him to. But as soon as he leaned towards me, I stepped away and offered him my hand. Anyway, thanks for giving me a glimpse into your world. It was. Life-changing? Nero asked quickly shaking off whatever disappointment my gesture created. Yes, life-changing, I conceded. If I wasn't going to kiss him, the least I could do was make him feel good about himself. Thought so, he said cockily. He stretched out his arms. Hug. I hesitated, but only for a moment. Slipping my arms around him, I held him tightly. When he did the same, I didn't want him to let me go. Even after he loosened his grip, it took me a moment to reciprocate. I was losing my resistance toward Nero and falling for him hard. The only question remaining was what I was going to do about it. Chapter 6 Nero From the moment I released Kendall from my arms, I couldn't stop thinking about her. I had learned something while playing with her watching me. It was that I could release my wolf without him taking control. It was like he was standing next to me instead of being shoved down. I liked it. And the intensity it brought followed me into my next practice. Keep up the hard work Roman, coach said as I puked in a bucket after wind sprints. Thanks coach. Getting his acknowledgement felt good, but not as good as receiving one of Kendall's texts. I was trying not to text her too much. I didn't have much experience with this, but my gut told me I should play it cool. But what the hell did I know other than it was crazy that I was choosing to go through this alone? A year ago, my brother had met the love of his life. I wasn't sure why I hadn't talked to him about how I felt about Kendall. Though being a wolf shifter, there was no way he didn't already know I was head over heels for her. Could you drive Quinn up this weekend? We have a house we want you to take a look at, Cage texted. I stared at the text not sure how to respond. I was happy to drive Quinn up, and it would give me an excuse to see Mama. That wasn't the problem. It was the part about the house. Their plan made sense. 
There was no use in Quinn paying to stay at Dr. Sonia's bed and breakfast if she could buy something as easily. And Lord knows it would be good to have a little privacy when I came to visit. You couldn't fart in the old place without everyone knowing about it. But they were looking for a place within Dr. Tom's protective barrier that robbed wolves of their sense of smell. More than that, as run down as it was, the old place was home. It was mine. Actually, it wasn't. We paid too much to rent the shithole. But I don't know, it was my home. It was somewhere no one could take from me, except the landlord who had threatened to kick us out a lot over the years. I didn't know why I gave a shit about that crap hole at all. But I did. And the thought of losing it made me feel uneasy. It's not that I didn't trust Quinn's hospitality. Hell at this point Quinn felt as much like family as Cage did. I have never been a part of a pack, but what the three of us had was feeling close to it. So, I guess what made me hesitate was being that dependent on someone else. I had had to take care of myself for a long time. When you only have yourself to rely on, there's only one person who could let you down. Sitting on my bed in my dorm, the door opened. Hey Cage said he texted you. Did you get it? Titus asked before tossing his backpack to the foot of his bed. I got it. I've been busy. I haven't gotten the chance to reply. I could feel Titus staring at me as I stared at the ceiling lost in thought. I can see that. Genius at work, he joked. Did you hear that Dr. Sonya's organizing a pack run? A pack run? Yeah. Her son Callie shifted for the first time and now she's Team Wolf. She thinks the wolf shifters in town don't have a real pack. Humans, I said with a chuckle. I don't know. I think it's a good thing. Cage is on board. He's helping organize it. That's because he wants to be Alpha. Would that be such a bad thing? Titus asked as he grabbed a cup of noodles and heated it in the microwave. So what's up with you and Lou? I asked preferring to change the topic. What do you mean? He asked casually. I mean do you like her or? Of course I like her. We're friends. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is that you two spend a lot of time together. Is there a reason for that? Titus turned to me as if caught in a lie. What reason do you need more than we're friends? She's a fun girl. I don't have to tell you that. I guess not. So what's the deal with you and Kendall? I looked at Titus, not having expected the question. It was clear why he had asked it though. Titus was there on Sunday. It wasn't like I was hiding the way I felt about Kendall. We're friends and she's a fun girl. You've met her. I don't have to tell you that. Titus stared at me and then barked a laugh. He knew what I was saying. If he wasn't going to be truthful with me about the way he felt about Lou, why should I share my feelings for Kendall? Right, Titus conceded. Don't forget to text your brother back, he reminded me before collecting his soup and leaving the room. I took out my phone and typed, sure. Great. I'll see you then, he immediately replied. I still wasn't sure about them getting a house under the barrier, but I started to realize that there were other things I had to talk to him about. I had already put it off too long. Picking up Quinn after getting back from my away game, we made the two-hour trek home. She and I were never that chatty when we drove together, but she was quieter than usual. I was at least expecting her to mention Kendall and her lack of scent. Hadn't she noticed it? Why hadn't she said anything about it? Are you coming by our place or should I drop you at Dr. Sonya's? I asked breaking the silence. 
Cage said we should meet at your place. I wanted to say hi to your mom. We'll head to Dr. Sonya's later. I paused remembering something. By the way, have you made any progress on that thing you were looking into? You mean about who your and Cage's father is? Yeah. Cage had been kidnapped from the hospital as a baby, and had spent his life living with the guy who snatched him thinking his mother had died in childbirth. But then Cage met Quinn and all hell broke loose. In a few weeks, Quinn had figured out that the man who raised him was a dragon shifter and not Cage's biological father, and had found us. Quinn was able to figure out the two of us were brothers based on nothing. The girl was super smart. And since my mother never told me who my father is, who it turns out is also Cage's father, I asked Quinn to look into it. I knew she had been working on it, but she hadn't given me an update in a while. What I've learned is that it probably isn't anyone in town. Seriously? Yeah. Why? Did you suspect someone? I thought so. Well I could be wrong. But I've been talking to your mother about it. She's been doing a lot better lately. And she certainly isn't willing to say much, but she gave me the impression that she moved to town after she got pregnant with you. I'm thinking that if it was someone here, she would have been living here before she got pregnant with Cage. So, you're not basing it on any of your science why stuff? I can't just ask every guy in town to take a paternity test. Not every guy. And you didn't need a test to know I was Cage's brother. That's different. You guys have the same rare genetic traits. Besides, I've been keeping my eyes open for that. So far your mother is the only one I've found who has them. So again it's down to getting my mother to spill the beans and she's not talking. I'm afraid she's not. And maybe that's a good thing. Why would my growing up not knowing who my dad is be a good thing? At least Cage had that guy. He might have been a dragon shifter piece of shit for doing what he did, but he was there. Mama was all I had. When she lost her marbles, I had no one. How could that be better? Quinn stayed quiet for a while before answering. Nero, I think there's something going on that you might not want to know about. After talking to your mother, I'm starting to think that it might be better left in the past. What do you mean? Do you know something you aren't saying? No. I've told you everything I know. But have you ever wondered what set your mother on her downward spiral? Yeah. Of course. It was when Cage was snatched, and the hospital lied and said that he had died. She knew it wasn't true. That's what she says and that's possible. But you said she didn't get bad until you were much older. So how was she able to hold it together for so long? And what finally sent her over the edge? It wasn't like one thing. It was gradual. I watched it. Yeah but maybe you weren't watching what you thought you were. Maybe there was something else going on. So you're saying something triggered her checking out on things? Like a spell? That's my guess? And my other guess is that you might not want to know why it was cast. I thought about that for a while. You tell Cage any of this? Cage hasn't asked about it. So you're only gonna bring it up if he asks? Probably. Which is why I had to ask you about it. Yeah, Quinn said with a serious look on her face. Don't you think Cage would want to know this? Maybe. Maybe not. He's found you and a mother after living his life without a family. For him that's enough at least for now. Are you saying that finding Cage and having a brother should be enough for me? I'm not suggesting anything. But I'll ask you, isn't your life pretty good right now? 
It's not bad, I admitted. Then why would you want to kick the hornet's nest? I looked at Quinn and fell into silence. The girl was smart and had made some good points. But growing up as she did with a dad who made her the center of his world, she couldn't imagine what it was like growing up without one. She meant well with her advice. But to answer her question, sometimes you kick the hornet's nest because it's in the way of you living your life. It was clear that Quinn wasn't going any further with her investigation. That left me where I was when I started. My mother was still the only person who had the answers and she wasn't talking. What was she hiding? And could it be something I didn't want to know? I continued to think about it as we entered town and headed towards the trailer park. The closer we got, the more my thoughts shifted to the other thing I had to talk about this weekend. My jaw clenched as it whipped through my mind. I didn't know if I was ready to discuss this, but Cage and Quinn's lives were moving forward. It was time that mine did too. Pulling up to my place I saw Cage's truck parked out front. Going inside we found him and Mama on the couch in front of the TV. When she didn't turn around to look, I stared at my mother. What was she keeping from me? What could be so bad about my birth? And after a lifetime of asking, how could I get her to tell me now? Dinner's ready if you're hungry, Cage said turning to greet his girlfriend with a kiss. Sitting around the kitchen table for the first time I realized how small it was. With four people the plates could barely fit at the same time. As the smallest person Quinn was tucked in the corner. There was no wonder she wanted to buy a house. Dealing with all of this had to be a nightmare for her. When are you planning on showing me the place? I asked Cage. Cage looked at Quinn and Mama. That was when I realized that he might not have told our mother yet. It's a nice house, Mama said to my surprise. Oh? So I'm the only one who hasn't seen it? You haven't been around, Cage explained. That's because I have games on Saturday and classes during the week. We know. We're not saying anything about it. Just that's why you haven't seen it. I looked at the three people in front of me. Everyone's lives were moving forward. And they were doing it without me. So when am I gonna see it? Tomorrow morning. Miss Roberts said she can open it up at nine. Why so early? It's a Sunday. Don't you people sleep in anymore? She said she has to be at the salon by ten for appointments. People get their hair done on a Sunday? I asked having lived here my whole life and never realizing it. Church. Bingo. Get-togethers. It makes sense, Cage explained. I guess? I looked at the three people I cared most about, wondering if this was the time. It wasn't. I was going to let Cage and Quinn show me their house first. That was the better plan. After Cage and Quinn took care of the dishes, they headed off to Quinn's bed and breakfast. I joined Mama on the couch. Her mental state had been night and day since Cage had entered our lives. It made me wonder if her life would have been better if I was the one who had been snatched instead of my perfect older brother. You good mama? I asked putting my hand on hers. I've been feeling good son. In fact I've been meaning to tell you, I've been thinking about looking for a job. Her words stunned me speechless. Seven years ago, it was her unwillingness to hold a job that made me have to support us. I was a kid doing things that no kid should have to do. Now she was telling me that she was ready to get back to work. What the hell was going on? What inspired this mama? I've been feeling better. Having Cage back has made all of the difference in the world. Don't you love having your brother back? I do. He's good for you mama. 
he's good for all of us. Yeah he is, I said wondering if her improvement also had to do with her secret. One thing became clear as I lay awake that night. No matter what had sent her spiraling years ago or what had brought her back, my mama no longer needed me. No one did. I could probably take off tomorrow without them noticing I was gone. That was a tough pill to swallow but it was true. Despite how tired my body was from the hits I had taken during Saturday's game, I didn't fall asleep until after 4am. That meant that I wasn't awake by 9 o'clock. It was a phone call at 9.15 that woke me. I didn't need to ask why Cage was calling. So I just picked it up and said, I'm leaving now. Where am I going? I texted you the address. I looked at my screen. Got it. Be there in 10. I recognized the address. Being a small town, there weren't many really nice neighborhoods. The house I was headed to was in one of them. The house closest to it was owned by Dr. Tom and his husband Glenn, the owner of the local general store. They were both powerful phase, and their house was where the protective barrier spell was cast. That meant that the area around them was where a shifter's sense of smell would be the worst. Great. Pulling up to it, I turned out to be right. My wolf was not happy. But it wasn't like I couldn't smell anything. Things just smelled like they did before my first shift. At least I had a lifetime before my enhanced senses. How could Quinn stand this considering she had her wolf senses her whole life? Was she simply willing to put up with it because the house was impressive? Because it was certainly that. The place was two-story with a huge veranda and an equally large yard. The ceiling of the veranda was shiny cedar. As were the floors in the giant kitchen and dining room. Actually there were two dining rooms as well as two living rooms, even though Quinn called one a family room. There was also a three-car garage. On top of that, there was marble and chandeliers everywhere. The bathroom attached to the master bedroom had a claw-foot tub in it. And where there weren't the nicest hardwood floors I had ever seen, there was brand new carpet. This had to be the most incredible house I had ever been in. I had thought Dr. Tom's house was fancy, but there was no comparison. This place had to cost half a million dollars. The rent for our mobile home was $300 a month. You can just buy this place? I asked Quinn. I mean my father will help me with the down payment. But I've been working for him this semester. While taking classes? Yeah. And because of the nature of the project, he pays me pretty well. I'm lucky. Must be nice, I told her still floored by what I was seeing. Yeah Nero, nice for us because we're the ones who are going to get to live here, Cage said giving me a look as he grabbed Quinn and kissed her head. Yeah, I said half-heartedly. Listen, there's something I've been meaning to talk to you two about. Cage let go of his girlfriend and both moved in front of me. What's up? Cage asked. So you two know that I've been playing well. We know. Your game last Saturday was insane. Yeah. Yesterday wasn't that good but it was close, I informed them. That's fantastic. I'm proud of you bro. Yeah me too, Quinn said enthusiastically. Thanks. But you know how after someone has a few good games, people start talking about you going pro? Cage chuckled. I remember it well. That started happening to me. Yeah? Yeah. And I'm considering it. You mean this year? Cage asked surprised. Why not? I'll be 21 by draft time. That's the same age as most people going into the draft. Cage looked at me concerned. You get that running backs aren't what NFL teams are looking for right now, right? 
And more important than that, playing professional football isn't like playing in college. Professional players are paid to get under a running back's skin. What if you lost control during a game or on the plane after a tiring road trip? Bad things can happen. You think I haven't considered that? I was the one sitting in the jail cell. Not you. But if I ever wanted a chance to start over, this would be it. I have to strike while the iron's hot. I guess, Cage said not as excited for me as I hoped he would be. And I get that you had the chance to go number one in the draft, but chose us instead. Hey, I didn't go pro because I was injured. You don't have to bullshit me. I know you were feeling better in time to make it. And even if it wasn't last year's draft, you could have made it this year. But I didn't want that. Yeah, you wanted to be with us. I did. And now I'm choosing to go pro instead of doing what you did, I said lowering my head. Cage put his arm around me and squeezed my shoulder. Nero, I made the decision that was best for me. I needed this. What's more I wanted this. But because I chose this for myself doesn't mean you have to. The world is big. You should explore it. I can hold down the fort. I'm here so you don't have to be, Cage said with a smile. You hear me? I felt a tear on my cheek that I quickly wiped away. I hear you. Good. Cage let me go and rejoined Quinn. I watched them get comfortable in each other's arms. There's probably something else I should tell you now that we're talking about stuff. What's that? My brother asked. I, uh, I think I want what you have. Cage twisted his head confused. What I have? You know Quinn, I said vulnerably. Bro Quinn's taken, he said with a smile. You know what I mean. Actually, I don't. Come on, I said not wanting to explain myself. You need to say the words, Cage told me no longer hiding what he knew. My chest hurt looking at the two caring faces staring back. Taking a deep breath I gathered myself. This was it. I was going to say it out loud. I think I've found my fated mate. It's early but I think she could be the one. Kendall? Cage offered. Yeah. What is she? Quinn asked bluntly. I was hoping you might know, I said with a smile. She has no scent. How is that possible? Quinn continued. I don't know. But that's gotta mean she's not human, right? Not necessarily. She could be under a protection spell. But I told her who I was and she seemed okay with it. She was more than okay with it, I corrected. She liked you so much that if you weren't with Cage I'd be jealous, I joked. Have you told her that you're a wolf shifter too? Cage asked. No. Why not? I haven't had a good opportunity. I first had to deal with her hating football players, I said with a chuckle. Why does she hate football players? Quinn asked. I asked her and she wouldn't talk about it. She can be pretty closed off. It doesn't exactly put me in a sharing mood. Then maybe you should ask her again, Cage suggested. Some people need a little encouragement to talk about things, Quinn added. Cage looked at Quinn. Says the girl with no filter. Yes? There were things about me that I wouldn't have told you if it wasn't for Lou. So I owe all of my happiness to Lou? I'm hoping I can take a little credit for it too, Quinn said with a smile. Baby, I give you credit for making my life everything I've ever dreamed of. I can honestly say that I wouldn't be the man I am or have anything I do without you. Oh? Quinn said tilting her head back and kissing her love.
let's take the house. I want to live here with you, Cage Rucker. Cage looked up at me. What do you say? Should we take the house? I looked at the couple I wanted to be. You should take it, I said with a heavy heart. I knew I shouldn't think this way, but it felt like the end of everything I had loved. Them buying this house, knowing how much I hated being under the protection spell, was their way of saying they wanted me out of their lives. I had to make things work with Kendall. If I didn't, I was going to be left with nothing and no one. Miss Roberts, the realtor, was as excited as Cage and Quinn were that they were going to take the place. She promised to draw up the paperwork saying that we would be able to move in in about a week. Quinn thought it was fast. I had no clue about these things. Deciding to spend the day with them, I tagged along when they headed back to Dr. Sonia's bed and breakfast. I had only been there once before and I hadn't passed the doorway. This place was very nice as well. It was starting to feel like everyone had more than I did. It wasn't the first time I had thought that. But seeing how other people lived, it had never been clearer. Oh good, you recruited another shifter, Dr. Sonia said with her usual high energy. I was hoping we could add someone who grew up here to the brain trust, she said squeezing my arms in delight. Seating us in the living room, Dr. Sonia asked where we thought the shifters should gather for the run and then left to get snacks. Her son walked downstairs saw us and immediately headed to the door. How are you getting out of helping plan this? I asked recognizing him from high school. Callie was a freshman when I was a senior. He was also second string on the football team. I remembered him not being much for talking. That hadn't seemed to change. Ignoring my question he said, you just started at East Tennessee right? Yeah. You thinking about going? He looked back at Quinn. I was thinking about it. You're a senior right? Yeah. You still a kicker? He made a 60-yard field goal in a game last week, Cage said proudly. Jesus. That's insane. You could be a walk-on as a freshman with a foot like that. He could get a D1 scholarship with a foot like that, Cage confirmed. East Tennessee would be lucky to get him. Callie turned red as we talked. Well if you need me to put in a word with the coach, let me know, I told him. Mr. Rucker said he would take care of it for me. Mr. Rucker? I asked confused. Me? Cage said annoyed. I laughed. Right? Mr. Rucker. Well I'm sure you're in good hands. He got me my scholarship. And now they're lucky they have you. Don't screw things up. I need my credibility intact for this one, Cage joked. Oh shit. You're screwed, I said turning to Callie. Callie looked at Cage scared. He's kidding. Nero, tell him you're kidding. I'm kidding, sort of. Callie looked at me not sure what to think. Callie, do I hear you in there? Callie looked towards the kitchen then quickly slipped out the door. Dr. Sonia entered the room and looked around. You just missed him, I told her. He mentioned something about football. It was technically true. Dr. Sonia looked at Cage. Cage shrugged. Well he left more fun for us, she concluded with a smile. It turned out that organizing a wolf run was a lot more work than I would have guessed. When the three of us did it on Sunday nights Cage showed up, we drove up to woods, we found somewhere to pull over and we did it. No one needed a human for that. But apparently, you do the same thing with every shifter in town and you're slapped with a mind-numbing amount of politics. Dr. Sonia needed to be there to give the non-shifter perspective, which was, in short, the humans and Phi were gonna be terrified. 
she confirmed what I always thought which was that a lot of people in town were scared of us. Sure they acted friendly when we were around them. But they never forgot that we could shift at will and kill them. We should make the humans and Phi a part of this somehow. Cage suggested. In a wolf run? I asked, thinking it was a ridiculous idea. No. I think that's a good idea, Dr. Sonia confirmed. But how? The last thing we want is for one of them to end up getting eaten or something, she joked. I didn't think it was funny. As far as I could tell, neither did Cage or Quinn. We'll give it some thought, Cage said, bringing things to an end. But I can pass along that non-shifters are going to be invited, right? The doctor asked. For sure, Cage confirmed. We'll just have to figure out how. Free from Dr. Sonya's organizing clutches, the three of us considered doing a daytime run but decided against it. We could talk on a hike and the trails surrounding the town were world class. We found one outside the protective spell's borders and headed to it. Walking amongst the trees with all of my senses again intact calmed my tense wolf. You really think it's a good idea to involve non-shifters in a wolf run? I asked Cage knowing he could now answer honestly. I'm not suggesting they run with us or anything. But you heard her, they're scared of us. How do we expect to live together as equals if they're terrified that we could shift at any moment and eat them? It's not our job to convince them of anything, I made clear. It shouldn't be. But if we don't do, how will they know? It's not like wolf attacks have never happened. You can't blame every wolf for something one wolf did, I reminded him. Do we blame every human for the crappy things humans have done? No. So why should it be different for us? You're right. We don't have to do anything. We could keep things the way they are. And we could remain wolves without a pack living under a Fi's protection spell. I froze. Wait, you think Dr. Tom's protection spell has something to do with why the wolves in this town never formed a pack? Cage tightened his lips and looked at Quinn. No, you don't think it. Your genius girlfriend does, I realized. I've asked Dr. Tom about it, Quinn said. It's a spell to keep everyone safe. And if you're scared of wolves, why wouldn't it include the threat of wolves working as a pack? Fuck. I spit realizing all of my darkest thoughts about Dr. Tom might be true. He was also the one who knew that Cage was alive and kept it from Mama. He's been manipulating us this whole time. We don't know that, Quinn corrected. We know he knew about Cage, I pointed out. He did. But we don't know if the spell was designed to keep the wolves apart. It's just a possibility, Quinn said. And whether or not it's true, the solution is for the wolves in town to gather for a run, and for the Fays and humans to not feel like their lives are in danger when they do, Cage explained. I couldn't argue against that. Cage was right. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad if Cage was our alpha. And maybe they weren't moving to a house under the protective spell to push me away. Considering that, my thoughts turned to Kendall. I pulled out my phone to check my texts. Looking for a message from Kendall? Cage asked changing the topic. I didn't answer. And not finding one, I stuffed my phone back into my pocket. After a moment of silence Cage spoke again. This time with more empathy. She'll text. I saw the way she was looking at you after the game. She's into you too. Drop it Cage. Despite my reaction I appreciated what he said. Every time Kendall took an extended time to reply, I wondered if things between us were over. She had already told me to go to hell once. Should I expect her to do it again? Cage and Quinn had been right. I had to figure out the things she had against football players. 
she was helping me deal with my shit. As a football player, maybe there was something I could do to help her. Not returning to Dr. Sonia's with the others, I headed home and waited for Cage to deliver Quinn. Driving back, Quinn and I talked about Kendall. She suggested that we invite her to our next game night before a run. She thought it would be the perfect opportunity to tell her I was a wolf shifter. It wasn't a bad idea. But I felt like I needed alone time with her before we did it. When are we doing our next session? I texted her when she didn't reply to what I thought was a funny meme. If you want, we can talk over lunch tomorrow. What about over dinner at Commons? I asked, referring to the cafeteria connected to the popular study space. It was a little more intimate. After our rapid fire exchange, Kendall didn't respond for an hour. When she did, she wrote, Sure. What time? My wolf couldn't have been happier. Thanks to it, seeing her was all I could think about for the rest of the night. Going extra hard in practice to burn off my excess energy, I was exhausted by the time dinner rolled around. I could barely lift my arms. What's up with you? Kendall asked me after looking me up and down. Hard practice. Oh? So what have you been up to? I wanted to say that she would have known if she had replied to my text, but I didn't. I took Quinn home on Saturday. She and Cage wanted to show me the house they're buying together. They're buying a house? How is it? It's the nicest house I've ever been in. Really? Wow. I could show you at some point. The realtor said they could move in in a week. Oh? Yeah, Kendall said unenthusiastically. Okay. I gotta know. What is it that you have against football players? I don't have anything against them. Says the girl who told me to eat shit and die as soon as I mentioned that I was one. I didn't tell you to eat shit and die. You may as well have. I could tell that was what you were thinking. Kendall didn't reply. If this is gonna work, you know, whatever it is that we're doing here, you're gonna have to let me in a little as well. I can't be the only one spilling my guts out. That's not the way therapy works, Kendall insisted. Well this ain't therapy. If that's what this was, I wouldn't have agreed to do it, I said meaning it. I could tell she knew I was being serious. She was slow to reply. Fair enough. I guess I have a small chip on my shoulder when it comes to football players. Small? Okay fine. I have a giant boulder. I have the Grand Canyon on my shoulder. You happy? Actually, no. Why do you have such a big problem with them? I asked a little heartbroken. Because they made my life hell. To this day, I still wake up drowning in sweat after dreaming about what happened to me. What happened to you? Just a lot of little things. Walking in the halls they would push me or knock my books out of my hand. They would call me names. They would spread rumors about me sleeping with people or having STDs. They would give me swirlies. Wait they stuck your head in the toilet? Yeah. A lot. And the toilets weren't always empty. I looked at Kendall stunned. I could barely form words. Why? Because I cut my hair short and wore a tie to school. They thought it was funny to treat me like a boy since I dressed like one. Football players made every day of my life a living nightmare. It was hell on earth. I still have nightmares about it. Listening to Kendall tell me what happened I got blackout, mad. My wolf was so furious I thought it would rip out of me. 
The rage that bubbled within us was beyond anything I thought I could control, yet I had to have looked as calm as hell because she asked me if I had heard her. I heard you. Would you like an apology? You don't have to apologize, Kendall said looking down. Not from me. From them. I'm not gonna get an apology from them. I didn't ask if you were gonna get one. I asked if you wanted one, I said as prickles rippled under my skin threatening to make me shift. I mean I guess. Then let's get you one. What? Do you know where any of them live? I mean I know where all of them live. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I didn't. I closed my eyes absorbing what she said. She couldn't sleep at night if she didn't know where they were. That was insane. There was no way in hell I was going to let them get away with doing that to her. There was no way. Then we're going, I got up trying to be as calm as I could. Kendall didn't move. I looked back at her. I can't tell if you're serious or not. I mean you look serious, deadly serious. But? She looked at me again. You know it's a three-hour drive to Nashville, right? Two hours and forty-five minutes. I know, I told her. Wait how do you know that? Kendall, are you coming with me or not? Because one way or another, I'm gonna get you that apology. But I would prefer you be there to hear it. I don't know. Kendall I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Let's go. As soon as I said it, a smile crept across her face. Okay she agreed. Then without another word she followed me to my truck and we were off. Navigating to the highway, neither of us spoke. Broiling, I didn't want to speak. I felt like I did when I was driving to one of my wolf fights. I would let everything that had pissed me off in life float to the surface and I would sit with it. By the time I arrived, I would be ready to rip people's heads off. That's what I felt now. Where? I asked Kendall when the highway offered an off-ramp. Stay on 40, she replied until we approached the Nashville city limits. Get off here she said directing me onto 155 and then into a neighborhood called Porter Heights. Kendall's eyes bounced from house to house. It was a nice neighborhood. There were a lot of two-story brick homes on large properties. It had long ago become dark so I couldn't tell much else about the place, but I was ready for whatever was going to happen next. What's his name? I asked Kendall, who was now crackling with anticipation. Evan Carter, she said scanning every home as we slowly drove around. There? Park there. We pulled up in front of one of the few one-story homes and parked across the street from it. Kendall stared at it wide-eyed. He lives with his father. His father's a piece of shit too. But his father's truck isn't there. That means that Evan is the only one home. I looked at the barely lit house. There was a small light on in the living room and a flickering light in one of the bedrooms. I immediately had a plan. I never thought that my messed up childhood would ever come in handy but it was about to. Follow me. And be casual, I told Kendall before getting out of my truck and walking to the house. I was surprised to see how willing Kendall was to go along with things. I was calm because of how many times I had done this. I didn't know what was fueling Kendall. Maybe it was vengeance. I would understand that. You gonna break down the door? She whispered as we approached. No. There's a better way. Walking up the driveway whose only light was from nearby homes, I looked around to see if anyone was watching and then stepped onto the lawn and circled the house. There weren't many trees so anyone staring out their window would see us. 
That wasn't a problem as long as we were quick. Don't touch anything. Nothing, I whispered. I looked back to get her confirmation. She looked like she was about to throw up. I had no idea what was going through her mind. I partially expected her to call it off. She didn't. She wanted this as much as I wanted to do this for her. Approaching the back door and examining it, I looked at Kendall one last time. Are you sure this is the right place? I'm sure, she replied shaking. Taking out the gloves I kept in the truck and had stuffed in my pocket, I also pulled out my jimmy. It looked like something you would use to smooth paint or scrape the ice off of your windshield, but was much better at prying open locked doors. Dogs? I asked feeling the tumble slide back. I don't think so. He never had one. When the latch became free and all that was left was to enter the darkness, I turned to Kendall one last time. Ready? She paused. Forcing a shallow breath she shook her head. This was it. Pushing open the door, I felt like I did every time I stepped onto the field. My heartbeats echoed in my ears. Everyone one of my senses was alert. That was when I smelled it. A wolf lived here. The guy who had terrorized Kendall for years was a shifter. Immediately my wolf sprung to the surface ready to take control. I held him back but kept him close. I scanned the dimly lit cluttered space. Following the smell of pot, I crossed the living room to the bedroom door with the light pouring out from under it. Indicating for Kendall to hold back, I stared at the closed door then put my ear on it. I couldn't hear anything. What was he doing in there? It would make all of the difference. Had he heard us enter? Was his wolf staring at the door waiting for us enter? There was only one way to find out. Nothing beat the element of surprise. So quietly grabbing the knob and crouching ready to shift if I had to, I turned it, burst in and then froze at what I saw. His wolf wasn't waiting for me. He wasn't even getting high playing a video game. He was watching porn with headphones on and his hard dick in his hand. I couldn't have planned it better if I tried. Seeing the movement in his periphery, he turned to find me. Stunned he stopped jerking. What the fuck are you, was all he said before I rushed him, grabbed his t-shirt and shook him like a rag doll. He couldn't figure out what was going on. Letting go of his member, the first thing he tried to do was pull his pants up. I found that hilarious. Rewarding his stupidity, I slapped him around. I made sure to hit him hard, though I'm sure it wasn't nearly as hard as Kendall had gotten over the years. What the fuck man? What the fuck? He babbled about to shit himself. Sure that he was properly terrified. I stopped and pulled his face inches from mine. You piece of shit you're gonna pay for what you did, I growled wanting to crush his skull like a melon. Who are you? I don't know you man. You got the wrong person. This was it. I had his attention. It was time. Come in, I said loud enough for Kendall to hear. I had to give Kendall credit. When she stepped into the doorway she entered like she wasn't scared shitless, which she had to be. Everything about her had told me that she wouldn't be able to do this. Turned out I was wrong. Kendall? What are you doing here? He asked confused. Don't talk to me like we're friends you piece of shit. Kendall demanded. I was so proud of her. What are you talking about? We are friends. Tell him you know me. We're friends, Evan insisted. Friends? You think we were friends? You made my life hell for years. For years. You and your goon squad made me feel like crap every day of my life. The things you did to me. 
This guy's belief that everything was going to be alright slowly faded. Things were beginning to click for him. I was happy about that because that was going to make what I had to do next a lot easier. What I did to you. They were just jokes. We were just having a little fun. I swear, Evan said as his eyes bounced between the both of us. Constantly hitting me on the back of my head when you would walk by. Bumping me into lockers. Sticking my head in a toilet. Kendall said with building anger. You came to school dressed like a boy. What did you think we were gonna do? I dressed like a boy because you told me you would get your friends to stop harassing me if I sent you a nude. Then when I stupidly did, you showed it to all of your friends and made fun of me for not having boobs for the next two years. You humiliated me, Evan. You made me not want to live. It was a joke. Already on the edge, I couldn't hear anymore. I lost it. Turning him to face me, I made sure he was looking into my eyes before I pulled back my fist and let it fly. He didn't try to stop me, or he didn't think to. And feeling the rage flow out of me, I beat him until my fists hurt. I was out of breath when I let him go. He dropped onto the bed battered. I had made a mess of him, but it wasn't anything he wouldn't recover from. I knew how far to take things. I'd seen worse in the ring. Now I said between pants, you're gonna apologize. I'm sorry, he said looking at me like he was about to cry. Not to me you stupid piece of shit. To her. He was scared to take his eyes off of me, but eventually he looked Kendall in the eyes. I'm sorry, he mumbled. I didn't hear you, I growled. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kendall. For what? I asked. For making your life hell. For being an asshole to you. For everything. I'm sorry for everything. I'm sorry, man. I'm just sorry, he said before bursting into tears. I backed off of the asshole, deciding that he got the point. I looked back at Kendall. I was amazed that nothing she saw had phased her. The girl was stone cold. What do you think? Do you think he meant it? Or should I beat the crap out of him some more? I meant it. I swear I meant it. That's good enough, Kendall said relenting. Are you sure? Because I don't mind. No please don't. Please don't, Evan begged. No. I think I'm good. Well if you change your mind just let me know. I'll come back and we can do this to him again. I turned to the guy in the bed. Do you hear me? I could come back here at any moment for any reason, and you'll never be able to see me coming. Maybe I'll wait till you're asleep. Maybe I'll snatch you when you're going to your dealer. Or maybe I'll send someone else. It might be anyone around you. It could be any time. And if you tell anyone who did this to you or why, fuck. I said with a laugh. This is gonna be our little secret. You hear me? I hear you. Our little secret. Good boy, I said tapping him on the cheek. When he flinched I knew my job was complete. After you I told Kendall directing her out. I stepped back and looked at the guy on the bed one last time. And pull up your pants. Your dick is out. I looked down at it and laughed. That was when I exited, closed the door behind me and then ran through the living room. Let's go, I said dropping my casual attitude. Hearing my urgency Kendall jogged behind me. Reaching the front door I was about to release the locks when I heard a familiar sound. Perhaps we would have made it outside if I had kept going. But I knew what those sounds meant. Although the guy might have accepted that he had gotten his ass whooped, 
his wolf did not. Readying myself to shift, I pushed Kendall behind him. What was that? She whispered. I could hear her heart pounding as I lost myself to my wolf. And as the bedroom door burst open and a snarling wolf shot out, I threw myself into a roll, shifting and shedding my clothes as I did. It was the fastest I had ever turned, and as a full wolf I sprung into the air catching the other wolf off guard and locking my teeth around his throat. That would have been it if we didn't both hit the ground with a thud. The impact released my hold on him. Free, he came at me snarling and nipping anything he could get a hold of. With him on top of me, he had the advantage. But I had had to fight to survive and he was a kid from the suburbs. Quickly the tides turned. Scratching and clawing I got him off of me. Once I had my wolf took its revenge. I might have shown him mercy but my wolf didn't. It ripped at fur leaving the other wolf covered in blood. And when my wolf took hold of its throat this time, I knew that it would be to the death. It took everything I had to wrestle back control from the killer that hid inside of me. When I did I shifted back exhausted and half out of my mind. I knew that this was when I would be vulnerable. I might have made a fatal mistake. If the wolf was out to kill me, this was the moment it could. It didn't. Knowing I was showing it mercy, it crawled away from me. Very quickly it shifted back to the guy that first had beaten. You're one of us. The guy said surprised. Then you know about how she smells. You know she's different. You know she's not right. I'm nothing like you, I growled. And if I ever smell you anywhere near her, I'll let my wolf kill you. You hear me? He didn't answer. Did you hear me? I said in a rumbling tone that even surprised me. He lowered his head, averting his eyes. I hear you. I'll do what you say. Good. Let's go, Kendall. I said looking back and finding her staring at the two of us with her mouth hanging open. I gathered my clothes. Putting on my shirt and pants gave her a moment to process. Kendall? I said gently pulling her out of her stupor. That was all it took. Peeling her eyes off of the two of us, she unlocked the door and slipped past it. I did too. With my shoes and socks in my hands we crossed the driveway and street. It was only when we were both in the truck that I knew we would be safe. Driving off neither of us said a word for miles. I couldn't tell what she was thinking. Had she seen anything like that before? She couldn't have. Not only did I beat some guy bloody, but I had shifted in front of her. This wasn't the way I wanted her to find out I was a wolf. She was never going to look at me the same again. I'm sorry, I told her. As soon as I said it, Kendall burst into tears. With her face buried in her hands she sobbed. I had really fucked up. Like always I had taken things too far and had made everything ten times worse. Listen, you shouldn't have had to see that. I lost control. It's just that when you told me what he did to you, I got so mad. That was when Kendall sat up, crawled on top of me and kissed me. My cheek, my chin, my lips. I was still driving. I wasn't sure what to do. Wait, I'm gonna pull over. That didn't stop her. Even as I maneuvered to the side of the freeway, she was turning my face towards hers. I could barely see as I brought the truck to a stop. And once I did, I pulled back the emergency brake and then did what I had been dreaming of doing from the moment I saw her. Grabbing the back of her head, I pulled her onto my lap and pressed my lips against hers. Parting them I slipped my tongue in. My mind raced. In search of her tongue I found it. They touched each other and danced. It was like nothing I had ever experienced. I was in heaven. Pushing my fingers through her hair, 
I couldn't get enough of her. I wanted to be part of her. I wanted to feel her skin on my fingertips. So sliding my free hand up her shirt I traced the lines of her back. She wasn't wearing a bra. Realizing that made me brick hard. With her sitting on my crotch she felt it. Grinding her crotch onto my stomach she told me what she wanted. I sunk my fingertips into her back. I wanted her too. I was ready to take her. And when she reached beside me and reclined my seat, I knew I was about to have her. Pulling away from my lips, she kissed the bottom of my chin and my neck. Tilting my head back I gave her room. Nipping my neck and sucking on my Adam's apple, she pulled up my t-shirt. It was enough for her to transfer from the dip in my neck to my bare chest. She was slowly working her way down my body, and when she reached down and grabbed my... Hi, it's the author. Spicy things are going on in the story right now, but it's not allowed on the platform you're listening to it on. But as a reminder, if you're in the US or the UK and you've never had an Audible account, you can get this story with all the spicy bits included for free by clicking on the links in the description and signing up for a free trial on Audible. The Audible version of the books are narrated by some of the best narrators in the world, and sometimes me, the author. And hearing them read with the steamy stuff included is so, so satisfying. However, if you're not eligible for the free trial, you can get this audiobook with that premium narration by clicking on the join button and becoming a member of this YouTube channel. There are multiple tiers you can sign up for, and both will allow you to listen to the story with the steamy bits and without ads. But, so you know, it's the premium narration tier that includes the Audible version. And the great thing about getting the audiobook by becoming a member is that not only will it cost you less than buying this book on Audible, but you will get access to all of the premium narration versions, including those previously added and the new audiobooks added every month. And you can become a member no matter where in the world you live. So please, consider it. Otherwise, continue to enjoy the story. I couldn't get enough of her. It took everything in me to pull away, but I did. Letting go but not wanting to leave her, I climbed up her body and held her. I had never imagined pleasuring someone could feel this good. Holding Kendall, I knew I was home. I didn't want to be anywhere else but right here. I would have laid with her like that forever if she didn't then whisper in my ear. Chapter 7 Kendall Thank you, I whispered unsure what I was grateful for. Was it for what he had done to Evan? Was it for sharing that he was a wolf shifter? Was it for giving me the first and most incredible sexual experience of my life? At that moment, I didn't know and didn't care. I just knew that I was bathing in warm caramel, and I had never felt better in my life. But even though I didn't know why I said it, Nero thought he did. I'm glad you liked it, he said with a smile. I was willing to let him have his ego boost. After all, what he had done with his tongue had been pretty great. I was torn whether or not I should ask him for another round. Not at this moment, of course. Right now my brain felt like it was in a popcorn maker. Thoughts were bouncing around in my head faster than I could understand them. I would have chosen to stay in Nero's arms a lot longer if flashing red and blue lights hadn't lit up the truck. Shit, it's the cops. Get back to your seat, Kendall. We don't want to have to explain what we were just doing to a couple of good old boys. Knowing Nero was right, 
I pulled myself from under him and climbed into the passenger seat. He got back into his and returned his chair upright. Pull up your pants, Nero said having to remind me. As I said, a lot was going on in my head. I buttoned my pants and settled moments before a bright light filled the cabin. It was followed by a knock on the window, and Nero rolling it down. What are you two doing out here? The cop said from behind a glowing ball. Nero replied. Are we not supposed to pull over here? I'm sorry, officer. I was feeling a little tired, and I thought it was better to pull over than risk it. The cop bounced his light between the two of us, then around the inside of the truck. When he didn't find anything, he turned it back towards Nero. You two been smoking anything? You know that stuff's illegal in the state of Tennessee. Wouldn't dream of it, officer. Then why does your truck smell like weed? Does it? Nero turned to me. It must be on our clothes. We just left a friend. I don't want to get him in trouble, but we were in his room for a minute and there you go. I couldn't tell if the cop believed Nero. The good thing was that Nero was telling the truth. That must have come across because after only a few more dirty looks he said. There's a rest stop five miles up ahead. If you need to rest, you should do it there. It's dangerous to pull over on the side of the highway like this. And parked on the line like you are, you could cause an accident. Sorry about that. I didn't realize. We'll keep it moving from here on out. I just needed a minute to wake up. I'm better now. I can keep driving. Still not hinting whether or not he believed us, the officer nodded and said, use the rest stops if you have to. Otherwise you two have a good night, you hear. You too, officer. Thank you, Nero said as if he were the most polite person in the world. Thank you, I said as the officer walked away. When he was far enough out of sight, we laughed. It had been a crazy night. We both knew to get home before anything else happened. Just like the drive to Nashville, the drive back to campus was a quiet one. Probably for different reasons. Driving there, my mind swirled about whether Nero was serious and what it might feel like to watch Evan get what he deserved. Driving back, I couldn't stop thinking about seeing Nero turn into a wolf and then having his lips on me. And what did Evan mean when he talked about the way I smelled and it proving that I was different? Should I drop you off at your dorm? Nero asked as we approached campus. It's pretty late. I reckon. Maybe we could talk about things tomorrow. We could do that. Maybe we can grab dinner together again. You know, without the six-hour drive and other stuff. Without all of the other stuff. Because some of the stuff we did was pretty fun, Nero said blushing. I couldn't deny that. We should talk tomorrow, I said leaving it at that. Okay. Just let me know if I can do anything for you. I'm more than happy to lend a hand. Or a few other body parts. I asked blushing. Whatever you need, he said dropping me off in front of my building. Tomorrow. I asked not really wanting to leave. Tomorrow. I stared at him getting lost in his eyes. Perhaps I should have just opened my door and left, but instead, I leaned across the cabin, kissed him on the lips and then hurried out. I didn't look back. It was hard enough walking away from him. Unfortunately, his spell on me only lasted a few minutes after I climbed into bed. It was past 2 a.m. so Corey was asleep. And it was way too dark and quiet for my mind not to return to what had inspired the night. Out of everything, the thing I could least believe was that I had watched Nero beat the crap out of Evan. As I thought about it, my body shivered. I don't know why, but as soon as that happened, I melted into a crying mess.
eventually crying myself to sleep, I was only awake for a minute before the tears began again. You okay? Corey asked startled by the sound of me wailing. I'm all right, I said through my sobbing. As hard as I've always been to live with, I never felt sorrier for Corey than I did now. At least previously, I could explain why I woke up screaming or chose not to leave my bed. Today, I couldn't even do that. I was crying. That was that. Of course as the day continued and the spontaneous bouts of bawling carried on, I got a better sense of why it was happening. These weren't tears of anger or frustration. They were from a soul, felt release. These tears were from all of the times I hadn't cried as a kid. For so long I had thought that Evan Carter wouldn't get justice for the things he had done to me. I knew that an eye for an eye left everyone blind. But why was I supposed to be okay, carrying around the terror and pain he inflicted on me, while he got away without consequences? Before last night, I didn't believe that fairness existed. Because it didn't, God couldn't exist and there was no way life could be trusted. We were just specks of nothing floating aimlessly in a void of emptiness. But that had changed. As brutal as it was, Nero had given me hope that everything might be alright. Helping others to have a better life would be worth it. What you put out to the world came back to you. I hadn't needed proof of this to want to be a therapist, but knowing there was justice in the world had changed my life. With every tearful outburst, my life felt a little lighter. Only then was I able to think about the other life-changing thing that had happened. I had watched Nero turn into a wolf. Perhaps the reason I wasn't still in bed having an existential crisis was that I had always believed people like him existed. I had never seen it with my own eyes, but I couldn't count the number of times I had imagined Quinn doing it when I was a kid. It was incredible. And had Evan been one of them this entire time? Did it have something to do with why he hated me? I had talked about Quinn a lot back then. Yes I was that weird kid. There was also no way I could forget what Evan said to Nero. He had said that the way I smelled proved that I was different. What did I smell like? How was I different? By the time I met Nero for dinner, I was dizzy with questions. You okay? Nero asked seeing my head was spinning. There are so many things I want to ask you. I figured. Shoot. I opened my mouth and nothing came out. It was like they all rushed to the opening at once and got stuck. Take a breath, Nero told me. I'm here. I'll answer any questions you have. What are you? I finally asked. I'm a wolf shifter. Is that what Quinn is? I'm not sure what Quinn is. I mean yeah she's a wolf shifter too. But as far as I can tell, her father turned her into a shifter by fooling with her genes. I was born this way, and I didn't shift until I was 18. Is that normal? Shifting when you're 18? For most of us. But I've heard of it happening later. So, me being a shifter probably wasn't what Evan was talking about when he said I was different. Nero paused. Probably not. Then how am I different? You don't have a scent. I don't have a scent. Is that weird? Everyone has a scent. Doesn't matter how much you shower, to a wolf shifter it's always there. For you there's nothing. It's like if you met someone and you couldn't hear them. They could clap. They could scream. And no matter what, nothing. That would be pretty disturbing, I realized. Yeah. Especially for wolves since they rely so much on their sense of smell. But for whatever reason, my wolf can't get enough of you. Okay, I don't know what that means. 
It means that I really like being around you. Because I'm different. Because you're you, he said with smile. Which is what? I don't know. Something magical. I looked at Nero confused. When you say magical, do you mean oh that girl is magical? Or, are you saying that I'm a witch or a demon or something? I'm not sure, he said with empathy. Okay. This is a lot. Nero reached across the table and placed his hand on mine. It made me feel better. How am I supposed to figure this out? I asked him. I've been thinking about that. And? Cage and Quinn just got the keys to their new place. They're gonna be moving my mother in this weekend. They need me to move my stuff. How would you feel about going up with me? I froze. Wait a minute. If you're a wolf shifter and Cage is your brother, does that mean he's one too? Nero looked hesitant to answer but did. Yeah, that's what it means. So you, Quinn, and your brother are all wolf shifters. Yep. Wow. And the people where you grew up. That's a little more complicated. What do you mean? I grew up in a mixed community. There are a lot of people like me. But there are also humans and fi. What's a fi? It's kind of like a fairy but real. They're people who have access to magic. There's one back home I can introduce you to. Cage is organizing something for this weekend that he'll be at. He'll have a better idea what's going on with you. And what I am. If you're anything at all. You could just be a human with a spell cast on you. A human with a spell cast on me. I feel like I've stepped into crazy town. You're handling it well, Nero said with a chuckle. I'm not sure I would if I were in your shoes. I'm glad that's how it looks, I said with a laugh. So you grew up always knowing you're a wolf shifter. And you and Cage's parents are wolf shifters. Our mother is. I don't know about our father. Neither of us have ever met him. Is that a normal thing with shifters? I guess about as normal as in the human world. I laughed. In the human world. I don't think I'll ever get used to hearing that. There's a difference. I bet. Your childhood must have been unique. It was but for another reason. I'm my own special form of screwed up. How so? I didn't meet Cage until about a year ago. Up until then I had to do a lot of things to survive. Like what? I used to host fight clubs for people like me. Oh. It wasn't by choice. I mean I chose to do it, but I also had a shitty busboy job. You were trying to find a way out. Yeah, he said, his brow furrowing with pain. Thank you for what you did last night, I told him hoping to make him feel better. I can't tell you how good it made me feel. Nero smiled. Me going down on you was that good, huh? He said, looking proud of himself. I didn't want to burst his bubble. You're a miracle worker. Then maybe we should do that again. Maybe we should, I said thinking it wasn't a half bad idea. Want to get out of here? I didn't mean now, I said placing my hand on his arm. I liked touching him. Doing it filled me with a warmth that told me that everything was going to be alright. No, Nero. You did what you did for me last night, and I appreciate it. You're welcome he said again referring to the oral sex. Not that. I'm talking about the other thing. Oh. Reminding him of it, took a bit of the wind out of his sail. That. Yeah that, I confirmed. I'm just glad I could help you get what you deserved.
Honestly, after the things you described, I don't think a beating and his apology is enough. It's enough. Besides, that wasn't the only thing that happened. You gave me my life back. I was stuck in that nightmarish loop, and it warped the way I saw everything. You straightened it out for me, while adding another wrinkle, I said with a chuckle. Nero's head dipped sheepishly. I'm just happy something I did helped. You're an amazing guy, Nero Roman. I'm pretty screwed up, he said with sadness returning to his eyes. You helped me. I think I might be able to help you if you let me. Instead of agreeing to let me, he asked. So, did you want to go home with me this weekend? I stared at him. It felt like such a loaded question. On top of talking to a fi about whether or not I was human, did he realize that he was also asking me to meet his mom? And what about the sleeping arrangements? Was he expecting us to have sex? Did I want to have sex with him? Was I ready to have sex? Um? It's okay if you don't want to, he said trying to hide his disappointment. I didn't say that. So you want to? I grunted torn. Can I think about it? Of course. Maybe we should grab something to eat. I'm feeling pretty hungry and the cafe is closing soon. We should do that, Nero said soberly. Once the topic changed, it never went back. After we were done eating, I got out of there by saying I had to get up early for a class. I told him I would give him an answer to his invitation in a few days, and I was going to. I just needed to figure out all of the things I could possibly be, everything about him and what he was, and where I wanted the rest of my life to go first. No problem. Between spiraling, rubbing myself off to the memory of Nero going down on me, and classes, the week flew by. As the weekend approached, I still hadn't come any closer to a decision. Because I hadn't, I was hiding from Nero. I didn't mind sending delayed responses to his texts. But I wasn't yet ready to see him. Thinking a change of scenery would help, I took a walk around campus. Nearing commons, I decided to browse the bookstore within. It mostly sold textbooks, but occasionally they'd have something worth me buying to pretend I've read. Walking the aisles, I stopped with a jolt when I saw someone I recognized. Quinn was staring at the craft supplies with her back to me. I wondered if I should say hi, and decided it couldn't hurt. Quinn? Quinn turned around and stared at me with a confused look on her face. Kendall, I reminded. Yeah, she said awkwardly. As she continued to stare at me without saying anything, I began to think I made a mistake. We watched the football game together. We got pizza afterward. It was fun. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I know who you are. Cage says I have a tendency to stare without saying anything. I guess I keep expecting people to read my mind, she said with a chuckle. Can wolf shifters do that? Quinn laughed. No, they can't. It's just me being awkward. I chuckled. I know the feeling. You look like you have something on your mind. Yes, I do. Do you know what a moonshine festival is? Isn't it a pagan ritual type of thing? I guess. But I meant the other moonshine. Ah, uh, yes. A Tennessee specialty. Moonshine, I mean. What about it? The town where Nero grew up is having their first annual moonshine festival. Oh, this is the thing that Cage is organizing. He told you about it. Well, he said that Cage was organizing something that, I looked around and lowered my voice. That a certain fi will be at. He told you that. Was he not supposed to? No, I guess telling you was fine. I paused and stared at Quinn.
Do I smell weird to you? He told you that too, huh? Quinn confirmed. He said that wolf shifters can't smell me. We can't. And that it makes me magical in some way. It mostly likely does. He said that there might be someone there this weekend that might be able to tell me what I am. He probably means Dr. Tom. He's the leader of the Phi. He knows a lot about this stuff. He should be able to help. I see, I told her, still not sure what I thought about all of this. So what brought you here making you look like you do? What? Confused? Lust? I chuckled. Yeah that. If Nero told you about your thing, I guess I can tell you everything else. Cage is trying to establish a pack in town. But as not to exclude the Phi and humans living there, we're organizing it around a themed event. The Moonshine Festival. Full Moon. Wolves. I get it. Very clever. Actually, I hadn't thought about that. The town was established back in the day by Moonshine Runners. As I think about it, I wonder if the two are connected. Anyway, for the festival part of it, I volunteered to do something big. What did you do? I volunteered to be the mascot. I put my hand over my mouth. You didn't. I did. And I said I would make a costume. I stared at Quinn and then burst out laughing. Why on earth would you volunteer to do that? I don't know. I guess I feel guilty that my fame puts their community at risk. And since everyone's been so welcoming to Cage and me despite that, I wanted to do something to say thank you. And nothing says thank you for not being pricks like dancing around in an oversized uncomfortable costume all day while kids laugh and point. The town's not like that. It really is quite nice. In fact, the only problem we've ever had was with Nero, and now he's head over heels for someone who isn't a wolf shifter. He is. Who? I said, feeling an unexpected rush of jealousy. You? Quinn stared at me blankly. Wait, I said something I shouldn't have, didn't I? What part of that didn't you know? She said, starting to panic. No, no. You didn't speak out of turn. I know that I would have shifted already if I was one of you. And he's made his feelings towards me clear. I guess I just have a hard time believing that someone like him could be interested in someone like me. Oh. Yeah, I had the same feeling about Cage. I hope you don't mind me saying this, but they are two pretty hot brothers. No, I don't mind. It's hard to miss. So does that mean that you're into Nero as well? I took a deep breath, unsure what to say. Who knows? I'm such a mess. But you, what are you planning on doing for your moonshine mascot outfit? I was thinking about making a mason jar. I mean that's what they would drink moonshine out of back in the day, right? I winced. It's more what fancy restaurants serve drinks in now, a days to fake a down-home vibe. Is it? Your New York is showing, sweetie. Is it? Then what do I do? Quinn asked frantically. Why don't you just do a moonshine jug? What's that? I looked at Quinn stunned. What did they even teach you in high school? Math, she said dryly. I laughed. Touché. Well, now that you're in Tennessee, you're gonna have to go back and learn the fundamentals. I tried to explain what a moonshine jug looked like. By the time I got to the part about there being three X's on the front of it, she was lost. Why are there three X's on it? To tell people that they will die if they drink it. Moonshine's grain alcohol. It'll burn your insides out. But people do drink it, don't they? She asked confused. Of course. What else are you gonna do with it? 
Make a car bomb? She asked Riley. I laughed hard. That's only after you've drunk it. Okay, so it's clear I need some help with this, she said defeated. I could help you. You could. Sure. I mean, you clearly need help, and I've made enough wireframe dresses to fill a festival. Why would you make wireframe dresses? I went through a rebellious phase, I explained. I thought I could bring couture to Nashville. FYI, I didn't. Oh, do you want to be a fashion designer? No, a therapist. Which also makes sense, Quinn said considering it. I stared at her speechless. I didn't know if she was being funny on purpose or not, but the girl was hilarious. I really liked her. So, did you want my help creating your masterpiece? You don't know how much. And just so you know, a masterpiece would be great. But I'm aiming for not humiliating myself. Well, you'll be dressed as a moonshine jug at a small town festival. So Quinn that ship has sailed, I said sympathetically. It was Quinn's turn to laugh. With a project to take my mind off of Nero and whether I would join him this weekend, I led Quinn out of the bookstore. Since neither of us had cars, we walked to the nearest art supply store. Picking up framing wire, reams of cloth paint and sewing supplies, we took a rideshare back to her dorm. The girl didn't live like the rest of us. She lived in the building jokingly referred to as Beverly Hills. Spreading everything out in her living room, I showed her a few pictures of what I was thinking of and got to work. It was fun. And it turned out to be a great way to pick her brain about Nero. So, what did you mean when you said that Nero was the only one who gave you and Cage a hard time? Nero wasn't always as in touch with his softer side as he is now. And things might have come out a little wonky. He was a townie dick. Yeah. I guess. I thought about that a little more. He has a temper, doesn't he? Quinn's eyes flicked up to mine. She didn't need to say anything. The answer was clear. He's had a hard life. He's mentioned something about that. I think if Cage hadn't come along, his life might have led down a dark path. It's difficult growing up without either of your parents. I thought he said he grew up with his mother. He did. She was physically there. But in all of the important ways, he was alone. She had a rough go of things, too. She's only now returning to her full self. Wow. Yeah. So, he might be a little angry and rough around the edges. But he was exactly how strong he needed to be, to survive the world he was forced into. And the more I get to know him, the more I see how he uses his darker side. Nero is a protector. He looks after his pack. If you're on the outside, you better watch out. But if you're one of those he lets in, you are the safest you will ever be. I thought about what Quinn said for the rest of the night. It made sense. Wasn't that what happened with Evan? Hadn't Nero done what he had to protect me? You should come check out the festival, Quinn said as we approached a stopping point for the night. You're doing all of this work. You at least need to see me humiliate myself in it. Cage and I just got a place. We have an extra bedroom if you want to stay over. Oh, Nero mentioned that you and Cage bought a house. Congratulations on that. Thanks. And we have plenty of room for guests. Nero had actually invited me up this weekend to meet the Phi you mentioned. Oh. Quinn said looking at me surprised. Did you say yes? I told him I had to think about it. You should do it if you feel comfortable. I mean do whatever you'd like. You'd be very welcome if you do. Thanks, I said feeling tempted. 
agreeing to come back the following day to help her finish her costume, I headed back to my place. I was pretty sure if Nero hadn't invited me first, I would have already accepted Quinn's invitation. It wasn't that I didn't want to find out what I was or spend time with Nero. I absolutely wanted both. And I wanted more of what we did in his truck. But that was the problem. There was a part of me that wouldn't forget that I was in his life to help him. I knew that some things were more important like figuring out what I am. But sex with Nero wasn't one of them. Do I have the strength to separate the two? And what if I let myself fall for him? There would be no coming back. How could I resist him? Not only was he as hot as sin, but I liked everything about him. Quinn was right. When I was with him, I felt safer than I had ever been in my life. That wasn't saying much considering the hell Evan and his asshole friends had put me through every day at school, but it meant a lot to me. Corey, I have a dilemma, I told her when I arrived home finding her still awake. Boy problems? She asked putting down the textbook she was reading. How did you know? Kendall, you've been glowing the last couple of days. I have. Did you not know? I thought about it. Despite how stressed I had been trying to figure out what I should do about Nero, I had been drunkenly happy. Maybe. At least you've seemed happier than you've been the two years I've known you. I guess. But I wouldn't describe it as boy problems. I just can't figure out what I should do. I paused. Wait, are you comfortable talking about this? Why wouldn't I be? Corey asked confused. I don't know how these things work. I've never had a boy to talk about, or a female friend I could talk about one with. Kendall, we've been living together for years. Do you really think there's anything you can't talk to me about? I don't know. I guess I just get freaked about this stuff sometimes. Fucking Evan Carter, she said waiting for me to follow it with my line. About that. What? So, I might have gotten closure on the Evan Carter situation. Corey sat up giving me her full attention. How? Did I mention there's a boy? I don't understand. If I remember my behavioral psychology class, I might have had something called learned helplessness. It's when you give up, because you've decided that there's nothing you can do to escape the bad situation you're in. If you put rats in a cage and electrify the bottom of it, Eventually they learn they can't escape the shocks, so they stop trying. So when you only electrify the small section they're standing on, they won't move. They've learned they're helpless to escape their situation, even though they're not. That might have been what had happened to me with Evan Carter. His constant bullying had taught me that I had no control over my life, and that I was helpless to all the bad things that could happen. I was stuck in mud. The boy helped me out of it. How'd he do that? He beat the shit out of Evan Carter, I said worried what Corey would say. Oh. She leaned back and went silent. It's wrong, right? Well, it's not like he didn't have it coming. He did some shitty things to you. I haven't even told you the humiliating stuff. There's more. She asked stunned. Yeah. He was? I had to take a deep breath when the memories flooded my mind. It became harder to breathe when I remembered that he was a wolf shifter. He had been even more dangerous than I had imagined. He was the devil, I decided. And after this guy did what he did. I feel better. I don't feel scared all the time anymore. I feel like I can breathe for the first time in a long time. That's great. Yeah. But? But what? I don't know. Should I be worried?
I mean, the reason I was assigned to him was because he's had some anger issues. He has a very dangerous side. Am I a fool to think that he won't eventually hurt me too? Corey thought about it. Do you feel like you're in danger? That's just it. I feel incredibly safe around him. I feel like if I'm with him, there's nothing that can hurt me because he will protect me. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Who wouldn't want that? She said with more introspection than I would have expected. So, I take it that being with your boyfriend doesn't make you feel safe. Corey looked up at me and laughed. Well, my boyfriend and I are pretty much the same size, so no. But aren't there other ways a person can make you feel safe? Like, maybe he makes you feel safe because you know that he will be there when you need him. Or maybe he makes you feel safe because you know he will always love you. Corey looked at me considering it for the first time. I guess. Wow. You're really good at this. She couldn't have said anything nicer. I blushed. Thank you. So does he make you feel safe in any of those ways? Maybe. I stared at her as her eyes saddened. But those aren't the ways you want to feel safe. Or maybe that you need to feel safe. Look, Kelly's a great guy. She said defensively. I didn't say he wasn't. And we weren't talking about me. We were talking about you. Don't try to change the topic. I guess I touched a nerve. You're right. We were talking about what I should do about Nero. So, my dilemma is that he's going home this weekend, and he invited me to go with him. He wants you to see where he grew up. That's a good thing, isn't it? There's a little more to it than that. There's someone there he wants me to meet. His mom. We would meet his mom, but there's a doctor he wants me to see. Are you feeling alright? Corey asked concerned. Yeah. I'm fine. Do I smell weird to you? Do you smell weird? Yeah. Nero said I smell differently. Not bad or anything. So the doctor is an herbologist or something? Yes. Exactly. And since Nero wasn't the only one to tell me that, I was thinking I should go. And while you're there, you'll meet everyone important to him. To me, that seems like he's taking things to the next level. Actually, I've already met a few of those people. I was just helping his brother's girlfriend put together a costume for a festival his town is hosting this weekend. It's their place we would be staying at. And Quinn invited me to come up for the weekend too. This all sounds fantastic. Does it? Yeah. The guy invited you to learn more about him. And because his brother's girlfriend also invited you, the pressure would be off from it being a date. And Nero's brother seems nice too, even though he was also a football player. So you're now friends with two football players? I guess, I said with a smile. Kendall, I don't even know who you are anymore. I laughed. I'm not sure I do either. But I think you should go. I've known you for a while. I've never seen you this into something, much less someone. What if he's your chance at happiness? Wouldn't it be worth taking the risk, even if there might be a few complications? Chapter 8 Nero My wolf and I were going out of our minds waiting to hear what Kendall decided. I had invited her to come with me back home. It was to see Dr. Tom to help figure out what she was. But there was no escaping that everyone I ever knew was there. If she was with me, I knew I wouldn't be able to hide how much I liked her and they would see it. What would my mother say? 
She had no problem with Cage and Quinn, but she had been introduced to them as a package. If she wanted to have her son back, she was going to have to accept both of them. Now I wonder if she likes Quinn more than me. But my mama's never met anyone I've been interested in. That was probably because I hadn't been into anyone in any real way, until Kendall. And Kendall wasn't a wolf shifter. She was a girl without a scent who dressed in all black and wore studded leather bracelets. She wouldn't exactly blend in when she's there. How would mama react? And what would everyone else I knew say? Wolf shifters weren't exactly the most enlightened people. Things could turn bad quickly. I knew I could shut anyone up who stepped out of line, but that didn't mean it wouldn't make me feel some sort of way. At the same time, I was helpless to Kendall. I could barely breathe when I was around her. All I could think about was holding her and pushing myself into her with my arms wrapped around her chest and my lips on her neck. I have never been more turned on by someone in my life. Even with that, I couldn't shake the feeling that being with her was just a dream. I was fucked up. Maybe too much for anybody. But meeting Kendall had made me hope that I was wrong. I was willing to risk everything to be with her. All I needed was for her to text me back and give me that chance. I was starting to think that Kendall was gonna ghost me, when a picture appeared in our text thread. It was of her and Quinn standing in front of what looked like a human-sized moonshine jug. Nothing about the picture made sense. I knew she and Quinn had hit it off. But when did they start hanging out together? And why was there a giant moonshine jug in Quinn's living room? How much of that moonshine did you two drink? I wrote back. Well we had to empty the bottle so? I was still very confused. Do you need someone to walk you home? Because I'm close. A picture was the next thing to appear. This time the two of them were pretending to be drunk as they drank out of the jug. They were clearly having a good time. You know that stuff will make you go blind, right? El Kajfoy, El Kaya, she wrote back. I laughed. Seriously, do you need me to come over? I'm five minutes away. No. We're good. I just wanted to show you the costume we made for the Moonshine Festival this weekend. The Moonshine Festival? Quinn told me about it. You common, by the way. Quinn said they have a spare bedroom I could stay in. Reading that, my chest clenched. I had hoped she would want to sleep in my bed. There were a whole lot of things I wanted to do to her. They do. You should come. Those three dots danced on the screen for what felt like forever. Okay. Yes? I screamed, causing Titus to look over. Get some good news? It wasn't bad, I told him, unable to wipe the smile off my face. By the way, you going to any of the festival stuff that's going on this weekend? It sounds like a lot will be going on. I'll be there. I paused not sure how to bring this up. And uh, you remember Kendall? From after the game? Yeah. She's coming too, I said nervously. Is she? That's great. I liked her. Maybe you can get Lou to come. I asked her. She has a date this weekend. She dates a lot, doesn't she? She does. That bother you? Why would it bother me? Titus asked playing dumb. I stared at him, wondering if I was going to keep dancing around what was going on between the two of them. Look if you like her, I think you're gonna need to step up and tell her. I don't like her. I mean I like her. We're good friends. But I don't like her like that. Huh. Well I guess it's a good thing you don't.
because if you did, hearing she's going on yet another date might drive you up the wall. Imagine all of the things she does with these guys. Imagine them holding hands. Imagine them kissing. Then when they invite her back to their place. She's a virgin, Titus said cutting me off. What? Yeah. She said she dates a lot but she doesn't go any further than that. She wants to wait for the right guy. Was she looking at you when she said it? What do you mean if she was looking at me? She was talking to me. Of course she was. I stared at him wondering how long he was gonna play this game. Okay. Whatever. I just think if you feel something for someone, you need to tell them no matter how chicken shit you are. You tell Kendall yet? He asked throwing it back in my face. I'm gonna tell her this weekend, I said deciding as I said it. Good for you, Titus said looking at me with admiration. That's awesome. She seemed really nice. I like you two together. Thanks I told him filling with relief. Not having a game this weekend, Kendall and I made arrangements to meet at Quinn's room so the three of us could drive home together. So, neither of you thought about how to get it through the door when you were deciding how big it will be. I asked staring at the four-foot wide jug costume. Kendall and Quinn looked at each other. It was the cutest thing ever. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do. Quinn, you're gonna take all the pictures you want with it looking as perfect as it does right now. And then? Quinn asked nervously. Then we're gonna get it through the door. Oh no. We put so much work into it, Quinn moaned. I haven't made anything like this before. Then maybe next time you two will make something smaller than the doorframe you need to get it through. Weren't you supposed to be a genius or something? I teased. Quinn's head drooped. I don't know why, but that might have taken things too far. I put my hand on her shoulder. Look. I got you. We both got you. Right, Kendall? Of course. We got you, Quinn. I just wanted Cage to see it at its best. And he will, in the pictures, I said teasing her again. Quinn's mood lightened, allowing her to laugh about it. I did the same. But when I looked over at Kendall, I caught her staring at me with a big grin. What? Nothing, she said before turning her attention to the costume. I didn't know what she was thinking, but I liked the way she looked thinking it. She really was the sexiest girl ever. Damn did I want to kiss her again. After taking more pictures than a tourist at Tennessee's biggest ball of yarn, Quinn put her camera away and we got to work. Having made it strong enough to trap a bobcat, the only way we could get it through the door was to bend it. When we got it to my truck and bent it back, it was more oval than round. It's a moonshine festival. If people are sober enough to notice it's a little off, then we got bigger issues, I told the sad Quinn. As much as I liked being alone with Kendall, having Quinn with us for the drive helped. The two of them got along like best friends. I was a little jealous. But just when I thought they forgot I was here, Kendall touched my thigh. I had never gotten hard so fast in my life. I turned to her, wondering what she was suggesting. She wasn't looking at me. It was like she just wanted to tell me that she hadn't forgotten about me. I was gonna take it, because I certainly hadn't forgotten about her. Kendall and I were introducing Quinn to Tennessee drinking songs when we crossed into the protective barrier. I was hoping Kendall would notice the change. She didn't. Whatever she was, she definitely wasn't a wolf shifter. It was too bad but there was no way it would affect how I felt about her. Is this your house? Kendall asked staring through the windshield as we pulled up to it. 
Yeah, Quinn replied bashfully. It's amazing. Thanks. Yep, there was no getting around it. The place was impressive. I wondered what Kendall would say when she saw where we were moving out of. I hadn't been embarrassed about my place growing up because I didn't have the time to be. I was too busy figuring out how to pay the rent. But I saw the neighborhood the kids from her school lived in. None of those homes were on wheels. Sure, none of the homes in our trailer park was either. But that was because no one there could afford them. Nero, after we get the costume inside you should show Kendall around. Kendall turned to me excitedly. Cool. Is Mama here? I asked Quinn wondering how stressful my night was going to be. We special ordered her bed. It's arriving tomorrow. She won't move in until then. I was relieved. It would give Kendall and me a night to get used to whatever was going on. Once we moved the costume into the garage and said hi to Cage, that was what we did. They told me that this would be my room, I said guiding her in and onto the bed. Nice. She said looking around at the empty space. We're getting my stuff tomorrow. But I'm not sure how much of it I want to bring with me. Maybe it's better to let most of it stay in the past. You can't beat a fresh start. Yeah. I stared into Kendall's soft chocolate eyes. It was like she was asking me to pull her into my arms and never let her go. But as soon as I slipped my hand on hers she stood up. So where's the room I'll be staying in? She asked grabbing her backpack. I considered suggesting that she stay with me but changed my mind. I wanted her to feel comfortable here. And if she needed to sleep somewhere else to do that, I would give that to her. Next door. I'll show you. Allowing her to drop off her stuff, she told me that she would meet me downstairs and then close the door behind me. How could I not take that as a rejection? She may as well have said, don't let the doorknob hit you on the way out. I was starting to think this weekend wasn't gonna go like I hoped it would. Where's Kendall? Cage asked when I joined him and Quinn at the kitchen island. She's in her room. She said she'll be down soon. So how's it going between you two? Cage asked. I nodded my head and tightened my lips instead of answering. The truth was I didn't know. You all got anything to drink? I asked checking the cabinets. First of all, it's do we have anything to drink? My brother said referring to the three of us. And second of course, he said before pointing me to a lower cabinet. I opened it and stared at the sorry selection. You know this ain't gonna do right. You want more? You go buy it, Cage joked. No. I'll stock it up, Quinn volunteered. Now why aren't you more like your girlfriend? Not all of us can be perfect, he said grabbing Quinn and kissing her. I don't know who you're talking about. But I know it's not me, Quinn protested. Of course it's you. It's always you, Cage said being so cute with Quinn that I wanted to puke. Where the hell is Kendall? I asked not able to take it anymore. As soon as I said it, Kendall walked in as if she was waiting at the door. There you are, I said not able to stop myself from smiling. Drink? My god yes, she said joining me and pointing out what she wanted. Once the drink started flowing things between Kendall and me got less awkward. Sitting at the island as Cage made dinner, the conversation was non-stop and pretty great. When we were done Kendall and I cleaned up and then joined Cage and Quinn in the living room. They had bought a second set of games for the house, and Kendall and I challenged them to a game of wavelength. The object was to come up with a word that would get your teammate to turn a dial to a certain area without seeing it. It was basically testing which team was on the same wavelength. 
Cage and Quinn crushed it. But considering how well we did against the perfect couple, neither Kendall nor I felt bad. We're gonna head to bed. We have a lot to do tomorrow. After we move, we could use your help setting up for the festival. We're gonna see Dr. Tom tomorrow. But maybe after that, I told Cage still not sure how much I wanted to get involved with what they were doing. When they were gone I turned to Kendall. God did she look sexy. So what about you? What do you want to do now? She stared at me for a moment and smiled. I think I'll head to bed too. You sure? I could think of a few other things, I said with a smile. I'm sure you could. Maybe next time slugger, she said before leaning over kissing me on the lips and walking away. I barely knew what to do with myself for the rest of the night. Deciding to go to bed, I stared at the wall knowing she was on the other side of it. I tossed and turned restlessly before I took things into my own hands and relieved some of my stress. It was only then that I could think warm thoughts of Kendall and slowly drift to sleep. I woke up early the next morning not being able to stay away from Kendall for very long. Lying in bed I stared at the wall separating us. Was she awake staring back? If she was asleep what was she dreaming of? With my wolf too excited to stay in bed, I pulled on a pair of shorts and left my room. Her door was still closed. Convincing myself not to knock, I headed downstairs finding Cage and Quinn in the kitchen. Morning, Cage said as if he had been awake for hours. Morning. How did you sleep? Quinn asked. Was the bed comfortable? We debated about how soft it should be. Cage said you wouldn't care. She doesn't know how uncomfortable the bed back at the old place is, Cage told me. Yeah. Anything would be an upgrade from that, I agreed trying not to take my brother's criticism personally. But it was all we could afford you know. Hey for a place that was being paid for by a 14 year old it's amazing. I still can't believe you were able to do it, Cage told me. But it's not just you anymore. We're all in this together. And now we have a new home. Yeah, I said half-heartedly. I knew Cage was trying to make me feel like this was my place too, and I appreciated it. But it wasn't. I didn't think it could ever be. Not only could I not be my full self living under the protective spell, but this house was too big of a leap from the place I could afford. You could fit the mobile home in it multiple times. It was too different from everything I've ever known. How could I not feel like a guest? Is Kendall still sleeping? Quinn asked. I guess. She took the guest bedroom. Oh? Cage was wondering if he should start making breakfast. Do you know whether she's a late sleeper? I wish I knew that type of information, I said hoping that I would know it soon. Okay. I'll give it a few minutes and then get started. It'll take a while in either case. Maybe she'll be up by then. While you do that I'm going to take a shower, Quinn said kissing Cage before she left. When Quinn was gone I looked at Cage. I tried to think of the last time the two of us were alone together. The only times I saw him nowadays was when he came to campus for our wolf runs, or when I drove Quinn up for the weekend. I loved Quinn, but I kind of miss spending time alone with my brother. How's work going? Good. I'm loving working with the kids. I keep trying to figure out when I can invite you to a game, but you either have practice or classes. Cage refilled his coffee cup and offered me some. Please. And things have been good with Mama. After he handed me a cup, he joined me at the island. Yeah. I mean you've seen her. She's even been talking about going back to work. She told me.
It's amazing. Where was this woman when I was a kid? She was doing her best. Don't defend her. You weren't there. You don't know what it was like, I said. I wasn't upset, but there was no way I wanted to listen to him make excuses for her while only seeing her good side. Sorry. You ever wonder about our father cage? Of course. You know I do. Quinn tell you what she decided. What she decided? Yeah I had asked her to help me figure out who he was. And she told me that I might not want to know. What does that mean? I don't know. She's your girlfriend. Cage's gaze dipped as he thought about it. What if our father is someone really awful, Cage? Like, what if the reason Mama doesn't want to talk about it is because if we knew, it would explain why I'm so screwed up? I don't know, Nero. But do you think we need to know? I mean we have Mama. We have each other. Maybe that's enough. Quinn thought you'd say that. Did she? Yeah. But I don't know if it's enough for me. It's like a missing piece in my life. All I can ever think about is why our father wasn't around. Was it because he didn't know I existed? Would he want to know? Did he know and not care? And why was it that Mama refused to talk about it? What is so bad about me that she can't bring herself to say? Have you ever asked her? A new voice said from the kitchen doorway. I turned to find Kendall. How much had she heard? Oh hey. You're up? Yeah I've been up for a bit. But I heard what you were saying to Cage. Sorry there's a bit of an echo in here. The rest of the furniture should be delivered in a couple of days, Cage explained. You heard everything we were saying? I asked. Just the part at the end about you needing to know about your father. I lowered my head. I didn't have a problem telling Kendall's stuff which was amazing considering. But admitting what I had to anyone other than someone in the same boat was pretty hard. I've been asking my mother about my father my entire life. She's never been wanting to say anything about it. Kendall entered the kitchen and stood within arm's reach. Did you tell her how important the information is to you? I looked at Cage not sure how to respond. I wasn't ready to tell Kendall that Mama had gone insane for a few years and hadn't given a shit what was important to me. I think she knew, I told Kendall. She might have. But sometimes saying the words changes things. Maybe, I said thinking about the words I would use when I told Kendall how I felt about her. It might help. And if you need any help with it, I could talk to her. I haven't met your mother yet but sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger. I didn't think anything she said would work, but I thought it was sweet of her to offer. I took her forearm in my hand. Her smooth skin glided under my slowly circling thumb. I appreciate you offering. But maybe you should meet my mother first. Kendall's confidence quickly vanished. Yeah. Of course. I didn't mean to. You didn't do anything wrong, I said cutting her off. It's just that her mother was dealing with stuff as I was growing up. So she wasn't much for talking. She's doing a lot better now. So maybe things are different. Hell maybe if I asked her again now she'd tell me. You never know, Kendall encouraged. You never know, I agreed. Cage spoke up. You know how I feel about this. But Kendall could be right. Sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger. I'd be more than happy to. I turned to Kendall. She looked like she really wanted to do this for me. If it comes up. 
But please, Kendall, don't push it. Of course. Only if the moment's right, she said with an excited smile. I stared at Kendall, trying to figure out why something like this would make her happy. But it did. There was still a lot about her I didn't know. She was like a gift I couldn't wait to unwrap. I'll get started on breakfast, Cage said, leaving the two of us. He was probably starting to feel uncomfortable. I was staring at Kendall pretty hard, and she was staring back at me just as much. God damn did I want to kiss her. And when she suddenly lifted her hand and rubbed a finger across my naked chest, I almost lost it. I leaned forward to reach her lips when she pulled away from me. What was she doing? You couldn't tease a wolf like that. You were gonna get bit. To make her point further, she joined Cage and offered to help him with breakfast. I didn't chase after her because my dick was too hard. I couldn't get up. Instead, I watched her cross the kitchen collecting the ingredients as my brother whipped up a feast. Kendall was fitting right in. There was something sexy about that that made me want her even more. After eating way too many pancakes and bacon, Kendall joined me as I cleaned up. When we were done, we all got dressed and got ready to do some packing. Cage and I drove separate trucks to our old place. The first thing I was going to have to do once I got there was introduce my mama to Kendall. It was freaking me out a little. Parking I felt like I was getting ready to shift. My heart was pounding. There were no stopping things now. I didn't know what I was going to say. How was I even going to introduce Kendall? As much as I wanted her to be, she wasn't my mate much less my girlfriend. But just calling her a friend didn't seem right either. Kendall must have picked up on my anxiety because before we got out of the truck she took my hand and squeezed it. You can do this, she told me. Do what? I don't know. Whatever it is that's got you so stressed. It's my mama. I know that you and I aren't anything yet. We're something, she said cutting me off. What are we? We're friends. Just friends? Because the things I want to do to you aren't the things I want to do with someone who's just a friend. I waited wondering if what I had admitted would freak her out. I expected her to tell me we were nothing at all. We're good friends, she said with a smile. You know I want us to be more right. I really like you, Kendall. I've never liked someone so much. I stared at her. I had poured out my heart. Why wasn't she saying anything? I, she said fading off. I helped Mama pack most of her stuff yesterday, Cage said approaching my window. We'll donate most of the kitchen supplies to Goodwill. Mama's okay with it. But if there's anything with sentimental value, you should get it now. I didn't know if Cage had saved me from hearing Kendall tell me she wasn't interested or not, so I wasn't going to complain about his interruption. You got it bro, I said gazing into Kendall's eyes for a moment longer. You ready to meet my mama? For the first time Kendall looked nervous. Yeah. Catching up with Cage and Quinn as they entered, we poured into the space proving once again that our pack had outgrown the place. Hey mama, Cage and Quinn said with each of them kissing her. Mama I want you to meet someone, I told her trying to breathe. She turned to me. Her eyes quickly jumped to Kendall. This is Kendall. She's ah, uh, she's someone very special to me mama. Mama looked at Kendall. Is this your mate? She asked taking things further than I expected. No. But I'm hoping one day, I said not realizing how much I was putting Kendall on the spot. Mama got up and approached Kendall. It's very nice to meet you Kendall, she said before offering her a hug. That stunned me. She barely gave me hugs.
I couldn't remember the last time she had given me one. I was beginning to realize that I didn't know who my mother was. For most of my life, she had been the woman on the couch mindlessly staring at the TV. Was this who she had been before whatever it was that had changed her? It's nice to meet you too, Kendall said hugging her back. Are you excited about moving? Mama let her go. Oh yes? Very excited. This place hasn't been so bad has it Mama? I asked feeling a bit of a sting. This place has been our home. But it's time to put this part of our life behind us. We could all use a fresh start. Don't you think? She asked squeezing my hand with a smile. Although I didn't answer her, I knew she wasn't wrong. It was time for all of us to move on. What did that mean in my case? How much of my future involved this town? If I declared for the draft, I could end up on a team on the other side of the country. Was I really gonna return here in the off-season? What here do you want me to pack? Kendall asked when we retreated to my room. I looked around at the space that was barely bigger than my bed. Anything that had meant something to me, I had brought with me to my dorm. I think I'm gonna throw it all out. Kendall turned to me surprised. Everything? Yeah. She looked around, pulled a yearbook from a shelf and flipped through it. Even this stuff? Get rid of everything. Mama's right. It's time for a fresh start. I don't know why but Kendall rubbed my back and rested her head on my shoulder. I wasn't complaining. It felt nice. I wanted more of it. But I was pretty sure she was doing it because she thought the junk around me meant more to me than it did. What I saw when I looked around was the place I returned to the time I got my face bashed in after being caught stealing. Or, the room where I cried my eyes out when my mother stopped speaking for a month. I had been terrified she would never speak again. They could burn this shit as far as I'm concerned, I told her grabbing a handful of crap and tossing it into a box. Once I decided that, packing took no time at all. Where's the pile for the dump, I asked pushing out four full boxes. All of it? Cage asked. Everything. Cage looked behind me at Kendall. I turned around in time to see Kendall shrug. I didn't know what to make of the two of them, but it rubbed me the wrong way. You guys need any help packing up the rest of this shit? We're getting through it okay, Cage explained. Was there any of this that you wanted to keep? No. I don't think my lucky spatula is in there, I told him feeling done with the place. If you don't need us anymore, I think we'll take off. I'm gonna show Kendall a bit of the town before I find Dr. Tom. Do you know if he's gonna be helping out? He didn't say. But as the unofficial leader of the FI, I assume he'll be around at some point. He's been a bit prickly about this. I bet. Can't have anything challenging his power, I said remembering that he had known that Cage was alive and hadn't told me. Quinn, are you gonna need help with the costume? Kendall asked. Not today. I'm good. You two have a good time. The town is beautiful this time of year. You'll love it Kendall, Quinn said with a smile. Hiking the falls was one of our first dates. And then you fell through the ice and we had to rush you to the doctor, Cage said with a laugh. Oh right. I forgot that. Whatever you do Kendall, don't walk on the ice in someone's footsteps, Quinn said with a smile. Kendall looked at me confused. Are we going to be walking on ice? Don't pay attention to her. That was just a city girl learning a little backwoods lesson, I teased. We'll catch up with y'all later. I'll take these boxes to your truck. 
After Kendall and I carried the last of my old life out, we got into my truck and took off. So where are you taking me to? How do you feel about hiking? Well I'm wearing my hiking boots, she said with a smile. I looked at her feet and saw she was wearing her usual black Doc Martens. You been hiking before? I asked confused. Hiking? Peef. When have I not gone hiking? She said sarcastically. You've never been hiking, have you? In my defense hiking gets you all sweaty. And? It gets you all sweaty. That's enough. I laughed. Well there are places I want to show you, but it might require you to get sweaty to get there. So, you want me to get all hot and sweaty with you? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying, I said loving her suggestion. We'll see tonight. Until then how about you show me this place you're excited about, she said with a flirtatious smile. You sure you could take it? The hike I mean. You'll just have to take it easy on me because it's my first time. I paused wondering what she was referring to. Wait you've never hiked before. Never. Have you? I grew up here so I've hiked a few times. But I've never hiked with someone I've really wanted to hike with before, I told her hoping we were still talking about the same thing. So, if we hike together it would kinda be the first time for both of us? Yeah I guess? But I've thought about hiking with someone like you plenty. And you're the type of girl I'd like to hike with for the rest of my life. How would you know? We haven't even hiked for the first time yet. Because I've never wanted to hike with someone more. Kendall stared at me. I just want to be sure. We're both talking about sex, right? I was. So you've never been with someone you've had feelings for? No. And you have feelings for me? She asked shyly. The thought of being with you, it keeps me up at night. Kendall slid closer to me on the bench seat and put her hand on my thigh. She looked at me for only a second and then returned her gaze ahead of us. I'd love to see whatever you want to show me, she said turning a shade of pink as she did. But in time, she clarified. When you're ready. Thank you, she said moving her body against mine and getting comfortable. With her next to me, I was tempted to never stop driving. I loved the feeling of her touch. So did my wolf. Unable to resist, I wrapped my arm around her pulling her even closer. It made me hard. I wondered if she would start kissing me again. She didn't. But we drove together as if she were already my mate. I wasn't sure why she kept touching me like she liked me, yet would never say anything when I told her how much I liked her. Maybe she was hesitant. But why? I didn't know, but whatever I had to, I was willing to do it to be with her. And if that meant taking things slow, then I was good with that. Maybe good was the wrong word. But I would do it. Deciding that I wanted to show her more than just a beautiful hike, we drove out of town for 30 minutes. When we pulled over, it was at the edge of a lake. We're here. Kendall peeled herself off of my chest and sat up. Where are we? We are the furthest I'd ever been from home before I went to East Tennessee University. Kendall gave me a confused look and then scanned the lake more intensely. I was fine to stay in the truck and look at it from here, but she got out. Joining her I could tell there was something on her mind. What is it? I asked guessing what she would say. This was the furthest you had ever been. Yep. Did you come here fishing? Nope. Then what brought you? She said moving in front of me. 
I looked at her and then stared at the lake. It had been a long time since the last time I was here. The memory of it made me uneasy, but I had always known it was something I would have to deal with. I know my mother seems fine now. But when I was a kid there was a time when she shut down. Oh no. I looked at Kendall. I appreciated her sympathy. Yeah. She stopped working. Eventually, she stopped paying rent. When the rent collector would come sniffing around, we would pretend we weren't at home. But one day he caught me and told me if we didn't pay by the end of the week, we would be out. I told Mama but it was like she didn't hear me. It probably made her slip away even further. But knowing I was the one who would have to do something, at the end of the week I went to find him. I explained to him that I didn't have the money, but I was willing to do whatever I had to pay the rent. He looked me over and then told me he could give me a job to work off our debt. Desperate I agreed. It turned out that our trailer park wasn't the only one he owned, and he hated having to collect the rent. He said that my job would be to collect the money people owed him, and I was supposed to get it no matter what. Kendall took my hand. Maybe she knew where my story was going. The first person he told me to collect on, I did what I was told. I ended up having to track down when the guy was home. When he was, I went over and banged on his door. I felt awful for doing it. I knew how this guy felt. But I screamed at him to give me what he owed the guy. The only thing he said was for me to go fuck myself. What was I supposed to do? I tried, he wouldn't give it to me so I went back and told my landlord what happened. When I was done he walked up looked down at me and slapped me across the face. He hit me so hard he knocked me to the ground. Oh no. Climbing on top of me he started punching me. I didn't know what was going on. I hadn't even been in a fight before. And he was a big guy. His rings were cutting into my face. When he was done he got off of me and said. You want your ass to be out on the street? You want your mama to start whoring herself to take care of you. Because I'll take it that way just as easy. I screamed fuck you. I kept screaming fuck you. Then you go back there and collect my fucking rent he said. And don't you fucking come back here until you have it. You hear me? I knew what his beating was. It was a lesson. He was teaching me what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to collect the money or beat them senseless until I got it. I wasn't gonna do that. I couldn't. So instead of returning home, I ran. I thought if I could get far enough away, I wouldn't have to worry about anything anymore. So I kept running and running. I didn't know where I was going, but eventually, I ended up here, looking out at that, I pointed at the lake. Why did you stop? Kendall asked. It was cold and I couldn't figure out how to get around it. I knew which direction I was heading in, but I didn't know how big the lake was. I ended up sleeping under a tree, because I couldn't decide what to do next. When I woke up, was when I considered what would happen to my mama if I kept going. She had nobody and could barely take care of herself. Maybe he would make her whore herself to keep living there. I imagined him sending men to where we lived and them doing things to her. I couldn't let that happen. I had to protect her from that. So what did you do? I went back. I didn't even go home. I walked right back to the man who owed the guy rent. This time I didn't knock, I broke the door in. Finding him hiding in the back room, I did what I had been taught to do. I beat on him until he gave me everything he had. Taking it I told him when I would be back for the rest. When I gave it to the guy, he was impressed.
and at the exact time I told the man I would be back, I went and collected the rest. My mother and I didn't have to pay rent after that. I just had to make sure that everyone else paid their rent, and I did. When I was done with my story, Kendall looked at me stunned. How old were you? Fourteen. So it was before you became. I was just a scared kid. When I said it she burst into tears. She didn't say anything more. She just wrapped her arms around me and cried. I thought I could tell her this and let it go. I had needed to get the story off of my chest. It wasn't something I felt comfortable telling Cage, and until now I didn't have anyone else. But I hadn't expected all of the tears. Hearing Kendall whimper made me consider why she was. I had never allowed myself to think it was a big deal, but there was no escaping it now. The girl holding me was telling me how big of a deal it was. She was right. And the more I realized it, the less I could hold myself together. Listening to her cry, I slowly broke down. All of the pain I had been running from rushed to the surface. It was like a dam had broken. I couldn't turn off the waterworks. Eventually, the weight of it brought me to my knees. Still not saying anything, Kendall kept holding me. It just made me cry more. I didn't want to hurt all of those people, I tried to tell Kendall. You were just a kid, Kendall repeated. You had no other options. You were just protecting the person you loved. My heart burst realizing that Kendall understood. I didn't think anyone would forgive me for the horrible things I had done. But Kendall did. And for the first time, I felt that maybe I wasn't alone. It took a long time for either of us to stop crying. Once we did, we sat quietly for an hour. When my butt became sore, I thought about why Kendall had agreed to come home with me. She was here to talk to Dr. Tom. I wasn't sure I was in the mood to deal with him. Especially with the memories of what I went through fresh in my mind. But Kendall and I both needed to know what she was. So gathering my strength I cleared my throat. We should go back. We don't have to. We can stay here as long as you'd like. No we should. Besides I think I'm losing feeling in my ass, I told her making a face. Kendall tried to resist and then laughed. I lost feeling in my butt 30 minutes ago. I don't think I can move my legs, she said humorously. Didn't you say something about hiking? You didn't warn me about sitting on the ground. I don't have nearly enough padding for that. Hey I like your ass. Don't you be talking bad about it, I said with a smile. Then you can have it. I would much prefer to have yours. Don't you go tempting me like that unless you mean it. You know what I meant, she said with a smile. Yes I do. That's why I was warning you. Kendall looked at me with playful frustration and fought her way to her feet. She was as shaky as a fawn walking for the first time. It was adorable. All right, come here, I said picking her up and carrying her. That's okay. I got it. No, no. If you're gonna listen to my long story and sit there while I cry about it, the least I could do is carry you to the truck. Giving in, Kendall wrapped her arms around my neck and relaxed. If you insist. I do, I said looking into her big brown eyes. As I looked at her she reached up and kissed me. It wasn't a long one and when I tried to make it longer she leaned back. Carrying her, I had no way of reconnecting with her lips. Placing her on the passenger side of the truck, she scooted away from me. I was starting to believe that she was teasing me on purpose. Driving back to town Kendall explained how much my experience had shaped my life. I think that's why you destroyed that car. 
you could have vented your frustration in a lot of ways. But at a young age, you learned that violence was the solution to all of your problems. Isn't it though? Violence paid my rent. Not only that, it got me my football scholarship. And wasn't it my violent tendency that won you? Let's face it, violence is what gave me everything that means anything to me. She paused. I had her. At least I thought I did. It's not your violence that got you your scholarship. I've seen you play. You've gotten what you have because you're good and you're fast. How many hours have you spent working on that? It was your hard work that got you that. Hard work and my wolf which is violent by nature. And what about you? Wasn't it what I did to that asshole that got you to think about me differently? She was quiet again. It's okay if it did. I'm used to it. But I don't want you to be. I don't want you to think that that's the way to solve your problems. You smashed up a car. Look where that got you. Smashing up that car got me sitting here now next to you, I said with a smile. I was very happy to have won this debate, but not as much as Kendall hated losing it. Kendall? Don't talk to me. Come on now. Don't be like that. You can't always win an argument. You think I care about winning an argument? It really seems like it from where I'm sitting, I said, unable to contain a smile. She looked at me frustrated. Well I don't. I don't. She yelled getting upset. Alright alright. No need to get away about it. You don't understand. If you think the way to solve every problem is with violence, what happens the day I become the problem you have to solve? Will you do to me what you did to Evan? What? No. Why would you even think that? Isn't that what you were saying? Weren't you saying you have a violent nature, and that violence got you everything important to you? My face went white hearing her words. I felt like throwing up. The only thing I could do was pull over and shut off the truck. I turned to her quickly and she flinched. She thought I was going to hit her or something. As soon as I realized it, I raced out of the truck and emptied my breakfast into the weeds. The retching didn't stop. Every time I thought it was done, I would picture her flinching away from me and I would dry heave again. Eventually, Kendall came over. Are you alright? I would never do anything like that to you, I told her in the middle of convulsions. Never. You gotta believe me. I wouldn't. Okay I believe you, she said kneeling next to me and rubbing my back. I'm sorry I let you do what you did to Evan. I can see now that I wasn't helping you by letting you do it. I did it not you. You didn't let me do anything. I gave you his address. I practically drove you there and sicked you on him. It was just that I was so angry. So now you know how I felt, I said looking at her. When I act like I do, it's because I get so angry. But I know that one day, you're not gonna find someone to beat me up no matter what stupid thing I do. Just like there is nothing I would ever do to hurt you. But how do I know that? She asked sincerely. You're gonna have to trust me. For me trust is hard, she explained. It's not like guys like you have given me any reason to. And it's not like anyone in my life has given me a reason to trust them. But I'm willing to trust you. I don't know why but I am. I'm asking you to do the same. Chapter 9 Kendall I stared at the man in front of me. He was not who I thought he was. When I first met him. Well I couldn't remember our first meeting. 
but when I saw him by the pond, all I could see was how gorgeous he was. He may as well have been a picture in a magazine. That's why it was so easy to dismiss him when I found out that he was a football player. When I was introduced to him as my client, or whatever he is, I saw him as a hot bad boy. When I saw him shift into a wolf, I saw him as the fulfillment of my childhood fantasies. But what did any of that even mean? Standing over him as he wiped the puke from his mouth, I realized that I didn't know who he was. Telling him that I was scared of him hurt him so much that he tossed his breakfast. Who was capable of such sensitivity? Built like a Greek statue, El assumed that he would be the strong one. And maybe he is, but it isn't in the way that I thought. Sure he could pound a guy like Evan Carter to mush. And he could turn into the most magnificent animal I had ever seen. But he was also capable of trusting me, when every moment of his life had taught him to trust nobody. That was his true strength. In that way he was stronger than me. How could I not love that about him? How could I not love him for it? Oh shit. I love him for it. I'm in love with Nero, my football playing wolf shifter client. What was I supposed to do now? I trust you, I told him. At least I'll try to. Nero, you're unlike anything I could have imagined. Thank you. He asked looking at me confused. I don't know if it's a compliment, as much as it is an admission that you aren't like anyone I've ever met. And because you're not, I have to consider you without weighing you down with my baggage. I don't know what that means. It means. I don't know what it means other than that I think you're special. And because you're smiling, I'm assuming you mean it in a good way, and not the way a teacher tells a parent that their kid is special. I laughed. No, I mean it in a very good way. You are pretty great, I said feeling my face get hot. Okay, I could work with that. I think you're pretty special as well. It's more in the parent-teacher way. But that could be good too. I hit him on the shoulder in jest and he laughed. Come on. No, I'm kidding, he said getting up. I think you're pretty great too. He took my shoulders in his hands and looked into my eyes. Staring up at him my heart thumped. I started to lose my breath. I had to swallow. I wanted him. I wanted everything about him. I wanted him in me. I was about to lean forward and get it until he said. Um, I would kiss you right now. But I just spent the last little bit. He pointed at the remains of Cage's pancakes. Right. Maybe we should head back to town. Weren't we gonna talk to Dr. Tom? That's where I was going. And anywhere you are is where I wanna be, I said honestly. Nero smiled as much as I was. More than that, I could feel the flesh between my legs throb. That wasn't that unusual, considering how often thinking of him made me take things into my own hands. But there was a reason, I was still a virgin. I wasn't a complete idiot. I could tell there were guys who wanted to do things with me. A few of them were even hot. But I never felt it with any of them. I felt it with Nero. Why was that? Could it be because he was the first guy that first ever felt I could trust? With him still holding my shoulders, I placed my palms on his chest. I had just wanted to touch him, but once my hands were there, it was hard to miss his muscles. It felt amazing. Mesmerized by the feeling, I looked down and slowly explored the ripples. He stood taking it for a second until. Ah, unless you have something very specific in mind, you should probably stop that and we should go. I looked up unsure why he had said it. He pointed down at his pants. It took only a glance for everything to become clear. 
Nero was not only hard but the guy was huge. And when he flinched, it sent a pulse through me that made me weak in the knees. Yeah, we should go, I told him with a swallow. Driving back to town, I couldn't help but touch him. It was all that I wanted to do anymore. With his arm around me as we drove, he told me stories about when he was growing up. I got the feeling that he was avoiding the horrible stuff. But what he told me gave me a clear picture. Since the age of 14, Nero had been living a double life. Not wanting people to know what was going on with his mother, he didn't tell anyone about his after-school job. He went to classes and football practice, and then once he got off, he became the rent collector. Do you think it affected who you dated? I asked him. I didn't date. So probably. I thought you said that you've dated a few girls here. I said I hooked up with a few. We didn't really date. So it was just sex? I asked, unsure if I wanted to know the answer. Something like that. You know how it is. You get drunk at a party after a game, and a girl throws herself at you. Before you know it, your dick is in her, and it's all over. Yeah, I don't think I know how that is, I said with a laugh. Have you ever been with a guy, or anyone? No. Have you gotten close? I think the closest I've gotten is with you, I admitted shyly. Why is that? Only a blind man can't see how hot you are, Nero said with a blush. Thank you, I said feeling his compliment. I guess I never saw myself that way. Because of that asshole. Who? Evan? Was that his name? Nero asked getting mad thinking about him. Yeah. It could have been because of him and the rest of them. I don't know. I just know that I wasn't willing to make myself vulnerable like that before now. Before now. I looked up at Nero. Yeah. I could feel Nero's body heat through both of our shirts. His smell was all around me. Still staring up at him, I lost all of the resistance I had towards him. Hi, it's the author again. Yep, there are more spicy things happening in the story. Just as a reminder, if you're in the US or UK and have never had an Audible account, you can get the version of the audiobook with all the spicy bits and the premium narration on Audible for free with a free trial by using the links in the description of this video. And if you're not eligible for the free trial because of where you live, you can get access to the same version of the audiobook by clicking on the join button and becoming a member of this YouTube channel. As a member, you will not only get access to this audiobook, but every audiobook previously uploaded, and the cost of membership is less than the price of this book on Audible. By the way, the spicy bits are so, so worth it. Enjoy the story. Nero looked like he had seen God. He was happy. I loved that. When our eyes met, he smiled. Thank you. He said before he touched my face. Your eyes are watering. I wonder why, I joked. Nero laughed, allowing his head to roll. Seriously, Kendall, where have you been my whole life? Waiting for you. He looked at me and then laughed. I couldn't tell if he was giddy or drunk. I'm falling in love with you, Kendall. And what you just did isn't helping. Did he say that he was falling in love with me? I wasn't ready to hear that. Sure, I was already in love with him but if I admitted it, it would put us in a place I wasn't prepared for. Instead, I reached up and kissed his cheek followed by his chin and Adam's apple. I didn't want him to think that I didn't love him. I did. It was just that it wasn't time yet.
I wasn't sure why not or when it would be. But I wasn't going to tell him I love him sitting in his truck with his comb working its way down my throat. Oh fuck. We're here. I exclaimed as I took my eyes off him to find parked cars and a field full of people. I thought you had pulled over to the side of the road again. Yeah, I was gonna tell you that. But then you stuck my dick in your throat, and I lost the ability to speak. Do you think anyone saw us? I asked embarrassed. I parked back here hoping no one would. But even if they did, they would have only seen me. Besides, you don't know any of these people. I scanned the area. We were as far from the field as you could get. Even if they did see us, they probably couldn't make out what was going on. Relax. Like I said, no one here knows you. That doesn't mean I don't want to make a good first impression. Fair enough. But I've met you. There's no way for you to do anything else. I turned to him and smiled. You're very sweet. Now pull up your pants. I'm the only one who needs to be seeing that. So pushy. He joked before sitting up and returning his monster to its cave. Driving the truck closer, we parked and entered the field. Looking around, it felt like the day before a festival. Booths were being set up, and there were a lot of people around. Everyone was walking casually except for one person. When she spotted Nero, she hurried over. Good you're here, the fair-skinned mid-fifties woman said in a slight Jamaican accent. Are you here to help set up? We came looking for Dr. Tom. Is he here? Instead of answering, Dr. Sonia turned to me. I don't think we've met. Dr. Sonia, she said offering me her hand with a smile. I peeked at Nero, wondering if there was anything I wasn't supposed to say. He still looked dazed from what he had just done in his truck. I'm Kendall. Did you come for the festival? She asked digging. I brought her here to talk to Dr. Tom. Is she? We don't know what she is. That's why we're here, Nero said cutting her off. Oh. Well, what you are is welcome. Will you be at the festivities tomorrow? Maybe, I said looking back at Nero. There will be cakes and pies. I will be bringing my Jamaican-style coconut tarts. It's really just a fun share your background event. I think someone is bringing haggis. Isn't that intestines? I asked feeling my insides tighten. Sheep innards I think, she explained. Whatever it is, there are a few meat eaters in town that I'm sure will like it, she said looking at Nero. Anyway, have you seen Dr. Tom? Nero asked changing the topic. Sure. I think he's helping Glenn set up his booth, she said gesturing toward a small stand across the field from us. Thanks. And if you have some time, we would love your help. A strapping guy like you, she said gripping Nero's bicep and squeezing. Maybe, Nero said before slipping out of her grip and leading me away. She seemed nice, I said trying to figure out the dynamic between the two of them. Is she? A shifter? No. She's human. And she lives here with everyone else? We don't bite, he said not looking at me. Oh too bad, I said grabbing his attention and making him smile. Was I flirting again? I didn't know what had come over me. It was like being with Nero brought out a side of me, I didn't know existed. Dr. Tom, Nero called with more edge to his voice than I was expecting. A barrel-chested pot-bellied man with a speckled beard turned around. I didn't know what I was expecting, but he wasn't it. Nero had said that he was a phi. I pictured Tinkerbell. Instead he looked like a guy who ran a hardware store. Nero, he said with an icy tone. 
His eyes bounced toward me. It was like he sensed something. I have someone I want you to take a look at. Is she not feeling well? He asked in a Spanish accent. She feels fine. It's about what she is. The doctor's eyes snapped toward Nero. What is she? I don't know. Something? Nothing. All I know is that I can't smell her. None of the wolves can. It's like she doesn't exist. The brown-skinned man stepped toward me and stopped an arm's length away. He wasn't much taller than me, but he felt as intimidating as a giant. With his eyes staring into mine, I felt the impulse to look away. It was like he was searching my soul. It wasn't until he looked away that air returned to my lungs. You should bring her by my office, he told Nero. How about right now? Nero said with bite. I wasn't sure what was going on between the two. Nero was asking for a favor like he was owed it. And Dr. Tom was staring at him stone-faced and unimpressed. Neither man backed down until the doctor relented. Meet me there, he told Nero. I'll head over once I'm done here. And how long will that be? Nero growled. When I'm done, he replied growling back. Nero stared at the doctor a little longer, then turned and led me away. What was that about? I asked having to jog to catch up with him. That's the asshole who knew my brother was alive and didn't tell me. My mouth dropped open. Speechless, I looked back at the man who had stolen so much from Nero. He seemed unaffected by their exchange. Were all Phi as unfeeling as him? We continued to cross the field when Nero spotted Cage. He was with someone I recognized from getting pizza after the football game. I wondered where Quinn was. Scanning the area, I didn't see her. Nero, you good? Cage asked as soon as we were close enough to speak. I could smell your anger from across the field. You could smell him? The other guy asked Cage. Yeah. Couldn't you? The guy looked at Nero, who was standing in front of him. I mean, he smells a little different than usual. You can really smell that he's angry. Cage can do a lot of things the rest of us can't do, Nero said staring at his brother. Like getting every wolf in town to agree to come to this bullshit. The wolves see the benefit. Titus could have organized this if he had tried, Cage replied referring to the shaggy-haired guy next to him. As much I would like to think that's the case, Titus said, it's not. People listen to you. I'm not sure I could have refused to come if I tried, he said with a chuckle. It's not as big of a deal as you're making it out to be, Cage countered. That's because you don't feel it, Titus explained. The desire to listen to you is strong, Cage. Tell Quinn that, Cage joked. I can't even get my girlfriend to spend time with me. Is she around? I asked. No. They delivered our missing furniture this morning. She stayed behind to get started unpacking it. But back to you, Nero. What's going on? I just had a conversation with Dr. Tom. What did he say? Cage asked as his eyes met mine. You know him. He can't say now. We have to meet him back at his office. Cage's eyes left me and focused on something behind Nero and me. Looks like he's leaving now. Do you think we can trust anything he says? Nero asked suddenly creating a knot in my stomach. You can if what he finds is in his interest, Cage confirmed. And how would we know if he's not manipulating us? I know you two are pissed at him. And I would be too if he had kept information like that from me. But he's not what you're making him out to be, Titus insisted. You mean he's not a fi who covered up Cage being stolen from the hospital by a dragon shifter 
and then allowed me to believe that my mother was insane for not believing he was dead. Nero asked, You gotta look at things from his perspective. He was protecting the hospital. If that news got out, it would have shut down it down sooner than it did. And after it did close down, he moved here and became the only doctor around for miles. What would we do if we didn't have him? Nero and Cage looked at each other. Nero wasn't giving an inch and neither was Cage. Anyway, I guess we'll head over there and see what it is that he doesn't tell us this time, Nero said leading us away. I'll see you back at home, Cage replied before leaving with Titus. Do you really think Dr. Tom could lie about what I am? I asked, suddenly feeling uneasy about the whole thing. I don't know, Nero replied. I just know he's kept things from me before. I thought about that as we drove back to Quinn's neighborhood. The driveway we eventually turned into lead to another impressive house. Like Quinn's place, it was filled with small-town charm. More than that, there was something about it that made me feel at home. Are you ready for this? Nero asked as I stared through the windshield at it. Yeah, I said though I wasn't sure if I was. What would it mean if I found out that I was like Nero? There was no way I could forget seeing him shift into a wolf. And what would it mean for us if I found out I was something else? I could end up being something I've never heard of. Or maybe I was nothing at all. Would Nero feel the same way about me if I was just a human who didn't have sweat glands? Nero led me out of the truck and around the side of the house to what looked like a quaint guesthouse. We entered and as soon as we did, I felt it. I wasn't sure what it was but it was strong. Do you feel that? I asked whispering to Nero as we stood in the waiting room. My blood boiling. No. It's something I can't explain. It's like the feeling you have when the hairs on your arms stand up. I looked down at my arms. But they're not. Before Nero could reply, the man from the field opened a door and stepped out. You can come in, he said pointing at me. Nero, you can wait out here. My chest quickly clenched. Not a chance, Nero said stepping forward. You want me to examine her, you'll have to let me talk to her. You can ask her whatever you want in front of me. Dr. Tom tightened his lips and stared at Nero agitated. Again he was the one to relent, not Nero. He turned to me. Do you mind if Nero joins us? I don't mind, I told him suddenly wondering what was going to happen. Then come, he said waving us both in and gesturing me toward the examining table. I sat on it while Nero stood next to me, and the doctor took the chair in front of us. So, you think you're different somehow? He asked crossing his arms in judgment. I don't know if I am, but I've felt different my whole life. And your parents? What about them? Have they ever said anything to you about being anything other than human? The people who raised me? No. But I don't remember much about my biological parents. Nero jumped in. You didn't tell me you were adopted. Why would I? The people who raised me were my parents. I've never felt otherwise, I explained. Abilities are often passed down through genetics, the doctor explained. That's not always the case, but it is most of the time. What happened to your biological parents? They died. I'm sorry, Nero said with genuine sympathy. Thanks. But it was a long time ago. I don't even remember them. How'd they die? The doctor asked. They were avid campers. They left me with a family friend and went on a weekend trip. The ranger who found their bodies said that they went to sleep without making sure their fire was out. The fire spread while they were sleeping, 
and burned everything around them, including their tents. Oh man, Nero gasped. I swallowed, thinking about it again. Your biological parents left you with a family friend to go camping, the doctor asked, as if I was lying. That's what my parents told me. And they died in a fire. I nodded my head. What? Nero asked Dr. Tom. The doctor turned to me. There's no test I can give you that can tell you what you are. At least none that I know about. All I can do is help you understand anything magical you might experience. So you don't know what I am? I don't. What aren't you telling us? Nero insisted. Dr. Tom stared at Nero's stone face before speaking again. There are creatures capable of setting fire to a campsite. You're talking about dragon shifters? Nero asked. I'm sorry. Did you say dragon shifters? I asked, sure I hadn't heard him correctly. Are you saying there are people who turn into dragons? Nero turned to me. I've never seen one but Cage was raised by one. And you think a dragon shifter killed my parents? I asked the doctor. I'm only saying it's a possibility. But why? I asked as my head spun. Why would any parent leave their child with a family friend and go camping? That was something I had thought about a lot. Why would they accept? You think someone was after them, and they left me behind to keep me safe. Your guess is as good as mine, the doctor said. But a spell has been cast on you that masks your scent. That couldn't be done by anyone but a powerful Phi. You think my biological parents are Phi? I don't know. Maybe someone else cast the spell. Perhaps the people who raised you. Maybe you did it yourself without realizing it. How do I get it off? You first need to ask yourself if you want it off. If it was cast, there had to be a reason for it. If your biological parents put it on you because someone dangerous was after them, removing it might alert them to your existence. It might put you and everyone around you in danger. I hesitated before asking my next question. And what if I put it on myself somehow? Then it would be up to you to remove it. How would I do that? By not needing it anymore. And if I did cast the spell on me, what would that make me? Whoever did this to you, whether it's you, your parents, or someone else entirely, they are a very powerful Phi. I sat with that for a while. I was still a baby when my biological parents died. I never knew them. The couple who raised me were who I knew as my parents until I was 12 years old. After that, I drifted from feeling lucky that my biological parents had left me behind to being mad at them for leaving me. Thinking about it now, the one thing I was sure about was that the couple who raised me didn't do magic. They were the most normal southern parents I could imagine. It had to be my biological parents who had cast it, didn't it? But if they had done it and Dr. Tom said that magical abilities were passed down genetically, did that mean that I was like them? If it was my biological parents who did it, didn't that mean that I'm a phi too? I asked hesitantly. Not necessarily, Dr. Tom said. It is the ability to access magic that makes a person phi, not what their parents can do. So I could still be completely normal. It's possible. How do I know for sure? I think the spell that's on you is doing more than just dampening your scent. It's cutting you off from whatever potential you have. Can you take it off of her? Nero asked. I wish I could. Sure you do. Nero said not believing him for a second. Nero, you seem to think I don't have your interest or the interest of this town at heart. 
you really think keeping my brother from me was in my best interest? The doctor pointed at me. Her parents were avid campers who burned to death. Do you really think there's a chance they hadn't put their campfire out? There are things out there that want us dead. All of us. What I did I did for you, your mother, and everyone you know and love. Right, just like how you put a spell on the town that only affects wolves and has prevented the shifters here from forming a pack. That has nothing to do with my spell, the doctor said allowing his emotionless mask to slip. Really? Then why do you think it is that there has never been a pack here? Because shifter alphas aren't made. They're born. Yeah, someone can claim to be the leader of a pack. But they will never have a true alpha's power. The ability to make wolf shifters do what they say. Nero said realizing it. Yes. Cage? He's a born alpha. I think he is. And by some coincidence, he was kidnapped and you hid his existence. Dr. Tom straightened up and slipped his stone face mask back on. I couldn't have known. Of course. Because how would a powerful Phi like you be able to tell something like that? Even though someone else clearly could. You don't if that was why he was taken. Right. It's all just a coincidence. Kendall, I think we should go. I wasn't sure if I wanted to. I knew I would have more questions even if they weren't coming to mind. But Nero needed to get out of here, and I wanted to be where he was. Thank you, I told the doctor before following Nero out. Outside and headed to the truck, Nero said. Well that was a bunch of horseshit. Sorry I wasted your time. You didn't, I said shocked he would think that. Right, he said grabbing the truck's door handle and getting in. I hurried to the passenger side and joined him. Seriously Nero, that was very helpful. How? He didn't tell you anything that we didn't know when we got here. Maybe you knew it but I didn't. Nero, everything about this world is new to me. Someone cast a spell on me, and a dragon shifter might have killed my biological parents because they were fi. I can barely process it all, I admitted. After a lifetime of feeling different from everyone around me, I might be supernatural. I might be able to do magic. Just the idea of it blows my mind. And you were the one who helped me realize it, I said suddenly seeing him in a new light. As soon as I did, I shut up. I thought I was falling for him before, but it didn't compare to what I felt for him now. Cage reached across the bench seat for my hand. I pulled it away before he could touch it. I wasn't sure why I had done it but I had. He leaned back disappointed. I'm sorry, I told him. That's okay, he said slowly withdrawing. No, I didn't mean it like that. I just need a moment to wrap my head around everything. I understand. Sometimes I forget that not everyone grew up knowing the things I did. This is probably a lot for you. It's not a typical Saturday, I said forcing a smile. Right. Did you want to head back to the house? We're close. I need to walk. Is there anywhere we could go where I could just think? I did promise you a hike, he suggested sweetly. And I am wearing my hiking boots. Nero chuckled remembering our previous conversation. Right. I know the perfect place. Nero wasn't wrong. The hike he chose was the most beautiful place I could have imagined. The only sounds were that of the wind rustling leaves, and eventually the sound of waterfalls. Last year it was frozen by now, he told me. Despite how long it took us to get there, I wasn't yet ready to speak. So instead we stood staring at it. Nero put his arm around me and pulled me to him.
pressed against him I felt safe. My world had just flipped upside down. But with him by my side, everything felt upright. Eventually leaving there, we did another hike. By the time we were headed back to the truck, the sun was setting. It was only then that I slid across the bench seat and buried myself in his embrace. His scent was intoxicating. I never wanted him to let me go. Pulling up to the house, we parked. Following Nero inside, I was about to following him upstairs when he stopped me. Can you give me a few minutes? I stopped unsure what was going on. Was he upset about something? I had been lost in thought all day and had assumed that Nero was giving me space. But he was as quiet as I had been. Had what the doctor had said about Cage affected him in some way I was missing. Of course, I told him disappointed that he wanted to be apart while I still wanted his arms around me. After watching Nero ascend the stairs, I joined Quinn Cage and his mother at the kitchen island. Hey. How did it go? Quinn asked me cheerfully. It was an interesting day. Where's Nero? Washing off the interesting day, I'm guessing. Quinn laughed. Something to drink? Absolutely. By the way, should I worry about him? Cage replied. Did he go silent and ask for space? Yeah. Cage shrugged. Just give him a few minutes. I'm sure he'll be down when he's ready. Meanwhile, I'll start dinner. The cider I was handed made it a lot easier to relax. As the alcohol kicked in, I joined in on the conversation. After everything Nero told me today about his mother, I saw her differently. It was hard not to see his upbringing as abusive. She was clearly going through a mental health crisis with no one to help her. It was an unfortunate situation for everyone involved. But I couldn't help but take Nero's side. Despite that, I tried to be as friendly as I could and make the best impression I could on her. She was still the mother of the guy they first was in love with. No matter how I felt about her, she would never stop being that. Nero said that you're thinking about going back to work. Do you have any idea what you would want to do? I don't know. Whatever's available. I told you mama, you don't have to take just anything. I can take care of you. If you want to work, find something you'd enjoy doing, Cage insisted. That's not the way it is around here, Cage. This isn't New York. You take the work you can find. No one's mistaking this for New York, mama. Quinn? Not me, she joked. See. And all I'm saying is, that you don't have to go find something that will make you unhappy. You can take your time. Figure out what you want to do. When you have, go do that. She shook her head, as if trying to get used to the idea. That's not the way it worked in my day. We get that. But you have two sons now. I've got two sons and a daughter, she said looking at Quinn. Thanks, Mama, Quinn said. Which reminds me, when are you two going to make things official? Quinn and Cage looked at each other. In time, Cage said with a smile. It's wonderful seeing how much you accept Cage and Quinn being together. I'm not sure my parents would be so accepting. Your family would have a problem with us. Nero said joining us in the living room. He wasn't wearing a shirt. It looked like he had just gotten out of the shower. As drool-worthy as he looked, I hadn't missed that Nero had referred to us as if we were already a couple. My parents, or at least the people who raised me, have criticized every choice I've ever made. They did everything they could to make me as boring as they were. I think that's what started me pushing people's limits. If they wanted something to criticize, I would give it to them. 
and the more they or anyone resisted, the harder I pushed. How did that work out for you? Nero asked. Oh, everyone took turns kicking my ass. So I guess you can say, it made me popular. Don't be jealous, I said as if I were bragging. Everyone laughed except for Nero. I had said what I had to be funny. I guess it wasn't once you knew the details. Dinner's ready, Cage said sending us to the dining room table. With the drinks flowing, everyone's mood improved. Even Nero's. Sitting next to me, I spent the whole night thinking about his hand on my thigh. Initially I thought it was sweet, but the longer it was there, the more it aroused me. After a while, I was just eating to compensate for what I couldn't put in my mouth. Following dinner with a rousing game of Scrabble, Quinn was wiping the floor with us without trying. After she put down an eight-letter word that more closely resembled Roman numerals, I questioned her about it. If you want to challenge it, you can, Quinn offered. Don't do it, Cage joked. She's memorized the Scrabble dictionary. If she puts it down, believe me, it's there. You memorized the dictionary? I asked stunned. I mean, not the whole dictionary. It's more about learning the words that help you place the hard-to-play letters. There are only a few dozen of them. And by a few dozen she means about 500, Cage explained. Seriously? I asked amazed. Quinn shrugged. I looked over at Nero who said, You can challenge her, but I've learned my lesson. We all have. But be our guest, Cage explained. Yeah, Kendall. Be our guest, Quinn said with a cocky smile. Wait, are you doing smack talk? Nero teased. As Quinn started doing smack talk, Quinn blushed. Okay. I give up. If Nero tells me to trust you, I will. I'm not getting anywhere near whatever you all have going on, I said playfully. Smart move, Nero said gripping my shoulder and kissing me on the head. I hadn't expected him to kiss me. As soon as he did, I scanned the room. Everyone was watching. I didn't know how to feel about it. But it did feel good seeing how comfortable he was showing affection towards me. It filled a hole in my life that I didn't know I had. When everyone's gaze returned to their tiles, I looked at them all again. I was sitting playing Scrabble with a group of wolf shifters, after finding out that I might be as magical as they were. After feeling alone for so long, how had this become my life? I had to fight back tears thinking about it. And it was all thanks to Nero. I turned to him and watched his naked chest ripple as he moved. He was the most beautiful man I had ever seen. I had never wanted anyone more in my life. So when the game ended and everyone else headed to bed, I found his hand with mine and lost myself in his eyes. Did you want another drink? Nero asked. I'm good. I'm still feeling the last one. But thank you, I told him with a smile. The two of us stared at each other not saying a word. Needing him so badly that my heart hurt, I moved my hand to his thigh and rubbed it. Today was really great, I told him begging for him to take me. I'm glad you think so. I do. Good. I paused. Not able to hold out any longer, I asked. Hey, how did your mattress feel? What do you mean? I don't know. Mine was a little hard. Not bad or anything. I was just wondering how yours was. Nero stared at me for a second. Did you want to see? I guess for comparison, I said unable to contain my smile. Then let's go, Nero said getting up and taking my hand. As we crossed the living room to the stairs my heart thumped. There was no question what I wanted to happen next. I was in love with Nero.
I wanted him to be my first. And approaching his bedroom, electricity danced across my skin with anticipation. Flicking on the soft nightstand lights we entered. Nero sat on the bed first. I don't know. It feels pretty good to me. What do you think? I sat next to him, allowing our arms to brush against one another. It's nice, I said suddenly at a loss for words. You know I like you, right? Nero said, leaning even closer. I've never met anyone like you. When I think of you, I think about forever. I said I was falling in love with you, but it's too late. I think I'm in love. That was when I kissed him. Throwing my legs around his waist, I sat in his lap pushing my body against his. Wrapping my arms around his neck, I turned my attention to our kiss. Seeming thrown for a second, he quickly took control. Pushing his fingers through my hair, he gripped and tugged. I loved it. Pressing his chest against mine, he parted our lips and pushed in his tongue. Finding mine they danced. I lost myself in the sensation. Whipped away to another world, all I could think about was our kiss. I wanted more. I wanted the two of us to become one. Without thinking, I found myself grinding my open legs against his torso. I couldn't help it. The sensation felt too good. The mix of it and the kiss was a drug that I was immediately addicted to. So when Nero reached down and stripped off my shirt, I did the same needing the full radiance of his body heat. Shirtless, Nero scooped his arm under my ass and lifted me like it was nothing. Laying me onto the bed, he reached for the button on my pants. I untwined my legs letting him. With only my panties left, he moved back up my body. Climbing on top of me, he glided his hands up my sides and onto my arms before pinning my hands on the bed above me. Unable to resist, he stared at me, knowing that I couldn't escape even if I wanted to. I didn't. I wanted to be exactly here. But I wanted to get my hands on his body. And the fact that I couldn't made me want him more. Mercifully, Nero leaned down and kissed my lips. It was only for a second. He then kissed his way to my ear and my neck. Giving him full access, he then moved to my shoulder and then my... Hi, it's the author. Yeah, there are more spicy bits. There are a lot of them in this story. And if you want to get the version of the audiobook narrated by sexy narrators, you can get it on Audible for free by using a link in the description or by becoming a member of this YouTube channel. I hope you consider it. Enjoy. I guess I'm awake now, I told him. How's that for an alarm clock? That's how I want to get up, I said with a smile. Every morning that you want it. I promise. I'll take you up on that, I said finally turning towards him and finding his lips. With him retrieving another cloth from the nightstand, I cleaned myself off and turned to face him. I want to do something for you, I told him, wanting to make him as happy as he had me. What's that? I want to find out the situation around your birth father. I told you you can try. Thanks. But I don't think she'll open up to me if I just ask her. What's Cage arranging for today? I know it's something to do with the wolf shifters. Nero paused before answering. Cage wants all of the wolves in town to do a run together. Did I tell you about that? You must have. I don't think I did. Did Quinn mention it? Someone had to. How else would I know? Anyway, will your mother be joining you for the run? Not for the run. You don't understand how much of a miracle it is that she's even going to the festival. She hasn't done anything this social in about eight years. Wow. Huh. Then maybe when you go do your run, I'll hang out with her. 
I didn't say I was running. Why wouldn't you? Isn't that what wolves do? Some do. Well, if you do, and I hang back with your mother, our alone time might make her feel comfortable opening up. Do you really think you can get her to say anything more than she has the last 20 years of me asking her? It's the best idea I've got. And who knows, maybe with a little luck. You mean magic? He asked cutting me off. I mean if I am Phi, anything is possibility, right? He stared at me not saying a word. Look, magic or not, I've always been good at getting people to admit things to me. So I promise you, that I'll be able to get something from her that you didn't know before. It may not be what I ask. But it will be something. Do you trust me to do that? Yeah, I trust you, he said with a smile. I leaned over and kissed him. I was excited to do this. It represented the very best I had to offer him. Showering separately, Nero stayed in bed until I was done. I wanted to head downstairs first to start putting in time with his mother. Morning. Everyone said looking like they had been up for hours. Morning. Are we late for breakfast? A little. Where's Nero? I can scrabble a few more eggs to go along with the French toast I've cooked, Cage suggested. You made French toast? I turned to Quinn. How are you still so thin? Believe me it's all genetics, Quinn said with a smile. Nero will probably be down in a few minutes. He was right behind me. I'll get started, Cage said going to work. Miss Roman you must love having a son who cooks like this. I asked the woman I sat next to. I just love having my son back. I don't care how he cooks, she said looking at Cage with joy. I could tell that she wasn't going to be hard to get to know. Since I don't know anyone and everyone else is going to be running, do you mind if I hang out with you today? I asked her casually. It would be my pleasure, the dark-haired woman said wrapping my hand in hers. Once Nero joined us, we sat around the table and planned our day. Most of the planning was Cage and Nero gently teasing Quinn about the mascot costume she agreed to wear. Hey, I helped her make that thing, I said defending her. It was even her idea, Quinn said. So, you're the one painting the target on my baby's back? Cage asked amused. It's a moonshine festival. I thought she should be wearing a moonshine jug. And when drunk rednecks try to pop her cork and drink her, what are you gonna do then? Nero asked playfully. Well, I thought the two of you did a wonderful job, Nero's mom said coming to our defense. I grabbed her arm wrapping mine around hers. Thank you, Miss Roman. I turned to the guys. See. And you should always listen to your mama. Everyone laughed having a good time. After Nero and I cleaned up, we packed up the trucks and headed to the festival. Nero's mom rode with us. When we got there, I saw everything in a new light. Most of the booths were deserts or moonshine. But there were a few that were less clear. What is she selling? I asked Nero as he his mother and I approached. I think she's doing palm reading. Do you need your future told? Nero said with a laugh. I looked at Nero, wondering why he was so dismissive of it. Didn't he grow up among people who could do magic? You don't want to know your future? I asked. My future is what I make of it. I don't need someone to tell me what I want to hear. But knowing what's coming can guide you. Wouldn't you want a cheat sheet for a game if you could get one? I'm just fine taking things as they come thank you very much. Well I want to know. I turned to his mother. Do you mind if we go over? 
She seemed to share some of Nero's hesitance but agreed with a smile. Maybe it was a wolf shifter thing to shy away from magic. Whatever the case, I wasn't going to let them stop me from finding out everything I could about what I was and where I came from. I led the two of them over to the middle, aged woman who sat in front of a small table. She was dressed like an elementary school teacher, but when she saw me a light brightened in her eyes. You, the woman said staring at me. You are the one I came here to talk to. Me? Really? I asked wondering if Dr. Tom had told her about our meeting. Sit. Give me your hand, she said gesturing to the chair across from her. I sat looking back at Nero and his mother. They weren't impressed. Holding up my hand she took it and gently rubbed my palm. You have great power around you. I chuckled. I don't feel like I have great power. It flows through you. You're connected to it. Okay. Does it say how I can access it? It's already there whenever you need it. I didn't know what to say to that. I also see great tragedy in your past. Do you see my parents? I see sadness surrounding them. They didn't want to leave you, but they had to. I was captivated. Can you see why they had to leave me? Fear. They were running from something. Can you see what? It is unclear. But you will see them again. I paused. I'll see them again. You will. I searched my mind, trying to figure out how that could be possible. They died. There was no question whether or not it was them. There were dental records and a lot of evidence. Okay, I told her sure that she was mistaken. You are doubtful but it is what I see. Can I ask you a personal question? What is it? Are you a phi? Her eyes bounced up to the two people standing behind me before returning. Are you new to town? I'm visiting. Nero brought me to talk to Dr. Tom about what I am. And what did he say? I looked back at Nero, wonder if I was allowed to share it. He didn't make a move to stop me, so I did. He said he wasn't sure. You have a great power around you, she repeated. It is what I see. But do you know if I'm Phi? Or my parents? I've told you all I know, she said leaning back. Assuming it was the end of my reading, I slowly stood. Okay. What do I owe you for the reading? No charge. It was a message I was meant to give you. Now that I've delivered it and I can go home. Oh. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. She nodded and got up collecting her things. When the three of us were far enough away that the woman couldn't hear us, Nero leaned over. She was my third grade teacher. Was she? Yeah. And do see why I don't like getting my fortune read. I stared at him confused. No. Why? Kendall, she didn't tell you anything. It was the same thing with Dr. Tom. No one tells you anything. Then they want all of this thanks for doing nothing and maybe making things worse. I was about to point out what she said about seeing my parents again and that I had great power, but I didn't. His opinion felt like it had more to do with his history with Dr. Tom than what the doctor and palm reader had said. So, if one day I get access to my great power and I offer to read your future, I'll say that you don't have to tell me all of the things I'm going to do to you when we're alone. Because I already know. I looked over at his mother, embarrassed. Nero. What? I didn't say what those things were. I'm just said that there are things. 
and there will be a lot of them. Nero was saying it with a smile, but I was sure I was turning beet red. My face felt hot enough to fry an egg. I swatted at his shoulder, and he laughed. Intertwining my arm with his, I pulled him tight and faced ahead ignoring him. Do you think there's alcohol in those muffins? Nero's mother asked, referring to a booth ahead of us. Only one way to find out, Nero joked before leading us there. Purchasing a few of the muffins, we ate them and found Cage and Quinn. Quinn was walking around in her mascot costume posing for pictures with people while Cage attentively kept watch. It's quite the turnout, Cage said scanning the area. Dr. Sonia should be pleased. Titus should be too. He's all about these types of things, Nero said. I turned to Quinn. You all right in there? We didn't make armholes or a hole to breathe through. Oh yeah, I realized with a laugh. Sorry, it was my first moonshine jug costume. I'm dying in here. You can take it off whenever you want, you know. I think you've done your duty, Cage told her. No, I can do it. I just need some water. Quinn, why didn't you tell me that? Okay, I'm gonna get this one some water. What do you think? Pop the cork and pour it in? Cage said with a smirk. It's not funny. Quinn exclaimed. We all silently laughed. We had made eye holes, but we had covered it with a fabric that made it hard to see through. I didn't think she would catch us. You know I can see you laughing, right? It's not funny. That's right everyone, Cage said pretending he wasn't laughing too. It's not funny. Quinn is doing something very nice for everyone. We should all thank her for it. Quinn you're doing a great job, Miss Roman said. Bang up job, Nero told her. You are wearing that moonshine jug. I said, enthusiastically. Whatever. Cage led me away from here. You got it gorgeous, Cage said looking back at us with a smile. Nero, let the wolves know that we're meeting beyond those trees in 30 minutes. Nero hesitated before he replied. Sure. Remembering what Dr. Tom had said about Cage's alpha power, I wondered if Nero had agreed willingly or if he didn't have a choice. In either case, it was interesting following Nero around as he did it. I would never have guessed which of the attendees were the wolf shifters. Typically they were the younger, fitter people, but not entirely. The guy Nero said he worked for was mostly belly. And there were a number of them with more gray than dark hair. I guess you're gonna join them. I asked as people headed for the trees. I guess, he said looking tired. It'll be good. You should have fun. That's what this is supposed to be, right? I don't know what this is supposed to be. I think Cage wants this to be a bonding experience or something. Then you should bond. It'll be good for you. Nero gave me a look that made me second-guess my suggestion. At least it's gonna give your mother and me a chance to talk, I said reminding him that that was the plan. I don't think it'll be more than an hour, he said resigning to going. We'll be here, I told him wondering if he was going to kiss me goodbye. He stared into my eyes seeming to consider it, but left without doing it. Maybe we weren't there yet. I'm sure that was my fault. But my heart ached that he hadn't even tried. Once he was far enough that I knew he wasn't going to look back at me, I turned to his mother. So what should we do? For the next hour, we walked around spending time at each of the booths. For her it seemed like a reintroduction to old friend. Everyone mentioned how good she looked and she credited having Cage back. When she was done with that, and no one was back, I began asking questions starting with the most basic ones possible. Hearing Nero's stories, I had an idea of what I should avoid. 
I think I succeeded, and by the time Nero returned she was telling me about where she grew up. It was in a nearby town. Somewhere fifty miles from here. I anxiously wanted to ask Nero how things had gone. But I knew if I asked him, I would lose the momentum I had gained with his mother. So knowing I could talk to him about his run later, I continued with our conversation only slightly acknowledging his arrival. You wanted to be a ballerina when you grew up? I asked, hoping Nero's arrival hadn't changed the mood. With tears filling her eyes she tightened her lips and shook her head. You wanted to be a dancer, mama? I didn't know that about you, he said as if coming down from a high. I thought that his wild-eyed energy would cause his mother to withdraw, but she didn't. She turned to him with a softened look on her face and replied. I took classes and was very good. That's why you can dance around the field like you do. You got that from me. Seeing the opportunity I asked not from his dad. She didn't respond. I was thinking she would ignore it completely, until she said he got his athletics from his dad. He got his dancing from me. I didn't react because I was trying to keep her comfortable. But Nero as amped as he was couldn't help himself. He stared at her with his mouth hanging open. I got it from my dad. That's what I said. Should we get one of Dr. Sonia's coconut tarts to go? As good as they are I'm surprised she still has any left, she said changing the topic. Maybe. But what I really want to know is. I subtly put my hand on Nero's forearm to silence him. I'm sure it was hard for him considering he still hadn't completely calmed down but he took my suggestion. Now that she unlocked the door to her past, I knew I could get her to open it. It was going to be a delicate operation, and it made me feel even closer to Nero knowing that he trusted me to execute it. After buying the last of her tarts, Nero had a brief conversation with Dr. Sonia and we headed home. The sun set as we drove. Apart from Nero still seeming a little wired, everyone was in a good mood. So, when I suggested that we have drinks on the veranda, everyone agreed. When did you move here? I asked her. A long time ago. I can barely remember it anymore. What brought you here? I was pregnant with Nero, she said putting her hand on his forearm with a smile. I can't imagine raising a baby by myself. Did you know anyone here? I didn't know a soul. Then why here? When you're a shifter and you don't have a pack, there aren't a lot of options. But I had heard things here and there about this town and who lived here, so I decided to give it a try. I didn't know anyone heard about this town, Nero snipped. I held up my hand quieting him. I was getting a lot of answers, so I didn't want him to accidentally change the mood. He tensed when he saw my gesture but he listened. That was one of the reasons I chose here, because the town wasn't well known. I hear a lot of people like small towns because it gives them a chance to be anonymous. Was that you? Her pleasant demeanor melted into deep thought. That was one of the reasons. I matched her mood. Did it have to do with what happened to Cage? I can't imagine what it must be like to be told he had died when you knew he hadn't. It was very hard on me. How did you even function after something like that? I didn't. Not for a long time. I guess it helps to have someone supporting you as you did. I didn't have anyone. What about Cage's father? He must have been there for you, wasn't he? He didn't want me to have Cage in the first place. Oh no. He was completely against it. But he knew you were pregnant. Yeah. And you told him what happened at the hospital. I told him. 
and the look he gave me afterward, told me all I needed to know. What do you mean? What did his look tell you? That he had something to do with why I didn't have my baby, she said looking into my eyes with sadness. That's horrible. What do you think he did? I don't know. Do you think he had Cage kidnapped? I can't be sure. All I know was that it changed me. I couldn't get back to the person I was before, and eventually, he didn't want to have anything to do with me. That's when I came up with a plan. I was going to get